Friday, March the 25th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. We have a, a ton to discuss, but this is the Sam Houston Saturday Spectacular. Uh, the first half of this episode is going to be all about Sam Houston. We are going to jump into a Saturday primer, a preview for the big day with Martha Clausen. Then we jump into the early pick five. Uh, actually, I'm going to talk to the early pick five. Then Jessica Paquette joins me for the pick six. Then Nick Tamaro for the late pick five. Then Trey Styles for the late pick four. We get the entire broadcast crew on for different conversations to help you out and get you all set up for Texas Champions Day Saturday at Sam Houston. Now, this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets. Give them a follow on Twitter and flip those notifications on. You'll be alerted anytime they go live, like on Saturday, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time for Cutting Nets, or maybe later in the day on Saturday, 6 30 p.m. Eastern Time for Mohawk Mania, previewing the early pick five and that mandatory high five carryover payout for Mohawk. Better than Vegas at BTV Bets. Give them a follow. Folks, it's going to be all about Sam Houston to start. And then following our conversation, so it'll be Martha, then Jessica, then Nick Tamaro, then Trey Styles. After that, we shift the focus on over to the NBA. Eric joins me for a kind of a recap of everything that's been happening the last week or so. And then we dive into the final uh few weeks what the schedule looks like for all of these teams battling for playoff spots we get into the NFL and talk about everything happening in the world of free agency and then wrestling with Chad Cooper AEW WWE previews on the road to Wrestlemania and NXT so Sam Houston Saturday spectacular then you get some NFL free agency news some NBA and wrestling with Chad Cooper on a loaded episode of That's What G Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. 
one click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on the go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. All weekend long, big games at Stable Duel. A huge one for Sam Houston if you want to play along on Saturday. You can go play in a couple different contests and we'll help you out giving you plays for Stable Duel. And we are going to get into our string of guests now. We begin with Martha Clausen helping us out to set the scene for the big Saturday. We do a little preview of all the stakes races. We talk about the major contenders, some storylines, and Martha always helps paint a great picture of a big day out at Sam Houston. So it's Martha Clausen joining us to talk some Sam Houston Saturday. We are just a few days out from the uh, biggest day, I think the biggest day of the meet at Sam Houston. We've got a couple really big days, but this one is really cool because this one's all about the Texas breads and it really gets to shine a light on so many of these connections, the owners, the trainers, the jockeys and the horses that really um, are the bread and butter of Texas racing. And anytime we've got something big happening at Sam Houston, Martha Clausen joins us to to do the primer, to preview the big day. And uh, this one's going to be a really fun night because, Martha, we've, we've talked about these horses now over the last couple months as they've prepped a few times for this big championship day. So we've become pretty familiar with a lot of these runners. Yeah, you know, the cool thing about Texas Champions Day, uh, Gino, I say it every year, is that it's always a couple horses that are very expected, some multiple uh, stakes winners. But then uh, all of a sudden you just get this horse that blooms at the right time and takes center stage. And it's so exciting. So, uh, you know, this is what's going to be fun about Saturday night. And I will add that we had a terrible storm here on uh, Tuesday, very scary. And and probably heard it went to New Orleans. We had tornadoes and all this. But the good news is it's been uh, beautiful, sunny. 
uh, and you're going to have fast and firm conditions on Saturday night. Uh, highs close to 80, which is like <laughs> pretty good for us. So it'll be a really, really good night and a great opportunity to see these incredible Texas breads. And we got the purse bump last year. So we mm-hmm. got the seven stakes races, $100,000 each, 10 races on the card. And like you said, the weather looks great. It just feels like it's going to be a, a fantastic night. And it's crazy that we're getting close to the end of the meet. There's only a few weeks left. Just a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll wrap up on uh, April 9th. And uh, then they go, most of the Texas breads will go to Lone Star, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, a lot of these races were run at $50,000 for a long time, and people were still excited about winning one of the Texas Champions Day races. But for the past, uh, this is the second year in a row that it's been bumped to 200, I mean 100, and that means a lot to these connections, tremendous amount. Yeah, because they're you know you'll see the uh, the names like you know Asmussen and 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 Broberg who will, people know and that have barns all over the place. But for a lot of these connections, this is some of the biggest money that they'll get a chance to run for because they are solely a lot of them are based and do most of their work in Texas and right it around there. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, there are Lone Star's coming up next with their thoroughbred meet, and they're going to have a couple good races as well with opportunities for Texas breads. Um, and then it's kind of just the two tra- two tracks now. Rotama hasn't been doing um, uh, thoroughbreds for a while; still have some quarter horse dates. So yeah, this is an important meet for these guys, and some of them obviously. You see a trainer like Danny Pish, who we've always talked about in the past. He's doing a lot in Oklahoma. He's doing a lot in Louisiana. He's still doing some in Texas. But this really helps the staunch Texas uh, breads and the breeders that really want to shine in their own own turf. You know, a lot of people, they bring their families. They come from Austin, San Antonio, all the surrounding areas. They really want their people to see the horses. So it's it's a really cool night. And there's uh, even really big events happening, as is always the case when it's a a big day over at Sam Houston. They're going to have the NHC Handicapping Challenge where the top two will will get a berth into the NHC final. There's going to be the Race uh, Horse Ownership Seminar, which will be really cool. I got the chance to to meet with uh, when I was over there with you last time. That's right. Met your hero. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. (laughs) Coach Bob. I know. I was like, oh my gosh. I was freaking out. It was really cool. You got to see me all starstruck right there too that was fun, I was like, yeah. What? yeah so that was a lot of fun and so it's just a it's a great night it's a really cool event for everyone around go, go on out to uh to sam houston if you get the chance to get out there and if you can't hang out and we'll all be watching the races and uh, and playing along and just a real cool energy and i'm very glad that it looks like the weather's going to be great too this week Yes, sir. And also, just so everybody knows who's following you, 555 posts a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, So it'll be good to get an early start and get all those races in in prime time. And these stakes races begin, Martha, in race number two. So we're going to take a little preview at some of these stakes and uh, give some love to some of the connections and these really cool horses like in the Richard King Stakes, which is the uh, the $100,000. It goes in race number two. They're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf. We've got you know, some really nice horses that we've become familiar with, but wow, has Singapore Flash just become really good in the last couple starts for Caldwell with Luzzy aboard? Yeah, this is a really nice horse. And uh, J.R. Wills also just uh, for those who follow Mary Rampolini, who's the uh, DRF writer in our region. She is totally the best. She's one of my heroes. She's just amazing on how she covers. Yeah, I mean, Oaklawn and uh, Louisiana, Oklahoma, everything. And she always does a real good job for us. 
as well. And so what she uh, just put out uh, and she tweeted it is uh, J.R. Caldwell has a horse, well, multiple horses throughout the evening. And uh, he was very kind when I talked to him. He's a great guy. He's great. He's just so good about racing and about talking to people. Very proud of his owners. He's going to have all of his owners there. But Singapore Flash has really, really come on. And we had a little prep for this, as you mentioned, last um, um, month. And uh, he beat uh, the 2021 um, TTA champion older horse, Sunlit Song by a neck. Oh, it was a dazzling race. And JR was, he was giddy. He said, oh my gosh, the horse, the finish was so fantastic, but what, what an incredible experience to race against uh, Sunlit Song. He went over and gave Mindy Willis a hug. It was really cool. And unfortunately, Sunlit Song will not run in this because he has a little bit of a, um, a heel or a bone uh, um, spur and he needs some time off, but Mindy's hoping he'll come back. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a little unfortunate to see Sunlit Song run again. She loves that horse. But it really, it sets up beautifully for Singapore Flash. And uh, Caldwell has even, uh, I think, said when I was reading through one of your press releases that, hey, they got a shot to run one, two in here. And they've got lethal, <laughs> they've got lethal move that they claimed and brought in. So maybe they could pick up the pieces there. And yeah. then our old friend, uh, Mujab Jr., who what we, we sort of know with him, he's going to he's going to lay back. He's going to make one late run. If they go quick enough early, he'll have a shot and he'll just come and pick the pieces up like we know what we're going to get. Yeah, it's not the fullest field that we've had for the Richard King, which, you know, but still, you really have to make a case for all of these. And then, of course, um, Karen Jacks is a uh, uh, trainer who's come along. She's we're going to talk about her in the uh, bear less. She's got some really nice horses. And so Stan's hook and bull is a horse that she had that ran third in the Houston turf. But, you know, if the horse can get out from under the rail under Leandro Concalves, who really is a good veteran rider done well at Houston, that horse has a chance too. But I think the race goes through, um, you know, uh, Singapore flash. I'm pretty sure just in terms of his recent form. And of course, Lane Luzzy, who's just doing great job. You know, that was his first uh, stakes win at Sam Houston, which I couldn't which believe. So hard <laughs> to believe, right? I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. He's, he's always in the money and he's won so many races, but he was really excited. Just so humble. He talked about his dad, Mike, when we did the interview, it was pretty touching to tell you the truth. Yeah. So uh, he does a great job and we'll go from one really, really sharp horse to uh, another horse that everybody loves to root for <laughs> in Texas, Mr. Moneybags in race number three in the spirit of Texas. So uh, what a cool horse he's earned over 630,000. He won the uh, the last time we saw him on February the nineteenth in the local prep, uh, winning in the H Town there, beating uh, Algebra, and he just feels like you know that he's going to be making his third start off the bench. Things are going to go really really well for him. But you did tell us the story about M- Mr. Moneybags and um, and former trainer and how the uh, the connection the the trainer's name has now changed. But yeah. it you know it was a very sad story. Tell us more about that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's re- it was a double whammy last year because uh, Roy Cobb, who bred Mr. Moneybags ba- along with Kip DeVille, oh, he was a nice, nice man, and he passed away last summer, and then so did uh, uh, Mike Netherland, who was Mr. Moneybags' trainer. Oh, my gosh, it was just terrible to lose two of those great men, you know, in a very short time frame over the summer. And uh, so, but Mr. Moneybags um, has always kind of been with Netherland and his daughter, Jalen Clary, uh, she's like 20, 25, 20 six years old she's always been part of the stable so fortunately mrs cobb uh, roy's widow uh didn't want anybody you know dealing with uh, mr Moneybags other than uh, jaylen because she knows her well and the ho- they are also committed to it it's 
who is really emotional. It's more than these are the type of things that you see. And it's so much more than a horse and a race. Yeah. It's, it's part. It's like a family. You know, they're yeah. all family and they believe so strongly. And of course, Ernesto Valdez Jimenez, who's really having a great meet. This was a guy a few years ago that was only riding Arabians. Nobody gave him a chance. No. But I'll tell you what, he's a really talented rider. He's a little guy, very little. He gets down low on the horse. One of my favorites, really. Yeah. You like him? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. And, and, and from a betting standpoint, too, like he'll be on the heavy favorite here. But a lot of times he's a little yeah. more under the radar. You know, yeah. he's not the, he's not like the first call jock. Right. You know, yeah. or like the, t- the leading rider there, so he doesn't right. get bet as hard. So you can usually get him at like nice prices, five, ten to one shots a lot, and he gives you a great run for your money. He always does. He gives 150%. And he's now third in the standings. And I'm so happy to see him rise up the ranks a little bit. But, you know, in all, Mr. Moneybags, let's hope um, he will <laughs> he will uh, prevail again because he's just been incredible. The money, you know, Mrs. Cobb uh, had told me in the last interview, she said, we have had so many offers to sell him. My husband had so many offers. But, no, we will never sell Mr. Moneybags. We all love him. He's part of the family. So, you know, I think he's, uh, he's um, I don't know. You know, it was funny because – uh, Caldwell said, well, I'm glad I'm not, you know, he had faced him before. He said, I'm glad I'm not running against Mr. Moneybags with my horse in this race. We're going to go the mile and he's going to stay at six for a long. So, you know, everybody is going to have their hats off to, to hit the TTA champion. He's an incredible horse and, um, you know, it's going to be fun to watch that race. Yeah. He was the uh, horse of the year for TTA in 2019. And like you said, they're going to, they're going to have to really uh, work for it. I mean, wonders of his love from the inside has some speed. You've got carbon striker who may be an interesting claim for Broberg, but if Mr. Moneybags comes up with his A game, he is really, really tough. And he loves Sam Houston too. That's oh, the yeah. thing. It's not, yeah. he loves this track. He likes this trip. He's got, some speed, but he can sit. He's just going to be really tough to beat. Yeah, the only horse that beat him was uh, uh, Greeley and Ben, who, who, you know, obviously that horse has run really well in open company, and he ran a third, and he was coming off the layoff, but when you get him against Texas Breds, um, everybody else, I hate to say it, I don't normally say this, but everybody else is running for second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he shows up with that A game, he is really, yeah. really good. Uh, let's hey. move on to the groovy. We've got okay. Chief Brady, hey, we found out the I think the last time we talked, he had retired, and now Brady is back in just a, <laughs> in just a month. So my how things change. Uh, Chief Brady was uh, was really impressive in winning the Jim's Orbit. It was actually yeah. a great ride by Jansen, but Jansen Melanson, who just yeah. sat right behind and then moved up the inside. It was a yeah. real, real heady ride. And so Chief Brady will try to remain undefeated in the uh, in the groovy. Yeah, he's you know under under two. He basically broke his maiden very nicely, and then he came into the stakes, and it was like you say a perfect ride. Jansen is a good guy, you know, as we talked about before. He's G Money's son, and uh, I wrote a little feature on him because the bottom line is Gerard called me and asked me to write a feature on. He said, you know, in Louisiana he doesn't get a break. He's just considered little G or G's son. He said, but he's a good rider. He's a talented rider, and sure enough, if anybody didn't believe it, then they saw that. And he's had a couple. Uh, Talk about long shots. He's brought a couple long shots in um, recently as well. So, you know, really good ride. They fit. Um, Dallas Keene is taking a little time off. So you'll see Mindy Willis train this horse on um, on uh, Saturday night. But it, we'll leave it all up to Jansen because he knows the horse. He really feels like the horse is versatile. He can go to the lead. Or if he, if he everybody else kind of shuffles up in front of him and he needs to make a move, he will find. We saw that. He'll find the move, whether it be inside like he did before. And, you know, I don't know about you, Gino, but when I see a rider dive to the inside, 
I was like, that's pretty gutsy. <laughs> There's a lot more room on the outside than there is on the mm-hmm. rail. But he didn't he didn't even hesitate. I mean, that nope. was pretty cool. I watched that replay three times and I was like, wow, that was darn good riding, you know. And it's a really nice horse too. Uh, you know, and this is a horse that didn't exactly get it early. They he had a lot of problems, a lot of issues that had to be dealt with, physical issues, and then finally he was sound and um broke his maiden. But to break your maiden and go right into a stakes performance the way he did, uh pretty darn good. So, you know, he's uh, he's going to be one to watch for sure. But there's a couple other horses in that race that could very yeah. well, um, you know, uh, get their share of the um, of the, you know, thing. whenever you see Steve Asmussen have two horses in the race, you better be careful. He's got, um, you know, Ironical, who's a, a too much bling and he's going to uh, start from the rail, but he's had some experience. And then uh, I didn't put this in my quotes because I couldn't reach. Steve until yesterday, but um, he said, take a limo. He said, that's a horse that, you know, basically is stepping up off a very impressive debut. And, you know, of course, Stuart Elliott will have his choice on which horse he wants to ride because he's riding first call for Steve. And who is he choosing? Take a limo. Yeah. So I've seen Steve bring a whole bunch of these maidens and lightly raced horses into stakes level. And I would not be surprised to see uh, him um, do some major damage in in the uh, uh, groovy stakes. Yeah, this race feels a little more wide open than the ones the first two that we talked about right. that seem mm-hmm. like the, the the logical favorites are going to be really tough to beat. I mean, here the outside lucky special was pretty right. nice uh, has has done very little wrong in those three races. Mm-hmm. There's not nothing really wrong with legally lethal and what they've done so far and yeah. we see with these lightly raced horses they can jump up and improve so much. So this is right. this was one of the really fun races to handicap and uh, and, and uh, JR was excited because Highland Highlander Racing uh, Training Center they just opened a couple of years ago. Oh, they got a really really good team of of it's a huge center. You know, it's a training center. It's also they've got all kinds of uh, rehabilitation and incredible equipment uh, to get horses you know come back from injuries and everything. And they've done a really really good job. So that they actually own this horse. And uh, JR is excited about him too. I mean, this might be a race that could prove it's going to be a great race in terms of launching a couple of horses that are going to go further. But as far as handicapping it, it's it's going to be tricky. You got to go a little deeper, I think, in this one. I, I agree on that. As uh, we'll go a little deeper into the card, and we move to race number five, which is the San Jacinto Turf. They'll go a mile and the sixteenth on the turf course here, and we've got the Phillies and mares, four-year-olds and upwards. And wow, was no Moss Tequila impressive for Karen Jacks winning the Miss Blue Bonnet on February the 19th? Because it sort of seemed, I think when we when we talked, sort of seemed like that might be the race to set no Moss Tequila up for this race to be ready. And wow, they were just ready to fire right off the bench there and so impressive. Yeah, that was, a, a sh- you know, Karen's really high. On uh, that mare, she's very talented. And Leandro, um, you know, she had coming off the layoff, and you never know how these horses are going to respond. But Leandro had gone to the farm and had worked her several times, and he had all the confidence in the world. I mean, afterwards, he was like, "Yeah, I knew how well she was working. You know, it's a piece of cake. She's she's definitely ready." So that part was good. And you know, of course, as far as somebody for like me who's gone so far back in um, uh, racing at Sam Houston, it's going to be a little. Uh, 
emotional because last year discreet smile won very very nice a huge guy as as his friend johnny johnson said uh he you know basically uh figure he casts a big shadow in our industry literally and figuratively <laughs> he was he larry larry passed away early early this uh year due to a heart attack sudden heart attack it was a total shock for everybody and i remember last year sophie doyle rode uh sophie doyle's out she's gonna have a baby in a couple months so mm-hmm. we didn't see her this month she's a sweetheart but she road discreet mile <laughs> in the winter circle we were standing rosie i started with not rosie but i started with sophie and she and i are both five foot well she's a little shorter than me but we'll say five five max okay larry's about a foot and a half taller than us and, <laughs> and our little tv guy and i love our tv department somebody wasn't really quite focused so all of a sudden they see me and and sophie and then literally larry's waist i mean that was it's it, like his head know? is off the screen <laughs> so so i kind of caught it off of the head and i just started laughing as oh my god larry larry you're off the screen and he he like literally could like melt down so he could be and and uh, sophie and i were just laughing so hard because he's such a good he's a big old teddy bar teddy bear guy and it was so sad to lose him so suddenly but his good friend johnny johnson they've been training together working together for a long time he's going to saddle discreet smile for his owner breeder sylvia baird it'll be very emotional obviously i it's hard for me sometimes to completely i can't you know i'll just be honest it's just why i love doing racing publicity because the people so even though no mas tequila is a wonderful mayor i'm super going to be pulling for discreet smile i think it'll be an amazing victory for johnny and for sylvia uh if if uh, she's able to come back and and defend her her title what a what a tough year it's been over uh for at sam houston with some of the losses Wow, yes. Oh my really gosh. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. It has been. And we're really gonna see. We're gonna hope. And we'll be rooting, and we're gonna see a lot of uh, these connections. I'm sure. You know, like what, like we saw um, after the, uh, you know, after some of your interviews on on uh, Texas Preview Night, they're gonna be very emotional because, like you said, it's just it's it's racing, but this is. This is a, a lifestyle for all these people. This is right. their livelihood. This is their family. Um, these people, and um, yeah, very, very sad. And we'll see if Discreet Smile can get into the winner's circle. That rivalry between Discreet Smile and No Mas Tequila—they faced each other a few times. Yeah. They yeah. also have Zerelda right next door, who's a, a seven-year-old mare, but she's certainly capable too. So, uh, a fun race for these older fillies and mares going long on the turf. Hundred percent. Let's get into the next stakes race, which is the Yellow Rose. It's going to go as race number six, another $100,000 stakes race here. So they're going to sprint six furlongs on the dirt. And what's cool about this race is there are some really, really fast fillies and mares in here and some sharp ones. I mean, of course, like Lady Ave has just keeps winning and she's been facing open company. Now she's going to step back in with Texas breads. We know how good Bernie is. She just didn't seem to like going long on the turf quite as much last time. Her deal. Yeah. 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 So she, yeah, you exactly. She's, She's going to be a factor for sure, providing that she comes, you know, providing that sometimes when they switch the surface and they have a bad out, they're not as confident the next time out. And that would be my only knock against Bernie. But otherwise, you know, she was definitely the favorite in the turf race. She didn't prevail. She'll be favorite again. But, oh, boy, she could have some competition. You got I'm a discreet lady who actually won this Mm -hmm. race last year. She doesn't get the she gets a little bit of a tough draw. With uh, yep. with the rail draw here, and I will say, I just did an interview earlier today that's going to release next week. I did an interview with Ty, uh, um, uh, Ty Kennedy, and he yeah. was talking about how I asked him who of all of the riders out there, you know, if you're turning for home, who is someone that you're like, uh-oh, 
I know I'm in trouble because they're really good and they're going to be giving me Rye. a strong ride. And he mentioned Rye. And he said, yeah. <laughs> he said, this guy, it doesn't matter if you're battling for fourth and fifth. Right. He will, he wants to beat you. He will right. outwork you and outride you and just, you right. will never yeah. have it easy with him. Yeah, 100%. He just came back off days. So, <laughs> so that proves that. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, he's really strong. He's he riding super well for Broberg. And you know, one of the things um, Gino is that a lot of people say, oh, Broberg's just a claiming guy. But I'll tell you what, he and his owner bought this mare at the sale for uh, 50000 Excuse me. He loves her. He loves her. He loves this mare. That's a stakes horse. And you know, he, he, he would never sell her. He would never get her claim. She's already earned $414,000. And uh, he brought her in the TTA two-year-old training sale. So, um, you know, it's like a special uh, mayor to him. And you don't see Carl Broberg get too emotional. I'm not too, I don't I don't mean to knock him. I love Carl. We get along really good. Yeah, you but, have a you good know, time with him. Yeah. Yeah, we always have a good time. He And and the, I couldn't quite put his quote in about drawing the red. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to have to Unless bleep the I'd whole thing it, out. <laughs> yes. If I'd taken tremendous liberty, I might have been able to. No, I don't think so. I had to stay out. But he wasn't happy about the rail. So you hit the nail on the head without having to allude to that quote, but yeah, no, you know, she's got a huge chance. And then as I also uh, wrote about, you know, she's our fastest. This is a a Philly that we just had the TTA awards last weekend. So she was honored as 2021 TTA older mayor. I'm telling you, this is another family story because you've got um, Scott Gellner who, um, you know, Louisiana, but had some Texas stuff. And now his son, uh, 22 year old son, uh, JJ is training this horse. And now she is, you know, they brought her at a sale for uh, 50,000. She's on the brink of 500,000. I think with a hundred thousand purse, she's got to either run first, second, maybe even third or fourth. And she's going to eclipse the 500,000 mark. And boy, are they excited about that? They love this mare. From like a, she was beaten the neck last year in this mm-hmm. race, and yeah. from just a pure like gambling, handicapping the race and gambling standpoint, she looks like she should get a really nice trip because she can sit off the pace a little right. bit. And there's right. a like we said, you got Lady Ave, you've got Bernie, you've got Metallic Silver, who are all really fast. And then mm-hmm. with I'm a discreet lady drawing the rail, she might get forced a little bit and have to right. go a little fit faster than she wants early. That could put she's our fastest in a really great spot. I got her picked on top in here. So I think oh, she gets. The, yeah, That's I think awesome. she gets a great trip. So I, I'm, I'm hoping she gets the setup here uh, in the yellow rose. So we're continuing on with Martha Clausen. Always so happy to be uh, catching up with Martha and talking about these big days at Sam Houston. And Martha, we get to race number seven. Another hundred thousand dollars up for grabs. It's the Barrel Lass, and this one is for three-year-old fillies. And uh, another one that seems a little a little more wide open You know, you can make some cases for a few in here You've got Texas Thunder, who's really, really sharp right now Has won back-to-back stakes races and is very quick But she might have some company up front But I guess the, the talking needs to sort of begin with her for Karen Jacks Because she's done a great job with this one Yeah, well, they were really surprised I mean, When she won the Darby's Daughter I think it was like she paid $34 I mean, because she is just cu- she's coming off the layoff She hadn't really shown anything But boy, she just turned the corner She had the maturity She did beautifully with our friend Ernesto Valdez Jimenez He just took her to the He just he never fusses with horses He gets them to the place that he thinks they're going to run best And then he's just chill as can be And so she responded really well And then she had a little more She didn't. He didn't have to go to the lead Well, he didn't get the lead in um, in the uh, two Altizano But it didn't matter You know, he just sort of t- Top of the stretch, let her go, and boom, she she uh, she prevailed. So 
you know, very good shot for her. Karen says she's like a real sturdy horse. She reminds her of a quarter horse. She runs like one kind of just brawny, but uh, and she's a beautiful filly too. But you're right. You know, we've got Eagle Express. She was just honored as TTA mm-hmm. champion, two-year-old filly. Well, she's very well-bred. Steve liked her so much after she uh, broke her maiden at Lone Star. He sent her up to the grade three shot, uh, Schuylerville at Saratoga. Oh boy. You know, that's <laughs> for him yeah. to say, okay, we're sending this, yeah. this filly to Saratoga. And it was a little tough and you know he he basically just said look she's been close you know it's just she's just got to run a little bit cleaner and she's got a chance and how many times we've seen several especially last couple weeks as when the handicappers ignore asmus and then and then here comes Stuart elliott and you know 12 or 14 dollar winner i'm telling you you know i don't think you want to ignore eagle express in this race yeah and then gustafson uh is worth mentioned too for tolanda who had who was a, a pretty nice winner and she and uh, tolanda's been facing open company so right. the move in with texas bread should very should really help her too yeah yeah i mean she's well bred too you know they people love austin you know when i looked at the uh morning line i never like to criticize morning line but five to two hmm, because i don't the zia princess it's not like eh, i don't know i don't know whatever you know maybe they're going to be right but i think a couple others have a little more uh, you know sometimes you you get a horse that has um run in other jurisdictions and they don't always take to sam houston but yeah. you know we don't want to overlook her, but you're right. I think it might be a pretty, uh, a little more open than a couple of the races, but I guess I'm pulling for Eagle Express <laughs> for what it's worth. Yeah, Eagle Express trying to yeah. maybe sit a little trip off the pace. They should be ready for a, a nice one third start of the form cycle for Asmussen. So right. we continue along and our final stakes on the card is going to be race number nine. It's the star of Texas. And it's, a, I mean, this this race was probably one of the more difficult, I think, for Nick Tamro just to try to make the morning line yeah. because mm-hmm. it's really wide open. Direct yeah. Dial, last year's winner, always gets a lot of support in Texas and and is one that's really popular. They've earned over 500000 an 11-time winner, four of those wins at Sam Houston, but but hasn't been quite up to his A game in the last couple starts. But right. you know he can always take another step forward and get back to his best, so he always gets a lot of support. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. He's 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 still a stallion. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I never I should have asked Steve about it, but obviously he's uh, by seven year olds by too much bling, but he's not a gelding. He's a stallion, you know, so whether or not they're going to retire him and breed him, I mean, sure, seems like he would do pretty well. But, um, you know, sometimes these horses just don't want to retire. They want to keep running. And he always gives and he looks more beautiful every time. Even Steve, who doesn't wax poetic very often, his comment about this horse, he's just so beautiful. (laughs) For someone who sees as many horses as he does, right, to hear something like that, like to still get starstruck a little bit. That's cool. Yeah, he's a teeny bit starstruck. And, you know, uh, Mr. Farish was one of, you know, Steve, when you really look at him and you've known him for as long as some of us have known him, it's, it was really, he will always pay homage to his Texas connections, Mr. Farish and then the Heilig Broads. And, uh, you know, he's got a couple other people who who literally got him started and still run horses with him. And he, it means a lot to him, you know, believe it or not, it does. But anyway, direct dial, you know, whether he's seen his best racing Maybe, except for the fact that he's returning to this, he's run, you know, maybe he's not a sprinter, in my opinion, and he's sprinted a couple of times and hasn't done all that well, but now he's going to go a mile, mm-hmm. and, you know, Stuart Elliott back up aboard, I don't know, he's, like Stuart says, he's a cool horse, he just loves him, you know, so we'll see, but, you know, if we're going to talk about uh, Caldwell again, Algebra, he used to run for Danny Pish, but he mm-hmm. was claimed 
and he's done extremely well in his last starts. He's a good, good, good closer, uh, very, very strong runner, and Lane Luzzi, you know, fits him beautifully. So when he basically, you know, he finished second to Mr. Moneybags, <laughs> well, you know, and that was, yeah, JR, yeah, we ran a big race in the H-Town, but I'm glad we're not sprinting against Mr. Moneybags anymore, but he certainly has the style to be able to get a mile and then, you know, a couple others in there too. I mean, like how about Bob who, who just like, look at who can I Bob has lost to in his last two races, Mr. Moneybags and then Singapore yeah. flash before that right. he was behind Singapore flash and sunlit song. What's cool about him is he seems like he can run short, longer on turf on dirt and he just shows up each and every time and and lays it all out there and sometimes he just gets beat by a little bit better horses but he's a real trier He'll, he'll get a piece of it. And then, you know, uh, so we haven't seen a whole lot of Brett Calhoun this meet. Uh, some He's kind of just uh, being a little more selective and he's going a lot uh, to Kentucky and everything. So he had a lot of horses with some Texas owners. Um, Carl Moore now uses Karen Jacks, which is, she's excellent. But Gold Pilot is um, he won, um, you know, one of the prep rate, one of the races as a three year old. And he's obviously very, very capable if he comes back to form. So, it, you know, that's going to be an interesting race. And I I, I really don't want I wouldn't want to handicap that because I like <laughs> like a direct dial so much. I'd be rooting for him. But, you know, he, he's going to have to work pretty hard to get that get, defend his title, I think. Seven stakes races, all $100,000 on the line, 10 races on the card. I think they've got two pick fives scheduled. There's a a horse race ownership seminar. There's going to be all sorts of cool stuff at Sam Houston on Saturday. And uh, we will be playing along. We will be focused and we'll be given a a spotlight. I always love this opportunity to give the spotlight to a lot of those Texas connections because they, they do such a fantastic job. And it's great to see them running for some big money out there, Martha. Yeah, a hundred percent, and we're gonna have good weather. And yeah, bring I say bring your handkerchiefs. No, <laughs> it may yeah. be a little emotional with some it of it. Will. That's the beauty of it. And you know, I think that's one of the things I've always said in my role as a publicist. You know, please understand that as amazing the horses are, when you watch them run and you bet on them and everything, don't ever overlook the fact that it's a huge team behind them, starting yep. with the breeder and the trainer, and then we don't talk on enough all about the help in the barn and the, you know, everybody who's supporting these horses and who loves them. And so I think you really get a chance to see that up close and personal on Texas Champions Day. And I think this will be an excellent, excellent addition of uh, this, uh, you know, this championship that we hold every year at Sam Houston. And it's actually a, a big weekend as far as a lot of the stuff that you cover because <laughs> Sam Houston is Saturday. And then right. on Sunday, it's the Mardi Gras Derby at Louisiana down. So just tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about what, what we can expect there. All right. Well, yeah, it's, um, you know, Louisiana Dunn's has a new owner, Kevin Preston. He purchased it this year from uh, the Caesars group and he's all gung ho. He's a great guy. I call him a breath of fresh air because he wants to do all kinds of great stuff and make racing great again. And, uh, you know, he's sincere. He's, he's a real go getter. So, um, yeah, we have trials for the both the Mardi Gras Futurity and the Derby. The Futurity actually is the first official Futurity of uh, Quarter Horse Futurity of the calendar year, and so that's going to run this year close to a four hundred thousand dollar person, and the Derby for three year olds as well. It's a scholarship day. The Louisiana Quarter Horse Breeders Association has uh, earmarked over seven hundred thousand dollars to help Louisiana students further their education. So they're going to be giving out uh, nice. scholarships and 
uh, Kevin and Louisiana Downs is matching them. It's supposed to be a thousand dollar scholarships, and now Kevin matched them dollar for dollar, so they're going to give away three uh, three $2,000 scholarships. It's awesome. And all you have to do is go out and sign up and be there for the drawing. You don't have to write essays or do all kinds of blah, you know. <laughs> so so cool. it's exciting. Yeah, and they're getting ready to have their uh, thoroughbred meet. It'll start on Kentucky Derby Day. And believe me, Gino, you and I will be talking about that because Kevin's bringing back some big races and purses and a lot of opportunities for Louisiana Breads and some open company at Louisiana Downs. It's in Shreveport, not too far from from Texas, pretty close, actually, to uh, the, uh, you know, uh, Arkansas, Texas, North Texas area. So but um, a lot of opportunities there. So appreciate you uh, mentioning that. Uh, I've been very fortunate to do PR for both Sam Houston and Louisiana Downs for a, a number of years. And it's um, it's a fun, fun thing. There's some crossover. Some horses are the yeah. same, but some are different. <laughs> and that's fun, too, you know. So anyway, it's been great. It's always fun talking to you because you care so much about our sport. And, um, you know, it's really nice. We need people who are positive talking good stuff about horse racing because that's what it is, you know? I love it. And I'm really excited about uh, what's happening at Louisiana Downs. I've heard a lot, so many positive things about the energy there. So I'm reaching out. I'd love to try to cover some Louisiana Downs stuff here on uh, on my show as much as possible. So we'll try to talk more with you about LAD as the thoroughbred meet gets closer. But you're always a great follow on these big days. Everyone can follow along with everything that's go- that's going on with Martha. She does a great job posting stuff on social. Media, you can follow her at Martha Clausen with uh, two S's, C L A U S S E N there, and she'll uh, she'll always share um, her reports and and let and uh, interviews and just great tidbits and information and always really cool stories and that's what's nice is that. We'll, you know, I, I'm going to have Jessica Paquette on and Nick Tamro to help handicap some of the races, but we get a lot of the stories about the people, the behind the scenes stuff from you, the setup of everything and how it's all come together. So that's what's great on, on these days where we can get all of that and, uh, and really give, uh, give Sam Houston some love. So thank you so much, Martha, and you have a great weekend. I know it's going to be a busy one for you. My pleasure, and enjoy your birthday week. Remember when you're Thank working you. in racing, and it happens on your birthday, just take the whole week and it's enjoy week. it. You know, you we'll deserve just spread it. it on out, right? Kick <laughs> back your right. feet That's up right. a little bit. Thank you, Martha. You have a My great pleasure. one. We'll, we'll talk again real soon. Thanks, Gino. Bye-bye. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more on this Sam Houston Saturday Spectacular. We're going to get you all set up for the big day at Sam Houston. Great catching up with Martha. She always just gives us so much information and uh, we have a couple handicappers that are going to join us uh, along the way. We're going to have Jessica Paquette help us with the pick six. We're going to have Nick Tamro help us with the pick five. And Trey Styles help us with the pick four. And since some of the earlier races were a little bit chalky, I figured I'll take care of those ones myself. Uh, because a few of them will see some heavy, heavy favorites. So let's dive into the Sam Houston Saturday card right now. Let's start with race number one. And I'm going to look to the outside at Bebop Baby if you're looking for, you know, maybe a little bit of value here. Bebop Baby, uh, two starts back, ran into Take Charge Woman, and you see Take Charge Woman a couple times there in the running lines. Just the, the races that Bebop Baby comes out of, I think, are some of the better ones. You know, Mississippi Bling, that's the horse to beat. Forwardly placed should be the one they'll all have to catch there. The four, Stan's Golden Path, was very impressive winning, but she hasn't run since June of last year, and she's had some hiccups in the works. But that impressive debut was was really nice. And then you've got that's a lot of bling. Who she's a little quicker than she showed last time out, and she, you know, she can sit a bit if if need be. So I stacked them seven two four five in race number one. 
at Sammy H. And then in race number two, it's the Richard King turf. And you'll have Singapore Flash, who's a heavy, heavy favorite in there. I thought the four Bubba Bling would be, you know, if you're if you're trying to beat Singapore Flash or looking for someone else to include in exotics. Bubba Bling, I think you can put a line through the race last time out. That was against Open Company, against a really sharp horse named Perfect Star. Two starts back on February the 19th was tracking and just got shuffled down on the inside and the top two cleared off and he couldn't come on again. What's wrong with the January 20th race when when he was only about a length and a half behind Singapore Flash and, and that was his first start since May? So I think Bubba Bling is the horse who I'll include with Singapore Flash in some exotics and then Mujab uh, Jr. underneath. He, he will come running and pick up some pieces late. Easter snap to the outside should be forwardly placed. In the third race... It'll be really tough to beat Mr. Moneybags in here. He's the heavy favorite on the morning line, and it's just a, a great spot for him. The one wonders of his love, second start off the bench, big, big speed, and maybe Mr. Moneybags lets the one go and tries to sit off. If that's the case, then wonders of his love could possibly get a little brave and sneak away. Carbon Striker off the claim for Broberg would be a, another strong, logical contender in here. But no doubt about it, Mr. Moneybags is going to be very, very tough. Uh, a very short price, logical, um, early exotic single for many. The fourth race is the Groovy, and this one is a very, very wide open race. I think you have to use a lot. Um, I'm going to lean towards the three, take a limo who sat three wide, just a really nice trip off the pace. And I think just knowing that he can sit a little bit um, could work out well in here. You've got the seven, legally lethal, who's one of the quicker and drawn towards the outside, gets off the rail there. The five, Chief Brady, trying to make it three for three. Chief Brady sat perfectly behind uh, what was a nice little pace battle, and then Jansen Melanson just ducked down to the inside in a great ride. Three seven five. the one ironical. If you toss the sloppy race at Delta Downs and you go second start off now, ironical could take a step forward there. The two, Ghost Cowboy, comes off of Back-to-back efforts from a class standpoint That would stack up very well with these And the 8 Lucky Special uh, Has done little wrong in his 3 race career This is a tough race And many that you could use I'm going to lean on the 3 and the 7 in most exotics And I'll play the 5 Chief Brady in some others The 1 Ironical underneath I, I sort of sort of showed you how I stacked him there Three seven five one two eight. I always kind of put them in order And then just how deep am I going to go? Am I going to have one horse on top in other exotics? Or am I just playing Maltese like pick threes and pick fours? In that case, I probably end up using only one or two of them on the on the win end. So that is race number four. As we move to the fifth race, it's the San Jacinto Turf Mile in the 16th. And this is the one that we uh, actually talked about with Jessica to start the Space Spitty. The Space Spitty? <laughs> Space City pick six. The two horse keep the bling is the sort of the price horse that I'm a bit interested in. Second off, can sit close, ride jumping aboard. Jess mentioned Rosie Jane, and then Nomas Tequila. So I'll use one, two, and three as sort of my top tier horses. And then underneath, if you're looking for other unders and exotics, two Della, you could probably put a line through that sprint race on a tough post. Last time out, Discreet Smile, maybe the one to catch, at least should be forwardly placed in here. And Tahitian Breeze, who was facing open company, Last out. I stacked them two, one, three, seven, five, six, 
in race number five. And we'll now get to this fifth race with Jessica Paquette. Jessica joins me to talk about races five through ten. So we'll get a overlap over the next few. We'll get Jessica's thoughts on uh, the rest of the races. And then we'll get Nick Tamro's thoughts on the pick five. And then Trey Styles on the pick four. So everybody that's out at Sam Houston, the whole crew, we were able to, uh, to get them all to uh, come on and share their thoughts. Very lucky here to get lots of great opinions. Up next, Jessica Paquette. It's a big day out at Sam Houston, so we got to go through the che- the checklist with uh, Jessica Paquette. Okay, do we we got the spring new chucks check right on check. those uh, spring dresses? We got a couple of those check check, and then we've got the the hair blowout. Did we get that yet? Big Texas hair, as big as possible. It's full of Beautiful. secrets, full okay. of hairs. Okay, I know. I see. That's what's cool about getting to hang out with you now, Jess. And I was with you last time. I know the checklist now. I know I'm a little bit. I can go behind the scenes now and know what things are like a little bit. How are you doing? That I'm such a creature of habit. Uh, it's more of an indictment <laughs> of me. Uh, I am. I am great. You know. How are you? Doing well. It was such a blast getting to hang out with you last time. Uh, just about a month ago, and that was. Sort of the prep day for this race That was Texas preview day Now this is Texas champions day And you are someone who uh, I've seen you Tweet about this Maybe as much as you tweet about the bad horse And about your marathons That you lo- like you're really a big fan Of these big state bred days When they get the showcase The opportunity for the state bred horses To run for bigger money for some black type because so many of these connections just don't get the chance there they live and breathe texas racing they don't really expand to like asmussen or broberg have barns all over so i it's such a cool day and night when we have opportunities like this for these local tracks to get their spotlight well i can't stress enough how important these state bred programs are for the health of our sport in general but also for the health of the agricultural economy in the country Right. These are uh, these are the state bred programs that support all of the farms in these big rural states and farms then support the feed store and the farrier and the vet. And it, they are really important uh, and great horses can come from anywhere. And we're going to see some really nice Texas breads on Saturday. This is a program that's growing. There are more and more nice stallions standing in Texas, though. Too much bling. The old man is my favorite. So. The the cool thing about this car too is they've bumped the purses because of the last couple of years how how much success Sam Houston has had these used to be fifty thousand dollar stakes then they were seventy five thousand dollar stakes now they're a hundred thousand dollar stakes there are seven of them and it feels like just from a, a top to bottom card this is kind of like my favorite type of card because early in the card there are probably going to be a couple heavy favorites that are tough to beat. But they're stars. It's cool to Singapore see Singapore Flash is so cool. I can't and, wait to see him. Uh, he, he's been unbelievable as of late. Heck, in the third race, you've got one of the more popular Texas bred horses of all time in Mr. Moneybags. Yeah. You know, so those two are going to be pretty tough to beat. But then as you get deeper into the card later, the, the races are really contentious. Like the late sequences are very tough and challenging. So... I think that's like the perfect type of racing card where you have a couple big favorites that are names that everybody knows, and then you've got some contentious betting races, like the best of both worlds. Uh, there is something for everybody on Saturday's card. So we just we say we're going to talk pick six, right? Let's do it. Let's do it because some of the earlier races on the cards are, are a little bit chalky, so we can focus towards the uh, the back end. And what's nice about the uh, the pick six here is. Everything is the low takeout at Sam Houston All of those rolling exotics And we'll get to talk about a bunch of stakes races In this sequence So the pick six starts in race number five 
Jess and in race number five We have the San Jacinto And I I don't think I was quite prepped We You and I joked about no mas tequila And having some Shaquilla shots uh, when, we were, when we were doing the pre-race uh, pre- Preview there But I thought no mas tequila was going to be more of an under Type it felt like Okay cool they're coming off of a, a layoff They're going to use this race as a prep And be ready for the next one But they were ready And they just crushed <laughs> they crushed. Um, and you know that old saying, like, if I didn't go to the wedding, I'm not going to go to the funeral. And I didn't like her then. And I don't like her here. At a much shorter price, right? Yeah, I'd rather. I This is actually my, one of my stronger opinions on the entire card. And this is a little bit of a weird one. Um, number three, Rosie Jane. I am fascinated to see this horse on the turf. She's by Court Vision out of a mare named I Am Jane Doe, who was a true local two-turn turf horse. She won the Richards King Stakes. And I remember this filly last year. She didn't seem like an awful lot to me. But has had some time to develop. The surface switch might be the thing. This is one of those Steve Asmussen, Stuart Elliott horses. When she wins at 10 to 1, everyone's going to be like, why didn't I have her? How did I miss her? Well, here mm-hmm. she is. Yep. And you see the lone sib, one on the turf. You mentioned that damn Texas bred success. I think if you're playing you know, early pick fives or if you're starting to pick six here, she's a must use to me because I kind of agree. Like, no mas tequila. That was the race to have her last time. Yeah, and- I didn't have her then. I'm not having her now. Maybe she beats me, but I'm good. And if she beats you at eight to five or a really short price, well, then it's okay. You know, you're not going to be like you can just oh, okay, pick five next, right? We move along. Like it's not it's not going to be one that you're going to be all too worried about. So uh, no mas tequila. Um, uh, keep the bling maybe. Yeah, no mas tequila, no mas, no mas. mas. Uh, Keep the bling maybe lightly race rise jumping on. That's kind of a a fun price. I could even see you know Tudela making a case for some of those grass races. Yeah, those are the other two horses that I like. You kind of nailed it. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, discreet smile. Sad. We had uh, Martha on. It was like, wow, Sam Houston has dealt with some real tragedy over the last year or so. They've lost a couple um, real well-known trainers and owners, people who were big parts of Texas racing for a while. So there might be some some tears shed after some of these stakes races if uh, if the connections win because they're going to be some a lot of memories out there for for these connections. I know one sure. of them here with discreet smile, and then even later on uh, in the card. So. Tough year. Uh, it's been a tough couple years for everyone, but it feels like it's been a really tough year out there for for Sam Houston and Texas racing. Yeah, yeah, no, I know uh, for sure. Uh, it's a nice tight knit community. Okay, Jess, let's get into the Yellow Rose. That's race number six. That starts the pick five in here. And I mean, it, at first glance, it feels like there's a, a pretty good amount of speed. There are some nice, nice fillies and mares in this spot. Um, mares, I guess, older, because we've got Bernie, who just didn't seem like she wanted to go long on the turf last time out, but she's got some quality. What about, what do you do with Lady Ave, who just keeps winning? She's and is just so good right now. Against Open Company, too, and now she gets to, to jump in with Texas Bread. So how'd you see this race shaping up? I mean, the pace really is the pace dynamic, right? So I went yeah. with She's Our Fastest because I think yeah. uh, Richard Aramia will be able to kind of sit just off of what should be a really hot pace. You have to think Lady Ave, uh, I'm a discreet lady, and Bernie slug it out on the front end. And if she can be in that second flight, I think she'll be in an ideal position. And maybe Lady Ave is just too good, but She's Our Fastest, I think, offers a little more value. I know. Was I saying? Was I saying Ave? Was I going? Uh, I mean, you lady might be Ave? right. You I think. Know, it was, I, I don't. I don't know. We could do the I'm Ave only Maria. Yeah, or we could do the Lady Ave. I, I wasn't sure. I think I even said Lady Avenue one time, which I I can tell you is probably not correct. So that I mean, that one I can say for sure is probably not right. Um, we'll defer to announcer Nick Tamro here. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm with you on she's our fast. It just feels like the trip, right? Yeah, she feels like I, the yeah, only exactly. 
the most genuine one that wants to sit a little bit and close. She was beating a neck in this race last year. I think the post kind of hurts. I'm a discreet lady. If she was drawn a little more towards the outside, I might think she could sit a little too, but she might get forced and caught up in that pace battle. So she's our fastest. We actually don't want her to be the fastest earlier in this race. No, at the we, end. We'd like her yeah, to be just fastest at the end. At the end. Just, just yeah. sit a little and then be the fastest uh, as we move into the late pick four, starting in the Barra last here. This race, I thought maybe the most contentious race on the card. Um, I mean, Talanda, who has been. Facing open company now gets in with Texas Breads and was really good in winning that But she's going to have to deal with some speed To the inside with a horse like Texas Thunder You've got Moro Lingerie who beat A couple of these uh, Jan's turn to win was is 15 to 1 and was not far behind Them in stakes races I'm a Sky Traveler Was really good recently I have no knocks against really Ex- Eagle Express or Texas Ascot Queen The 7th And I think this is it the 7th and the ninth to me Are the most difficult races on the card Just from a wow good luck Because this could be anybody's race Yeah I think these are the races where you have to be prepared To go pretty deep you can make a case for I think Pretty much all of these horses My top selection is number 5 Moro Lingerie um, Judge a horse by the company they've been keeping Her maiden win has shaped up to be a key race With them a sky traveler and turn on the bling Both winning at next asking they're also back in today And that's actually where I give Moro Lingerie a little bit of an advantage I like that she's coming in fresh I don't recall her being the biggest bodied Most strapping type horse So I think uh, the time between races is probably best And you know it might be a little deceiving In the running line like if you didn't watch the race She sat pretty nicely off You know she wasn't like battling up front So I think she could be fine sitting second or third And not needing to get caught up in a pace battle If she has to So she's she's really nice And like you said she beat a couple of these That have come back to win already Um, I'm going to probably include Texas Ascot Queen In a spot or two She just was a little unlucky with her race shape Uh, She caught two gate to wire winners in her last two and she yeah, may I think get she's a, actually going to turn out to be a very nice I think she's going to turn out to be a very nice horse Yeah she just may need a, a little bit of pace To run out same with Eagle Express But I'm not, I'm not sure maybe she was a little more Precocious she hasn't quite gotten back To some of that early form uh, that she had Last year but a very Contentious race to kick off the late Pick four in the Barra Lass For the three year old Phillies Let's start the late pick three We get to the turf course here So we've got Texas We've got a uh, Texas bred maidens three-year-olds in here And the one horse who I was curious if you were going to be uh, including in some exotics I think may improve on the turf is the nine alligator crawl Did Damn. you steal my notes? Oh, there we go Tell us a little <laughs> bit about this one I, knew you, I just as a pedigree I, I try to handicap the handicappers sometimes, you know and So uh, here, tell us about this one I am so predictable. Um, anyone who knows me a little bit can kind of can, can tell where I'm going. But yes, that debut effort, really not good. Um, but I almost like to see a horse have such a bad debut because sometimes those can't be, uh, you know, can't be true. Uh, they have can only go upwards from that point. And I like to switch to the turf uh, by Mr. Bessie Lou out of a smart strike mare. Turf, stamina, influence every which way. Second start, now we get to see what he's made of. He's a must use for me in the pick fours. Just a must use uh, as a horse who's got a lot of upside and can take a step forward Because after him, you know, the 6 and the 10 are kind of super logical You know, I'm a big bopper and, and yeah. lost gold, it, yeah, they, make they make a lot sense. of sense And I mean, he to me, Alligator Crawl is kind of the, the intriguing horse um, I actually spoke with Trey, I was so lucky because I've got the full crew for the show that I'm putting together today I got Martha Claussen, I've, uh, you, Nick Tamaro, and Trey 
all together on one show So literally like all of the crew from Sam Houston I was able to get together And uh, Trey kind of mentioned the two Get Wit gone as a horse who we thought could be a little closer up on the stretch out They do have a turf winning sib If you're looking to get creative in a race I would never talk you off of a, a long shot horse Who's got some turf pedigree upside here So yeah, you know, you can get a little crazy with a horse like the two But we'll try to get to the uh, to the alligator here And do that alligator crawl with the nine horse Then a couple other logicals Anyone else here worth mentioning? No, you covered it Let's get to the star of Texas this might have been Nick's toughest job as far as just making the morning line because this is such a good race. Direct dial, he'll always get support in Texas, but you never know. You know, you're seven years old now and you've run a couple times and maybe you lost a step or two. He was last year's winner and he does get back to a mile. So he you you do have reasons to build some upside in there. But I, I mean, pick pick who you want to go with. Gold pilot. Could make a lot of sense in here What does Kenai Bob do wrong ever Like nothing Yeah right he's just so consistent Yeah he lost to Mr. Moneybags and Singapore Flash Two horses that are going to be probably the two Shortest price favorites on the card And he runs long Short dirt turf Doesn't matter you name it he shows up You know algebra is in really nice form Right now that was a great claim uh, Bobby Brinkley I think is sort of under the radar In here and he would not shock There, Dustum's got races that are good enough To get here uh, Which ways are you leaning Jess? So a couple of things on Bobby Brinkley Who I do really like I think he's a very live long shot here I remember seeing him in person last time He looks like to me the kind of horse That can be a little tough to get all the way fit um, We don't body shame here but he was a little heavy. Uh, a little chunky. He, he, was a, he, was a, he was a little fuller. Um, and I, he strikes me as one that may need a couple of races. So I think he's really heading towards peak performance. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in person. Uh, I love the two starts sprinting, stretching out to a route. A lot of upside with Bobby Brinkley. Yeah, My Bobby. top pick is Algebra, though. Loved his race last time out. I've loved him all season. Luzzy and Caldwell have been so live. I think this horse is just in the best form of his life right now. Algebra is going to be on my pick four tickets as well And uh, yeah, you, you know, the the cool direct dial Who's an 11-time winner and the former uh, Texas bred horse of the year He's earned over 500000 He should have every opportunity in here But this is a contentious, contentious group I'm glad you mentioned Bobby and Algebra They'll both be on my tickets And then uh, and Bob will definitely be sort of like my top, top tier In the star of Texas That is the final stakes race on the card But we still close things out with a good First level allowance race going five furlongs On the turf course here so if you're alive In the pick six or the pick five or the pick four Or the pick three or the double How many how many are, who are some of the horses Who you'd uh, you'd want to feel comfortable here Having in this last leg I really like the nine B lose gold ran well yeah. on the main track His race came off the grass last time up but He's much much better on the turf Has a nice sharp turn of foot I think he fits here Also like who's your daddy who is I mean this poor horse has gotten so unlucky I think he's been scratched out of a couple of races When the races Mm -hmm. come off the turf He's just been trying to get that start against winners Loved his maiden win We don't know what kind of horse he is yet He only has two starts Who's your daddy is going to be I think I made him my top selection and he's nice What's cool was we were doing a little stable duel preview Earlier today he's a great like stable duel horse Because at 10 to 1 he's only going to cost you like a thousand If you're someone who plays in, sure. in those games He's great he's a first time gelding And in a turf sprint I love The style that he showed because I don't necessarily want just a One dimensional horse but I don't Necessarily want 
a horse who's going to be a stone cold closer. So I don't. I want someone who can kind of be like a tracker, just like him. I think he checks a lot of a lot of boxes here. The nine, like you mentioned, feels like the horse to beat. Um, a couple of the others are are sort of logical, like the one Bedouin fighter. I'm sure people will will use uh, the ten sign of war. Actually, has a, a a pretty good turf sprint two starts back. You can you can go to and look at and uh, and the five maybe if you wanted to get. Yeah, a little creative coming off of uh, some poor efforts, but actually it does have some decent turf form also on what is a really, really great card. Jess, I cannot believe that there's this this weekend and then two more weeks. That's it. It's gone so quick. It's really flying by, and I have to give you a shout-out. You've just done such a fantastic job um, the last couple of years at Sam Houston, and it's been really cool getting to see you like rejuvenated a little bit. You were sort of like... Not in the public spotlight for a while When Suffolk Downs went away You weren't like covering races at tracks as much And then boom, with Sam Houston We've seen you at Colonial You're all over the place now um, It was it was so fun after so many conversations We've had through the years To be able to hang out with you too So it feels, feels like things are going uh, going well for you And uh, I like I just love seeing your success You do such a fantastic job You're honest, you're genuine You have a good sense of humor too You don't like You're not like stuffy Or stuck (laughs) You know at all Which is like That's nice Like you're just a real person Which is great Right back uh, at you my friend Uh, Yeah You you always have a cheerleader Over in Massachusetts I look forward to the next time When uh, our paths cross Hopefully it's not too long And uh Good luck out there this weekend Great job calling the races Good luck at Colonial And uh, we'll be following along with you on social media Now go get that blowout Alright, have a good day, okay. Gino, good luck Bye. <laughs> Okay, talk soon, that's Jessica Awesome catching up with Jessica Good luck to Jess this weekend Out at Sam Houston And uh want to remind all of you Before we connect with Nick Tamaro About one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full service realtor Cindy Carava. And as a full service realtor, she can help you out in many different ways like buying, selling, leasing. And she can help connect you to the right kind of vendors. Maybe you want help with home improvement. She'll connect you with the gardeners, landscapers, painters, people that she's had experience with working in her own home. Maybe you just kind of curious of where you stack up. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. Maybe you need help with the the loan process. She'll connect you with the right type of lender who will make that process very easy for you. She will help you out in Southern California here, San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County. But if you are just having problems in your area, finding someone that you trust, just getting the best information, contact Cindy on the website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, and she will make sure she'll help you out. She'll put you in touch with someone in your area that she knows, that she trusts, and she'll make your life a heck of a lot easier. Cindy Carava, check out the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Up next, it's the voice of Sam Houston, the man who uh, you hear calling the races each and every night there, Nick Tamro, a very sharp handicapper, he sets the morning line. He calls the races. He is Sam Houston through and through. He loves this track, and he comes to hang out and talk late pick five with us here. Nick Tamaro up next. Really crazy to think that the meet is winding down already over at Sam Houston. Feels like we just got things started, and uh, we just started hearing this man's voice for the full time over at uh, Sam Houston. We're going to have a, a conversation now with track announcer Nick Tamaro and handicap the late pick five for the big Saturday. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, my friend. Glad to be with you, and uh, shame we don't have you down here again. It would have been a lot of fun. 
Oh, I know. It was a blast. I gotta, I gotta say, thank you again. You took me out uh, for a nice little Texas barbecue. Yeah, I mean, you treated me. I got the the southern hospitality that you hear. I got to meet your family. You got me, took me out for the barbecue. We hung out before the races and played the undercard. So you were an excellent host. I gotta give you tons of credit. Hey, I appreciate it. You got a little Texas hospitality. Hey, that's and and uh, I will say for for you in particular. This has got to be pretty cool seeing how things have developed over the last few years. Uh, you're a Texas guy, but you're also someone who's big on the racing scene. You know what's going on all over the place. You're playing all sorts of different circuits. You've had many hats in racing in different places. But just being a local guy and seeing how things have grown because, I mean, we don't have to sugarcoat it. There were some lean years there for Texas racing. Yes, absolutely. This this really serves as a great celebration of the resurgence of Texas racing in a variety of ways. You know, clearly the the stock is better, the horses are better, and I think we're going to see that throughout the the night tomorrow night. And uh, the purses are better, which helps a great deal as well. You know, there was a long time where you know this event was run at a similar purse structure, but you, know, you had horses in it that couldn't be competitive in virtually any open company type of yeah. races. And I think that that has definitely changed in a big way. So. It's it's great to see and it's great to hear from young horsemen and horsemen really of any types that are talking about how excited they are about their future being in Texas because we've just not been in that scenario at any point in the past. So it, the times are changing in a, in a positive and big way. And like uh, always when it's a, a big day, it's it's an event. Everyone likes to come out to the track. I know they're having uh, seminars for new owners. There's going to be um, all sorts of uh, people out there having a good time. It just it's it's got that big day feel where you have seven stakes races on a ten race card, uh, all of them worth a hundred thousand dollars. Like you were saying a few years ago, these same stakes were worth fifty and then seventy five. So they got a nice little boost. They sure did, and you know it makes a difference. You see the the quality of the horses that are being claimed with an eye on these, and um, now are taking the chance to be there. It, it certainly it certainly adds up very quickly. And uh, I I know we got to give a shout out uh, to Frank Hop because he did a fantastic job laying this card out. I'm sure he's told you that three or four times already uh, in your conversations. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, what what you get is you get in the early part of the card, you get some of the big stars that are going to be really short prices. And then in the later part of the card, you get some of the real good betting races that I- I'm sure a few of them were probably difficult for you, even just trying to make the morning line on who's going to be favored. Yeah, including the star of Texas, where apparently yeah. I made the wrong wrong horse to favorite. But <laughs> um, I guess we'll find out in, in you know roughly 35 hours or so. Uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. He did a good job putting the, the shorter priced favorites early so that they're not in the way of any of the uh, the multi-race bets. So fingers crossed that we've got a small pick six carryover tonight and maybe we can see it stretch one more night and have a little bit a little bit of money in the kitty to get things started. We're mandatory paying the pick six tomorrow as well as uh, both pick fives, which start on races one and six. So it should be a really fun night of wagering. And these late races look competitive and deep and they look like they're, they're going to be a good time. NHC contest out there too, right? Absolutely. NHC qualifier tomorrow night. You can buy in until uh, the first race tomorrow night with cash. So if you're in the area and, and are listening, come on by and try and qualify to next year's NHC, which they just announced is going to be from uh, March 10th through the 12th, which means with my, my seat already secured from 2022 that I wasn't able to use, I'll be there for certain. Oh, awesome. So, uh, well, you, you'll be able to go, uh, take pictures and get autographs from Nick if you're uh, out there at the event. Uh, okay. Well, you I'll can take hear your my... picture and get your autograph. Exactly. You can hear, of course, isn't it like the life of us as podcasters and content creators? Like as soon as we start recording, the people outside are like fixing the wall and there's like, the buzzers start going and everything. It's just like, it's automatic when something like that happens. Right. It's just oh, one yeah, to yeah, not. Absolutely. Murphy's law. <laughs> 
It's one to nine. So yeah. let's get into some of the uh, the racing this week. And if you want to follow along with us, we're going to start in race number six. We're going to take a look at the late pick five there. Remember, all of these multi-race exotics, you can play in that low 12% takeout. And what's so great, Nick, is, is we talk about how some of the tracks, a lot of tracks you'll see, they'll have like one low pick, to, low takeout pick five. But sometimes they're not the best races on the card. Sometimes you're looking at those races and maybe you just don't have the strongest opinion there. I never as a better feel forced into sequences when I'm playing Sam Houston's racing because I can play a double, a pick three, a pick four. I can attack any of the the races that I like. And that's what I think that's the way it should be as a gambler. I don't like feeling forced into certain wagers. Yeah, agreed. And and I think the yeah, what you just said is exactly right. I mean, the cornucopia of options at a low takeout price point are all fun. You know, I think the minimums are good too. The the fifty cent minimum in the pick six makes it much more approachable. And you know, all of a sudden you lay out the sequence and what you like and you know, it's twenty four dollars instead of forty eight for a base ticket. And that makes a difference in the long run. So I think you, you couple those things together, it really makes for a for a pretty fun experience. Okay, one more before we get into the, the handicapping. How's it been for you being the track announcer for the like for the full meet for the full time? This is something that I'm you know you hadn't ever done at this clip at this rate, and I gave you a few uh, messages where I said honestly, you know, I don't have to mute you when I'm watching the replay. So that's that's how I know you do a good <laughs> job because you, you do. You're very well prepped. You're you're obviously you take it very seriously. But what has it been from your end? How have you felt about the job you did, and and what's it been like playing that role? Yeah, that's a big vote of confidence. I, I like the uh, only a horse player really would appreciate the, the compliment <laughs> there. Yeah, used in used with quotes around it. It's been great. It's been a ton of fun. Um, I mean, look, it's been a trying first quarter of the year for me, uh, losing my dad back in January. But um, that was was, you know, just part of, of the, the whole experience, because luckily what it led to was a really, really fun Houston Racing Festival for me because we we had his funeral service the day before. And we still had a, a ton of family in town that was here for the for the races the next day. So it, it ended up working out perfectly well. And uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's been it's been challenging at times. Um, it's, it's obviously been a lot of work, but I think I've I've adjusted my schedule to fit it in. And, um, I, you know, I still maintained a full time job in addition because uh, it's not it's not full time work. So it's been I mean, I, if I would have imagined what it would have been, it's probably been that and more. Um, it's been very very gratifying. It's been very satisfying in a lot of ways. And so, you know, it helped me kind of hone my skills to develop a talent that I really didn't even know. I was worried. I mean, I, I, I sat at dinner with my parents. It was actually the last time the three of us went out to dinner a couple of weeks before the meet started. And I said, well, I'm nervous and I'm, I'm just not going to know what to do. And and my mother looked at me and was like, "Really?" So I think yeah. you're, I think you're going to figure it out. Yeah, so would, said, I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about that. You could tell pretty quick. It's like one of those things when you're having a conversation, like when you play catch with someone, right? You could tell within like a few, like a minute or two, you're like, "I don't know, they they're pretty good." Just like the way they throw the ball real quick back and forth. And I think the first couple times, even when you filled in, you could tell that. It's the work ethic. You take it seriously. You're you're not going to go out there and embarrass yourself. You don't want to do that. You're going to be prepared, and uh, and you've got what I uh, you process the information quickly and you talk pretty quickly. And those are two things that are good for horse for being a track announcer. Like you have skill sets that fit the job well. You take it seriously. So uh, an extra pat on the back for me, man. Great job so far, and uh, I always look forward to hearing your calls. Uh, you do a great job out there. So now let's see if you can pick some winners uh, for uh, for us in the late pick five. As we head over and talk about the yellow rose And I mean just at first glance Right tons of speed on, on paper In this race 
yeah, that led me to my selection of the four She's Our Fastest, mm-hmm. who I think is going to be pretty well fancied at the windows because everybody can kind of see how this race shapes up on paper. She looks like she'll get the best of it pace-wise. She's cutting back in distance from seven and a half around two turns at Delta to this six furlong race. And she's run well enough to win this kind of race in the past on really on multiple occasions. You know, she exchanged decisions with I'm a Discreet Lady last year in March and April losing the yellow rose here uh, on Texas champions day and then coming right back and winning the blue bonnet. So it, she's a, she's a very solid horse that, that has really danced a lot of dances. And I think the race that people will hold against her that January 20th allowance, I just think it was run at a tempo that was really never going to be conducive to her style. So Bernie got away with really, really soft fractions. And I wonder if Bernie's speed might be dulled a little bit, shortening up in distance. So I, I felt I feel pretty good about she's our fastest. And I mean, really, she should be the fourth choice. I don't know. Maybe with the way the pace sets up, you'll see her getting bet a little bit more than than like a lady Ave potentially. But I think we're going to get decent value here. Yeah, I was going to ask. OK, because I've called her Lady Ave. Lady Avenue I just I think I've said four different things okay Lady Abe Was the right way to go Jess and I were kind of butchering the name uh, Earlier before because we were Laughing about it and then I'm a discreet lady Who if she were drawn more towards The outside I would like her more in this Race because she can sit a little bit but she might Get kind of forced and might be in some Trouble with with Lady Abe right next door And you know that she's going to be winging it yeah, that's the worry, right? Is how is Rye Eichelberry going to work out a trip from the inside? And she did have a pretty soft trip last time out. Worth noting, the runner-up from that race, Champagne Affair, came back and won an off-the-turf race yesterday. So, I mean, there was no doubt that I'm a discreet lady beat solid competition. It's just going to be a little tricky. And, you know, when I'm a discreet lady beat, she's our fastest in the Yellow Rose last year. And granted, they're coming from slightly different walks of life now, if you will. Um, she had the best of it, pace-wise. I mean, that pace was exceptionally slow, and uh, and she stayed on, really needed need, need at the wire when it came up so I, I think when push comes to shove I think she's our fastest is uh, just as good and I think has the benefit potentially of a, of a better setup the I'd say the seventh and the ninth were those those are the most competitive that I thought I mean just as we get to the bear alas here this is a fun race because you know you you bring Talonda into the equation now and so you know Talonda's got some speed and Texas Thunder's been flashing really good speed in the last couple but with the likelihood that this could be an honest pace it may open up the chances of a couple others that you know maybe can sit Eagle Express Texas Ascot Queen what do you do with Moro Lingerie who was forwardly placed beat a couple who have come right back to win it wasn't like Jan's turn to win was all that far behind or disgraced by some of the others and There are a lot of directions you could go in here. Yeah, there are. I I mean, I, I, my first inclination was to kind of look past the one, two, three finishers from the two Altizano. The problem Mm -hmm. I have with doing that is the Texas Thunder really set a fast pace. And so she ran really, really well. And, and so I don't want to downgrade her chances terribly. The problem is she's going to be under the gun from the start, breaking from the rail, turn on the bling is likely to scratch. Um, And that's going to put Texas Thunder really in the, in the crosshairs for everybody that wants to do a little bit of their running late. And, you know, if your Jan's turn to wins connections, you probably have to engage Texas Thunder a little bit more than you did. And the other thing is, is Talanda has a lot of speed. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to see what I think could be a pretty forced pace here. And, uh, and, and so I picked I'm a Sky Traveler, who is cutting back in distance. Yeah. She's coming back quickly. She ran just eight days ago. Didn't get out of the gate particularly well. Ended up making an early move to contest the pace. That was against older Phillies and stayed on really well to the finish. I thought for a second an upper stretch that she might actually pull it out. I'm a sucker for cutbacks anyway, and I think mm-hmm. this one is going to get a really good trip from off the pace. So I wanted to try her at a 
at a square price, but I'm going to use every bit of the four, seven and eight. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't know how to handle Mara Lingerie. I thought Mara Lingerie was a really nice debut winner, had kind of a soft trip, but really took advantage of it. And I got a lot of respect for what Danny Pish has done over the years in the, uh, the Texas bread ranks. Yeah, Texas Ascot Queen was one uh, I'm glad you mentioned too I think Eagle Express, I'm, I'm not sure Maybe she was a little bit better at two Like she could get a trip in here But I think I like a few others a little bit better than her Yeah, I kind of, I, I hear you I don't uh, I don't know if she's going to be quite good enough We'll We'll see This is race number seven This one kicks off the late pick four The $100,000 bear alas Let's get into race number eight We've got the Texas bred maiden three-year-olds Going a mile on the turf course here And as far as like the sequence is concerned I'm a big bopper Makes a lot of sense coming off that runner up ever And you have lost gold who was not too far Behind I'm a big bopper there And then other than that you don't have horses That have a whole lot of turf success in here No you're really dealing with very little turf Turf uh uh Form and not a lot of turf pedigree either. So yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a slog in that respect. I I picked it six ten nine five. I mean, I would use the six nine and ten. I'm yeah. a big bopper. Supposed to win based on his last start, the mm-hmm. improvement shown in his second turf outing, and uh, and lost gold ran I guess equally as well, if not maybe a little bit better, being closer to the base. So those two made the most sense. The best pedigree to me is a little bit of a fuzzy one, that of Alligator Crawl, who was out of a a dam, who was a three time turf winner. Interesting to me that uh, for these connections lane luzzy willing to take the call that of course means that uh, that, that joe santos was uh, was willing to take it on so uh, the horse did only miss second by a length and three quarters of course the winner won by 23 lengths last <laughs> so yeah mi- mixed signals there but uh, nonetheless the turf pedigree is is of all of them that's sort of the one um our buddy uh trey uh mentioned the two get wit gone as a possibility to maybe can be close up on the stretch out at a big price they have a turf winning sib but i agreed with you this one felt sort of like the race runs through those horses with the the, the best turf experience the uh i'm a big bopper in lost gold and maybe alligator crawl the the fun horse to uh step forward on the grass let's move to the ninth race the star of texas here um yeah, I thought this race was was probably the hardest job you had, and you already joked about somebody telling you you you, you made the wrong horse the uh, the favorite. But when when you have a horse like you know Direct Dial, you know Gold Pilot is going to take some the money. Obviously, I think that's where you lean. Direct Dial is going to get the support of as a Texas bred and just the the former horse of the year, one that's very popular and that people have seen win a whole ton. But this race is really really difficult in a fun handicapping way because. No one's going to be a very short price And you can make cases for and against Just about everyone Yeah, I think it's a good way to describe it It, it, it is a very evenly matched bunch And uh, that's why you see <clears throat> excuse me, A lot of horses that have traded decisions with one another And some that are coming in Looking like they're in better form than others I mean, there was a period of time where Direct Dial would be a very heavy favorite in this race And now it's it's you know a different stage of his career so he's still a horse that with a, with a great deal of ability, um, and maybe it's you know it's maybe it's algebra's time to shine. He's been very very good since he was claimed by uh, J.R. Caldwell. Um, we're going to see what he can do now in his third straight start since that claim. He's run very well twice in a row. Looks like the inside speed. How much pressure is he going to get from Dustin or Bobby Brinkley or even Sunday Bling? Can I Bob's probably not going to let them get too far away. I pick Can I Bob. Uh, you know, looking back at the the 
and I know it was in the mud, but the one mile race that he ran at Lone Star last June, I was actually at Lone Star that day. I snuck out of snuck out of work when I was in Dallas for the, <laughs> the week and uh, and he ran great. I mean, he was I, I thought that between popular kid who that's the popular kid that ran third in the Razorback, by the way, that's the kind of field that that was. Hunk of Burning Love came in in incredibly good form for Carl Broberg and uh, can I Bob ran really well. I think he's going to get a very similar trip sitting just off the pace. And um, and I, you know, we'll see how much he ends up engaging them early. Those kind of races make him very tough in here. Um, but I made Gold Pilot the favorite in large part because I thought he'd get the right kind of setup. And and he's a horse that still looks a little bit progressive. He may not have the back form that some of the other ones in here do. So we'll see. It's a cha- very, very challenging race. I'd be willing to stand uh, alone with Kenai Bob a couple of times, maybe on some extra tickets as well. He is so cool, too, because he can do it all. He runs short, long on any surface. He'll just fight. And I, I was doing a uh, a jockey interview the other day. We're doing these weekly jockey interviews now, and it was with um, uh, Ty Kennedy. And he said that we, I was asking him who who are some of the other riders that you know he, he looks up to, or you know, turning for home. Who you go? Uh oh, they're right next to me. And he mentioned Rye, and he said, I, I don't care if we're running for third or fourth. He's gonna wor- outwork you just to win that position. He is gonna not stop working. And he just seems like a perfect fit with this horse. It's like the horse and him both are the same type. They're just going to fight you all the way and and just leave it out on the racetrack. Yeah, I actually uh, interviewed Rye last week for the uh, Who Are You third episode, and and we talked a little bit about that. And you know, it's part of the reason is Rye is very big for a rider. He's mm-hmm. five foot nine, so he's got long arms, very strong. And uh, and really works hard on his fitness to stay on his game. He's very good. I mean, he's been he's been excellent at this meet from start to finish. And really, the depth in our jockey colony has improved so much. I mean, it's really increased immeasurably, and and he's a big part of that. So yeah, it's good good to see. It's pretty cool that, that we've got those kind of that caliber of rider. Yeah, you have him come in, someone like Aramia come in, and then some of the local people that just get better, like Luzzy. It continues. Goncalves has just sort of been right around there, and then it's it's the depth is great. And I went out and shook his hand in the paddock, I, and I'm like five. I'm not tiny. I'm, I mean, it's skinny as a stick, but I'm like five nine ish. He he's as tall. He's taller than I am. He's taller than me. Like he is like oh, like, Michaelberry, wow. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was. He's. I'm six foot one. He was a little bit shorter than me. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh, he's he's a big he's a big guy for a jockey. Absolutely, and he's been just doing a fantastic job. So uh, let's uh, let's finish this thing up with the tenth race. We got first level allowance going five furlongs on the turf course here, and I think the the horse that you made the slight morning line favorite, Baloo's Gold. This is a horse who's been pretty good. Like his best turf sprints. Are pretty good like his A game two back Was good you can make an excuse for the Race that was taken off the turf and so You know from a starting point a a lot of Exotics I think will probably start with him Yeah I think so I mean the race that he ran On January 28th just seems to make sense I know it was against slightly lesser class wise But he's going to get a good setup again And uh, this is a situation where I think you just trust Mindy Willis who's so good in turf sprints Between this one and and Captain St. Jacques I thought we'd find the winner among those Two The, the, the big play here to me is to Bet against Bedouin fighter I don't think you want to use Bedouin Fighter, who beat a really weak field last time out with a great run on the inside. The inside was really good that week, too. I mean, you sort of saw a lot of horses run uh, run well up the rail, and, and there were, I think, every almost every five-furlong turf race was, was one wire to wire, some of them by big long shots, too. So... I'd I'd want to pitch Bedouin Fighter, really concentrate on the seven and nine. I'd also probably use Who's Your Daddy, the six, a little bit, and uh, and just play this for a little bit of a pace collapse. 
Yeah, one other horse to mention, and uh, uh, maybe the ten whose two back turf sprint wasn't bad. A sign of war, I could I could make a case for, and just at, at least wanted to give a mention to um, uh, Ernesto Valdez Jimenez, who wow, w- what a a few years it's been for him because he was solely like an Arabian jock for a while, right? Yeah, he was a very small time. He's done great. He's got over forty wins at the meet, and uh, continues to just ride well on a daily basis. He's good on speed. And right, and then it's like it, that's just such a forgotten thing in this game nowadays. So many, uh, so many times we see horses get taken back and and raided, and you just most of the time you're not going to get that with him. He'll get aggressive, and then when anyone else gets cute or gets got gets caught napping, he's just going to win. <laughs> well, you know, he, unsurprisingly, those days that I was referencing where it felt like being inside was an advantage, uh, he did very well yeah. because he puts a lot of his horses on the lead, especially going long on the turf, and that pays off. You know, speed is a real weapon, and and use it or lose it. So when you use it, it's going to help. Nick Tamro, the track announcer over at Sam Houston. You can give him a follow on Twitter at NTAMM1215. Nick, man, just a great job this meet. Again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you in person after having a lot of conversations. And I will make sure that I get out there at least once a year now and and hopefully a couple times there because it was fun. I had a blast, and I love your racing. I've always been such a big fan of it. And uh, anything that you guys ever need over there, any help, you just let me know. Absolutely, my friend. It's been all our pleasure as well, and uh, look forward to the big night and talking to you soon again in the future. Okay, good luck over there. We'll be sending a lot of money in through the wickets, and uh, and we'll be uh, pumping things all all Saturday for you. So tell Frank and uh, and Dwight and the whole crew over there that we'll uh, we'll hold down the fort for you on social media while you guys are out there live handling it. <laughs> We're gonna trust you to do that. Okay, brother. You take care and uh, have a great weekend. That's Nick Tamaro, track announcer, there as we continue on on our massive. Sam Houston Saturday Spectacular Oh love the alliteration there Don't go anywhere So you want to set the mood You're looking for something All natural Soy wax Non-toxic baby Sense for every season Now don't be afraid baby Just spell it out Get promo code Gino gets you ten percent off. Mm-hmm. Great stuff from Nick, and don't forget about SarahCandles.com and that promo code G I N O. It'll get you ten percent off your purchase. We head to talk late pick four now with Trey Styles. As uh, we literally got the whole Sam Houston broadcast. Trey does the. Track feed, a lot of the previews and Sharpie time. Jessica heads out there for the big days to help them out. Nick does the the broadcast and Nick does the track announcing and Martha goes out and does the stakes interviews. We got you the whole crew for Sam Houston on this Saturday spectacular for Texas Champions Day. Up next, it's Trey Styles talking late pick four. We continue on with the guests for the big Saturday. Over at Sam Houston And up next, it's going to be a man who uh, We were trying to get on uh, a few different times Throughout the year, but the schedules just were a little bit off But we finally were able to link up For the big day Uh, I was able to meet this guy for the first time When I went out to Sam Houston about a month ago Trey Stiles, really, really sharp handicapper Man who's qualified for the NHC 20 times Was a top 5 finisher just a few years back And you'll find him uh, doing a lot of the paddock previews out there at Sam Houston, a lot of the uh, Sharpie time too in the uh, the pre-race previews. And what I love about Trey is he always will try to give you some good prices. He'll always try to beat the chalk if possible. Trey, how you doing today, buddy? 
I'm doing wonderful. And yeah, I always want to do this with you. I, I, my schedule sometimes just doesn't let me get ahead of the game like you need for this, but I'm yeah, glad we were able to do it today. Perfect. Exactly. It worked out great. So uh, yeah. perfect time for the big day. So we'll talk a little late pick four. And this is a cool day because we get uh, all these stakes races, big money, and a lot of the Texas connections getting the chance to uh, to win a stakes race and getting their chance to shine. So I always love these really big Sam Houston days. And it's pretty crazy that there's only a few weeks left in the meet. It's been flying by. I know we're we're almost done. It's uh, yeah, I guess one more after this weekend, right? I, I have to look at the calendar, but there's I think not two much more. Left. I think there's two more. Yeah, I think two we more. have okay. this week and then two more because they've they've actually been nice. The last couple of years, they've been able to add on a couple more dates since things have been going so well. So uh, I always uh, always enjoy watching your uh, your pre race analysis. I think you do a great job. And like anything, when we're gambling in this game, it's all about the the value, right? Trying to find some prices. So I always appreciate that. That's uh, that's something that you seem to do. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's there's no getting away from it. But, yeah, you know exactly. But, uh, I, I try, I try to give you some options, and usually I'll admit it when <laughs> if yep. it's a you know if it's a tough one to beat, I'll jump in and say so. But if I can find a way to give you some some angles to make some money, I sure try to do that. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can find uh, a few of those angles to talk about for Saturday at Sam Houston. So anyone that wants to follow along with us, we're going to look at the last four races on the card races, seven, eight, nine, and 10 for that late pick four. So uh, Trey, we begin going six furlongs and we've seen Texas thunder uh, a couple times now get out front and win a few of these stakes races in back-to-back months, first in January and then back again in February when I was there. I was about um, to say, I think you were there in person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so this is a nice Philly. It does seem like she may have a little more speed to deal with in here. Cause I think Talanda from the outside is kind of quick, but what were some of your uh, kind of first looks at this race and who are some of you, the ones you think you need to use in the pick four? Well, the pick four I use, I, I give out a pick four early and late, every pick four we have. Uh, and I try to keep it at $30 or less. Sometimes, you know, I think today I, or as we've recently, I've had some $10 or less ones even. But uh, so this is this late pick four, though, I, I think you could stretch a little. I probably on my own ticket might go a little over 30. But yeah, we're trying to keep it under there. I, I decided to go three deep here. Uh, using the Texas Thunder you were just talking about for just the reasons you were saying. I mean, this is a horse that uh, there's a lot of ones when you look back in the, mm-hmm. in the running lines. Uh, you know, a lot of single, a lot of stick numbers there. But like, <laughs> this horse gets out and goes on the lead. And, and Sam Houston, that is a huge advantage, especially at six furlongs. I mean, anywhere going six, obviously, the closer you are to the front, the better. But uh, this the, this horse can take advantage of what I think you need to be doing when you're running six at Sam Houston. And I mean, I made I made Jan's turn to win right next door. The three. I mean, these two ran against each other in that last prep. The two Altizano, and were right there. I mean, they went off about the same odds. They ran right, you know, one two all the way around until the very end. And you know, they're looking at Jan's turn to win, lost by half a length. And I think literally, I mean, the, I think the morning line is probably pretty close. I think you're going to get two or three times better odds on Jan's turn to win than Texas Thunder. Well, I think they're comparable horses, and then maybe if you made me just pick a winner, I'd probably maybe go with Texas Thunder. But I think I think you get some money with Jan's turn to win. The horse Completely is right there. Agree. Completely, especially if if someone from the outside can put a little bit more pressure, because I think Jan's turn to win it can sit a little bit, or totally might want to sit a little bit more. And then maybe that sets up even better for her in this race. If, you know, maybe Talanda pushes Texas Thunder or those two and a couple of one or two others go fast. So I think from a pick four standpoint, I'm, I'm using Jan's turn to win for sure. Yeah. I, I, and that was one of the things I was going to say next. You stole my thunder. Here's like, Jan's <laughs> turn to win can, can close, right? It's done in the past last race. 
kind of went a little faster. I would expect with all the speed in here for, for this horse to kind of lay a little off this time because there is a lot of speed in here. Like you said, yep. Talanda, a couple of the horses on the outside, maybe Texas Ascot Queen maybe goes out. I mean, this is a hard race. This is it one is. of the more competitive races of the day. So I always say that on Sharpie time or when I'm doing the previews, this is a competitive race. And if you ever hear me say that, you're not going to, hopefully you're not going to hear me come back with a you know nine to five shot. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So, right, I try not so, to, you, so. so you said three deep in here, Texas Thunder, Jan's turn to win and, and you might be using one more. Yeah. I'm going to go with Moro Lingerie, the, the five nice. horse, just two starts. And I, I just think there's lots of upside here. And Danny Pish, I, I ran the numbers. Isn't bad at, you know, I get nervous when a horse just second starts trying to stakes race, but, He's pretty good at that with uh, going to these non-graded stakes off of a maiden win. So I think I think there's a horse with some serious upside in the times, you know, right there, right? I mean, beat yep. some of these other horses in the race. This, this one looks pretty tough to me. And Pish and Goncalves together, I think there's a lot of upside with that one. So I'm going to use all three of those. Yeah, both of those horses the, that are in this race that she beat came back to win too. So a productive victory for Moro Lingerie. Yeah, we see it very, very similar here in this early pick four. Uh, the other one I think that we didn't mention, Texas Ascot Queen, I'll probably be including because I think she chased just lone speed back-to-back races. A- yep. And and so, you know, two starts back, she was actually favored in that race over Talonda, and she had a brutal trip. She was down inside, and then one of the horses, she was like in the third flight, one of the horses backed up right into her, and she just had to take up and lost all of her chances. She went from sitting about third or fourth all the way to last and and just had no shot that day. So she might be a little bit interesting, and maybe she is in that like five-ish, six-to-one range. She could offer you some value there. So this is a some of the races earlier on the card, you have some really strong favorites that might be tough to beat, but right. this is one of the the races. I, I agree with you. It does look a little bit contentious and it feels like one where you can look for some prices. There is no, I mean, the clearly like some of those other ways, Mr. Moneybag, some of those, you know, your reference some just, yeah, some awesome horses that are going to be really tough to beat. But I mean, that's one of my favorite horses read. I'm rooting for them, but, uh, but you can't make, I mean, can't make money doing that. So no. here though, man, there's, there's just nothing. It's nothing's easy here. This would be a fun one. It is. I agree. Good way to kick off the late pick four here as uh, we move along to race number eight. So we'll get on the turf course here and we'll go with some uh, some Texas bred maidens. So we'll go a mile and these can get really fun. Who are uh, some of the horses you want on your ticket in this race? Yeah. So I had to, this. Uh, this is the one where on my own ticket, I might spread a little more. I'm, I'm going to go too deep on my official play here. I'm going to go with uh, what I think will be the favorite here. I'm a big bopper. Yeah, I think that's probably your favorite. Probably if you just made me pick a winner, this one I think, I think this one's a pretty solid. I think there's a good chance this one wins. You know, you're dealing with maidens. You're gonna take a little break from the stakes action for this one in the middle of the pick four sequence. But um, I mean, I, I thought I'm, I'm a big bopper. Just missed the last race, but in the process got a career best and field best uh, buyer figure. I get, you know, the, the closing doesn't bother me on the turf. I don't like to see no. big closers on the yep. dirt, but you know, I think that works okay on the turf here. So, I mean, that was my top pick and I'm going to throw get wit gone to two a 20 to one morning line shot nice. who shares the field's best coat buyer. albeit it was two races back uh, with, I'm a big bopper, but I thought get wit gone was horse that, I mean, out of the box looked pretty sharp. Last race was a total clunker. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but ran a pretty decent race in the gym's orbit first out of the box. And so and it gets uh, Manrique on board. I, I I thought it was worth taking a shot 
I'm gonna, so I'm going to throw a. I probably have the favorite in the race, and maybe the longest shot in the race. I don't know. Get I don't, and what's what's cool about um the horse that you just mentioned, uh, the two Get Wit Gone. There, there's actually a little bit of turf too. If you look at one of their siblings, was a Texas bred named Wits Coco, who won in their only grass start. So there's not a ton of horses that tried the grass, but the ones that did have had a little bit of success. And you'd imagine that this horse will be a little more forwardly placed, probably stretching out from down on the inside. And if you're just comparing like the races that some of these horses come out of the chief Brady race, chief Brady's two for two. He's running on the card earlier in the stakes race. And that Klimko maiden special weight race is actually decent. Klimko is a pretty nice horse too. So those are, when you just kind of compare them from the quality of those races that get gone was in, they're not bad. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that was a horse who I was kind of on the fences about, and I'm definitely going to throw into the pick four now the uh the six i agree i'm a big bopper and, and sort of the same reasons that the race the i'm a sky traveler race is good the i'm a lucky right. charm race is also very strong where the runner-up came back to win so the, that, that wouldn't be on the ticket for sure the horse to beat i'll probably throw in the uh the 10 lost gold whose turf form isn't bad you know took a little step forward was was right behind i'm a big bopper last time out maybe they can sit a little closer and get the jump um, and then the one horse I think that might be able to improve on the grass is uh, Alligator Crawl, the nine, whose dam was a stakes winner on the turf and won three times. So I'll probably throw that one in at a little bit of a price with uh, the very capable Luzzy aboard, who always does seem to get a little more speed out of any horse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with, I, I mentioned that I, I'm going to go too deep on my official ticket, but on my personal one, I probably go three deep. I meant I'm probably going to use the same. Well, I don't know if you're going to use the two, but I'm going to use those two. And then I'll probably use your, your, your extra one there, Lost Gold, the 10 as well. Because, I mean, that, this is a horse that the, the numbers are right there. The last turf race is pretty solid. Got out early. I mean, did did just lose to I'm a big bopper and kind of did a maybe a, maybe the career best effort in doing so. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I had to put it a little notch below on my on my picks. But I'm going to go with the, that as my third pick and probably I'll use it in the pick three. Because I think if you can stay live here, I think this has got a decent chance of you know, I, I frequently do have an eight or ten dollar or twelve dollar ticket because I just don't want to hit it and it, you know, and it and doesn't it pay anything, right? It breaks you, even, right? Or, yeah, or, there's or, no or point in doing loose. that. But this so, this one feels different because even as we move to the next race, the ninth, like I don't even know who's going to go favored in this race. It, that's what's interesting. I mean, the, the direct dial yes. probably because direct dial just gets a lot of support and won last year, and it's a really popular horse that people know. But direct dial hasn't been in the best of form as of late and, and coming off of some of their better races and sometimes these horses get a little bit older and and you never really know when they start to kind of lose a step or two so i mean you look around like can i bob is really really sharp gold yeah. pilot comes off of a good effort uh bobby brinkley's interesting algebra there's a lot of ways you can go in here a lot of horses who are going to take some support i totally agree i i my notes i i put down to be sure to, to mention that I think this is the most competitive race of the day. And I don't know even that I think there's a, like, like I don't necessarily mean, I think there's a 20 to one that's likely to win this one. There's just a whole bunch at like yep. six to one, exactly. to four to one that are going to be tough. Right. Or maybe even eight to one, something in that range. But mm-hmm. I don't see huge bombs in this race, but it is a hard one to figure out. And I, I landed on algebra, one of the horses you mentioned, but not, I mean, I have to pick, you know, I can put my picks up on the screen. And so I have to come up with a number one, but this is a tough one. I, but I thought algebra had a good shot. It's probably going to go off around five to one. Yep. Uh, and so I think those odds are pretty, you know, if I get a horse, that I think it's just slightly the best at five to one. That's you know, that's still pretty good, but 
I mean, this one just lost to Mr. I talked about Mr. Moneybags a second ago. This one just came a, a second to Mr. Moneybags, which is, I mean, I think that's the best Texas bread. Certainly one of my favorite ones to mm-hmm. to watch and root for. There's no shame in in uh, in coming in behind that one and beat a lot several of these others in, in that process. So uh, I just thought algebra was a logical way to go. A horse that can can go go on the front end, which I think is probably. I mean, like I said, you don't want to get too far behind. They are going a mile, but. You don't want to get too far behind, but but can close as well if, if it finds that mm-hmm. that's the you know Leslie's got some options with this one, but man, this this is a tough one. I'm going to go four deep with, I think all four of the ones you mentioned. Uh, direct dial, I think, is a horse that's kind of getting better of late, but clearly wasn't running back to the last year's form, top form, uh, the last few outs, but seems to be headed in the right direction. Uh, did just lose to algebra, so you know, but. But I think maybe turning it around and that's just that's going a, a little that's longer a too. And they've got some like they've got some of the best, like the best race from anyone in this race is the direct dials best race. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. Agreed. Yeah. So but and then you got Kanai Bob. You mentioned that. I mean, there's a horse that kind of maybe of recent history kind of going the wrong direction, but then you see some just awesome works, looks yeah. ready to fire on this one. And a horse that historically is one of our better Texas breads. So you know, and some he's big so races. cool. He can run on anything, like any distance, any surface, turf, Anywhere. dirt, yeah. long, short, wet track. And he just shows up. He fights hard. He battles. And even if you want to be, a, we can be a little hard on him. And but you then you look back at who he lost to in his last two races. It's like, oh, the two horses that are going to be heavy favorites in stakes early on the card, Mister Moneybags yeah. and Singapore Flash. So, you know, it's tough to be too hard on him. And maybe he's ready for his best because he's going to go third start off of the layoff, you know, third start of his form cycle. So that, that's what makes this race really fun too. It was, I, I, I agree with the, with the, uh, the assessment that you had is that this was so wide open and you know, you need about four or five to feel pretty confident here. And even at that, there are probably one or two others that you might've oh. wanted to use and, and couldn't. Yeah. I'm going to go four deep and I'm not all that confident, but yeah, you're talking about, can I Bob, I look at the, that, that January race, the first one at Sam Houston, it was an optional claimer lost to Singapore Flash and Sunlit Song. I mean, that, yeah. how, that, how brutal is that? I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> off the tough. bench, you're coming back <laughs> off a six-month layoff, you know, and it's like, oh, you run into those two horses too. And Not- didn't do bad. Lost by a length and a quarter. I mean, yeah, yeah those are two of the best on the on the ground. So, uh, yeah, that's just a tough race. It is. Yeah, one of the ones that I, uh, Bobby Brinkley might find their way onto my ticket too, just third start off the bench, yeah. was in a race last time out against Open Company. Um, they're just sort of trying to figure out where this course fits. You know, they've, they've went, they were here last year and they were not disgraced at all in some tough spots. And then they went over and had a couple of races at Emerald against the, you know, in stakes company that weren't bad. And another one who may be making their third start of the year. That's what's cool about some of these races too. A lot of these trainers, they, you know, they, they prep these horses for these races. So you may only see them and maybe they didn't run all that well last time, but it might've been their first start back or their second start back. And they were priming them for these big stakes races. So wouldn't be a shock to see some horses like that with those patterns step forward. Totally agree. And Bobby Brinkley's guy, if you made me rank them, that'd be next on the list. I mean, yeah. it, and it, but that's a short list, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, a short, uh, difference from top to bottom of that list mm-hmm. it's pretty tight but you know you gotta you gotta scrimp somewhere so i left exactly. that one off my ticket but man i won't be surprised and that's gonna be a pretty good price that'll be probably the higher one of the ones we mentioned yeah fun higher really up. competitive race there in the ninth 
And then we moved to the 10th, five furlongs on the turf course. It's a first level allowance race. And I think you, you told me that you had uh, one of your stronger plays in this race. I do. Well, I, yeah, I'm only going to go too deep here. I, so if I get through to this far, I'll probably be wishing I'd spread out a little bit. Right. But uh, I'm going to go too deep and I'm going to go. Well, uh, the obvious pick is Belou's gold. Uh, the nine. I think that's going to be one of your favorites. I'm going to use that one. There's a horse that uh, is just hot of late last four, a couple of wins and a couple of shows. Uh, Duke last three starts here at Sam Houston. But I'm going to go with right next door. Sign of war. The 10. Nice. I love this horse, right? This is going to be Trey's favorite play of the day, saving it up for the last the last race, the tenth, the ten and the tenth. But I mean, there's just it checks a lot of the boxes. I, I Cesar Govea, I've just been a come a huge fan of his this meet. He's killing it, and when he teams up with Valdez Jimenez, which they do here, who's also I'm a big fan of, and also yeah, me too, yeah, spanking it here. I mean, he's doing awesome. I mean, they literally went about a third of the time when they get together, and so and this horse. Last out at Delta, total clunker. Didn't run, I mean, ran dead last. And before a couple of starts on the Houston turf, uh, total clunkers. But that, that's all at Delta. I mean, clearly the horse doesn't like Delta. Maybe it doesn't like the dirt. Uh, maybe it doesn't like the I mean, That's a funky place, right? It's a different. Uh, yep, different style, a little bull ring racetrack. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's where I used, that's where I first started going to races. So I'm, I'm familiar with it. And, but I mean, but you just look at the turf races here. I mean, two back was on went a mile here at Sam led the whole way around and threw an anchor out at the end at 65 to one. And then, uh, so then they cut back five, like we're going to be going today and wired it. Well, almost wired, but one, uh, won the next one out. And I think a repeat of that last one might get the job done here. So I, I think agree. you're going to get good price. Yeah. I had this horse in my, uh, Probably the three or four that I'll, I'll be ending up using in the uh, in the late pick four. You mentioned Baloo's gold, and I'll probably include the uh, uh, Who's Your Daddy, who will need to improve a little bit. But I was pretty impressed with that effort, and he just sort of has that running style that I really like where he's got some tactical speed. He's got positional speed. He can put himself in it. And wow, when you know, we're, we've been impressed with uh, Valdez Jimenez all throughout the meet. And what I love about uh, him and the same thing with, with Rye is they seem like they do a really great job just getting the speed out of horses and putting them in really nice striking spots. Very rarely are they going to have their horses dead last or kind of stuck behind horses in trouble. You just sort of they give them a chance. And if they're good enough, they're going to win. I always just give me the overly aggressive ride or having a horse in at a good spot versus taking them a little bit too far back because then all sorts of crazy stuff can happen. So I'll probably throw Hooves Your Daddy in along with the, uh, the 9 and the 10, who you made a great case for, Sign of War. Yeah, if I, I I'm with you. I couldn't really throw that one out. I just I decided I'd go spread out in some of the other legs, and I felt strong on sign of war. Yep. So I decided, you know, this is gonna, I'm gonna take a stand here. I'm only gonna go a couple deep here, but this is a this is a good race to finish. It'll be a great race to finish the uh, the the NHC qualifier we're having the same yeah. day. I'll be interested to see how everybody plays this one because there's you know there's horses in here. If you're ahead, you might want to load up on a favorite or. If you're desperate, there's some I can see some wacky trifecta options coming in here. It'd be this is a good race to have at the end. It is, and it's a really, really good pick four sequence on a fantastic day of racing on Saturday. Trey, it looks like the weather's gonna be really good out there too. You mentioned a big NHC contest uh so that's going to be fun i know they have all sorts of other events and uh lots of people are going to be up in the suites i saw you were up hanging out in the suites the other day i i went over there uh last month so just a real cool energy and uh it's that big day feel coming up this weekend yeah i'm excited like when you came and people that haven't been there before we'll get some of that with this contest we'll have you know people coming in from all over the place 
it's a pretty cool place, man. I think people are always surprised when they get there, you know, they, at uh, how neat it is, how, how nice it is. And we're going to have some awesome racing as well. So it's going to be a good day to show off. Trey, uh, it's always so much fun when I get a chance to talk with you. I love picking your brain and I love talking races with you. As I said, uh, you're you're one of the people when I'm watching the races that I don't have to put on mute. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you do a really good job. And uh, anytime that uh, that you have free, I'd love to talk uh, talk some races with you. And uh, yeah, really sad that the meet is ending up, but we uh, we had a cool uh, sequence to talk about. So. Let's make a little money, and we'll be following you on Twitter at ride underscore that underscore pony. Trey, that 20-time 20, 20 qualifier, man. Doing anything 20 times is a lot. That's impressive. Yeah, that that it, I, some, I agree. There's I got very fortunate along the way to catch some of those, uh, but uh, put, a, put together a nice little string. And I'm a big fan of the NHC, and I'm glad we're having a contest there this weekend. And uh, if anybody has questions about it, you know, reach out to me, Twitter, whatever. I'm glad to help you out however I can. Trey, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you uh, helping out and uh, handicapping a little early with me this week. And good you luck bet. all weekend long. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Make sure to give Trey a follow there on social media. He does a great job over at Sam Houston. And just a few weeks left. Such a, a bummer. Love playing Sam Houston, but a couple big weeks left. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll continue on a lot more to discuss. Big thank you to all of our guests. That was really cool to to catch up with Martha and then with Jessica and then with Nick and then with Trey getting everyone's opinion on the big day over at Sam Houston. So follow along on social media. It's me, Gino B. I'll probably have some uh, selections and some tweets throughout the day. Uh, The big night over there at Sammy H. So good luck. And we now make the transition on over. We're going to start talking some NFL. It's our conversation with Eric. We go team by team. We we look at every team's moves that they've made so far in the first week or two of free agency. And uh, we, uh, we react and respond to some of the bigger moves. Positives, negatives, what teams still need. Right now, we spend about 40 minutes diving into the NFL. This has been one of those crazy periods in sports. Just thinking about what's going on over the last... A couple of weeks and what's gonna happen in the next few weeks we've we've had you know football free agency and we're going to be talking about some of the moves that have been going on right now basketball season has the the last 10 games or so it, we're down to the elite eight in the ncaa basketball heck even wrestlemania is coming up next week the last round of kentucky derby preps all come up baseball season free agency has started Eric, there is a hell of a lot going on right now, so we needed to to touch base with you to uh, to break some of this stuff down. You know, the great time of year. I mean, March Madness is all over the place. People are moving all over the NFL. Basketball is winding down, like you said, and I completely spaced about the Kentucky Derby preps. So, <laughs> just so much happening. So, we're just going to kind of run through some of the stuff that's been going on in the world of the NFL, and uh, we'll sort of react to some of these moves right now so i'm going to start in the afc i'm going to mention some of the big moves from each team and then uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll take a minute and reflect on some of them so over in the afc east the bills look even uh, a little stronger eric they were able to add von miller so far and um you know they brought in uh, another uh tight end oj howard um add to the defensive front a little bit so uh, a team that already was pretty well built last year. It seems like they added a couple key pieces on the defensive side in particular. Howard could be sneaky good. I mean, first round pick injuries and whatnot has kind of tampered his development. Um, it always takes a little, tight ends a little bit longer to pick up the game. 
because of the route trees they have to pick up and the pass blocking scheme. That could be a good guy underneath. And uh, we saw they need to be able to create pressure and get to Mahomes with that defense. So picking up Miller is a good pick if he can still have that first step. And over in Miami, they made the big splashy move just uh, in the last couple days. They bring in wide receiver Tyreek Hill. They also bring in offensive lineman uh, Teron Armstead. They bring in Raheem Mostert, running back, Chase Edmonds, running back, and Cedric Wilson, wide receiver. Two wide receivers, two running backs, and an offensive lineman. Now, they check some of the boxes for things that they did need um, and, and you know, position um, needs. But it's going to be an interesting fit when you have someone like Tyreek Hill, who's such a spread-the-field receiver, and then you've got someone like Tua, who you don't really think of someone who can get the ball down the field with accuracy – I, I just don't know if it's going to be the perfect fit, but Miami does have more weapons now than they did a few days ago. So I guess they're in better shape now, but I guess how good will they be? Yeah, and that's a million-dollar question. I mean, they gave up a lot of capital, too. They gave up five picks for a 29-year-old, 29-year-old wide receiver. Um, and personally, I feel that once Hill loses that first step and he's right at that age when – speedsters start to lose that first step he's not as valuable he's not that great of a route runner he was living on being quick once he loses it he's not a top tier wide receiver anymore um to a doesn't really attempt i know like there's some stat people were throwing out yesterday on twitter saying how he was like the fifth most accurate quarterback with quote-unquote deep passes but he was 28th in in attempts attempts yeah, so, so it's really a, such a small sample size yeah. that it's like, of, yeah. and of I mean, course. I look, I look at Tua like he still does only reads one side of the field. Like the, I like the fit offensively. Like a West Coast offense designed to get the ball out of his hands quick. But you got Hill is just a field stretcher. He's had some issues on the sidelines in Kansas City where he's blown up about not getting the ball, some stuff off the field. I mean, what's going to happen the first time, like, he's underthrown and he goes over and he snaps on the sideline? I don't know. I'm not the biggest Tyreek Hill guy. I'm not that big of a fan of the well, He's not the greatest guy in the world either. I mean, he's yeah. he's yeah. not been a great guy off the field either. So it's not someone necessarily that you, you know, you, you want to get behind. Um, over, but they did sign two running backs. That's going to take some pressure off to Yeah, the, the moves that. are fine. And an offensive, like, yeah, like Armstead's good too. Like, that's a night. They checked boxes. I just don't know if it's like an automatic, oh, yeah, let's push them into the playoffs in a tough AFC. You know, yeah, that's exactly the Patriots. A lot of sort of Patriots kind of moves, right? Nothing really flashy, just a lot of stuff under the radar. Uh, special teams, uh, if you get a safety, uh, bring back James White, Ch- Trent Brown, offensive line. So nothing too crazy there for, uh, for the Patriots and the Jets for them, um, you know, the team like the Jets has so many moves they need to make. They have so many holes to fill. They do bring in a couple tight ends that should help secure the blocking a little bit and give a young quarterback a nice target there. So Patriots, Jets, nothing too flashy from either of them finishing up the uh, the uh, AFC. East. I will say this. I thought the Jets' offer for Tyreek was a legit offer. So, I mean, it kind of shows me, like, at least they have someone in charge now that mm-hmm. knows what they're doing that's not overspending for an aging wide receiver. Yep. Because yeah, like in the history, they would go crazy for this stuff, and that so would have put them in a really bad spot. I don't want to say like an educational offer, but it was a good offer. In my eyes. Yeah, they're not going to overspend for somebody. 
Exactly. You don't want to put yourself in a bad spot where you've got a young quarterback there and you're already you're yeah, in they a, need all the picks so that way they can they can build. This is going to be a long term build for them. Mm-hmm. They're just not there. They weren't one wide receiver away. So you don't make that move and overpay unless that's the only missing piece or you feel like that is Um, moving along to the Ravens for the Ravens. They they need some help on the offensive line. So they got a little bit of that up front. They haven't really done a whole heck of a lot. I, I think for a team like them, too, they had so many injuries last year. They probably feel like just getting a lot of their players back and a lot of their team back from last year. They'll be in in, in much better shape this year. Yeah, I mean, they were the most injury rating team in, in the week. You know, you just got to throw last year out. and I, I expect them to take a big step forward this year. Yep. The hey, the Bengals so far kind of quietly. They've had a good offseason. They've signed three offensive line starters. And we know that, yeah. you know, over the last few years, that's the one thing we've been harping on with them. They've got skill position players. They've got Burrow now. So you got to fill in a little bit in the trenches up front and then on the defensive side. So I think some really nice signings for them. Yeah, they need to improve the offensive line. Burrow's been hit a ton and, you know, they, they're prioritizing it. I like Collins. I think that was a huge get. You know, they're they're one of, like you said, they're having a sneaky, quiet, good, good offseason. Yeah, Karis, Kappa, Collins, all three guys, and then you bring in a tight end to sort of fill because you lose uh, Uzoma. So yeah, solid for them so far. Cleveland, obviously things are gonna be way different for them this year. No Baker, he's out, but Deshaun Watson comes in, Amari Cooper comes in. Now, if Watson can play the whole season and What's hard about this conversation is it's two conversations, right? On the field, they're in better shape with Deshaun Watson than they were with Baker Mayfield, and I'm and I'm like one of the people that's kind of higher on Baker Mayfield than than most are. But one, we don't really know that with everything that's going on with Watson, with the 22 women that have accused him, we don't really know. I mean, we we know there was another sec, uh, grand jury yet, just as we are talking Friday morning on Thursday that did not indict him but with all this stuff hanging over the nfl could still i think for the conduct rules suspend him six games this year he's missed a full year of play so i mean that maybe that helps him from not having as many hits but i don't know if he's just gonna boom snap your fingers and be like deshaun watson full speed like we saw a few years ago and how much did the guy want to be here how much does some of his teammates want to be around him if they maybe didn't like what what he did or maybe they don't like the way he's been carrying himself I don't know I think there's a lot of weird stuff here so it's to me it's sort of it's tough to gauge because do they look better right now than they might have with Baker and with Landry now having Watson and Cooper yeah probably but what is the vibe going to be like over there yeah I mean you're already seeing a I read the FBI is looking into lot. Lots of mouths, so we don't know what's going on there. B, you have all these um, businesses that have been supportive of the Browns saying, hey, you know what, we're going to not support the Browns. Um, my thing with Watson is where there's smoke, there's fire. I hate to accuse people, but 22, 23 women, that's a lot. Um, Baker, I'm not the biggest Baker guy, but uh, it seemed to me like most guys in that facility liked him he would like suit up and he would like you know he would he would fight he, for him. he would leave he's a guy he's a teammates know. guy right you may not he's one of those right. guys that when he's on your squad you sort of like him because he'll he as much as he 
he can be immature and stuff. I think they kind of like like as players, you don't mind if other players are emotional out there and are honest and and like like wear it on their sleeve. And Baker is the kind of guy who will go run through a brick wall for your team, right? He'll go get he'll do stupid stuff that the team likes. He'll go tackle someone and make a dumb hit. But that's the kind of stuff that the team rallies around. I'm not saying Watson doesn't do that, but you're right. For as much crap as Baker will get and we've joked and you and I've had a hard time about him he does seem like in most locker rooms the guys like him there yeah but that is yeah the guys like him guys want to play with him this whole Watson thing with what the stuff going on off the field that could be some stuff and we've seen it with running backs and other players that have not played football for a year when they come back it's not there right away and sometimes it never comes back so we don't even know what he's going to look like so I would kind of taper my expectations with this team if he is able to play. Yeah, and then they, they the way that they paid him, sort of like you what you were saying with the Jets, the Browns did the opposite. They were like they acted like they haven't had a quarterback in forever, or they acted like a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in forever. We forget they won a playoff game just last year, and I, I don't I don't like what they did. Maybe it works well for them, but it seemed like you said there's just a lot of things. It seemed like a panic move. It did. It seemed like a kind of a it panic move. Really did. You're right. And uh, Pittsburgh, they brought in Mitch Trubisky to sort of battle for their quarterback spot. We really don't know who it's going to be. Maybe Trubisky, Haskins, Mason Rudolph, they're going to all be in the mix. Miles Jack. Uh, so for Pittsburgh, they got to continue to build their offensive line there. And we got to find out what's going to happen with them in the quarterback room because things will look a little bit different for them. Yeah, I think Trubisky. I think it's Trubisky's job, and I think he's basically um, a good short-term answer for him. He can come in, he can be the starter for three, maybe four years. Um, and I mean, he with the pieces around him, he's fine. I mean, he got the Bears to one division title, two two playoff appearances. Um, I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine. And for the offense, with like the screens, the man in motions, the play fakes that. Um, Steelers want to run. I think he was the best option available. I think they're going to be like battling for a playoff for that last wild card position. We head over to the AFC South. Your boy, the long neck, Davis Mills. And this year is going to be a little bit different for the Texans because, like last year, they didn't have any draft capital. This year, they actually have five picks in the top 80. So they didn't have to go out and do quite as much in free agency. They can try to build a little more through the draft. For them now, especially getting a lot of capital for the Watson move. They got some uh, pieces back. And yeah, for them, I don't know how much they'll need to do and be flashy in free agency. More so than just, these are teams with a lot of holes. They just got to keep building best player available, smart decision making, and just keep like winning small victories on the margins, you know? They just needed talent, like you said. I mean, they just... Basically, they're the only team in the NFL with every draft pick, best player available. I'll just take that one because they have so many holes to fill. Yep. The Colts going to look a little bit different. They bring in quarterback Matt Ryan. Uh, also re-signed Mo Alley-Cox, Zaire Franklin, Matt Pryor, Tyquan Lewis, and uh, Yannick Nguakwe. Uh, so, I mean, they're going to look a little bit different. This team was well-built last year. They probably need another wide receiver or two, just sort of like a marquee one, because it kind of feels like they've got a couple, a bunch of like twos and threes in in the wide receiver room. Uh, Pittman could be very good, but m- maybe he takes the leap. But then behind him, what is T.Y. Hilton? I think Pascal left, 
So I feel like they still maybe need another playmaker or two. Um, what did you think about the Ryan move as far as like an upgrade over what they've had recently compared to Wentz? So where do you think they stack up? Well, the big thing is Eric Fisher isn't coming back, so they need to address the left tackle position. That's got to be priority one. They need to attack Ryan's blind side. Um, it's an interesting move. Uh, we're going to see what Ryan's able to do outside of Atlanta. But, um, you know, these moves that, you know, the Colts going after Ryan, the Broncos going after Wilson, you know, you and I talked right after the Super Bowl, the team's going to copy the Rams. What if the guy from the 49ers makes the interception? Are these moves being made? Because I know. The Rams didn't work. You know I know. What I mean, like, if they that all... kid just if that kid just makes the interception, Rams lose. I don't think all these moves with these teams, like trading all of them, quarterbacks, Washington, Indy, yeah, Cleveland. Now all these teams that did it, and you're kind of scratching your head a little bit, like, huh? That's what's funny is that they made all these big moves, and think about the guys that, well, Wentz and Matt Ryan, and some of those situations, like, I mean. I don't know if you're worse off with those guys or Baker. Like you kind of compare some of them around and then for the capital wise too, right? For the amount of money that you're going to have like Matt Ryan, you pay a ton of cash for Matt Ryan. Deshaun Watson, you you gave up a lot of capital. You're better off with Watson in that space than you would have been for one more year taking a shot with Baker. I just don't – Yeah, I think some of these teams may not have done things. But I mean – It doesn't operate one well. with Baker though, like – like when you criticize Skifansky with his play calling in the off season, like it's kind of like a move kind of had to be made. You oh, know what I mean? Like, and, they, well, they they weren't getting along. Like, they weren't getting along. Yeah. It, you could start to see it a little bit more last year than I think was yeah. being being led on. So, I mean, and like, so the marriage there have, was was not great. Have, I I, have, I wonder if some of the other done. teams wouldn't take what if for for maybe less money for having to give up a little bit less taking a shot on him versus a Matt Ryan or versus a Carson Wentz. I don't know. I, for me, I probably would have gone in that direction, but cause I don't, I still think you want someone who can move around a little bit. And I get worried with Matt Ryan, a little bit older, man, if, if they are coming after him, he just, he's not someone who has the, uh, the escapability, but do you think they're going to be better like Matt Ryan versus Carson? But, Wentz? Oh yeah. A lot better. Right. Ryan's right. They're better there. So I agree. Over. And also, like, we need to remember this, even though they have no starting left tackle right now, this is a lot better offensive line than Ryan's. Th- this probably could be the best offensive line Ryan's played. And he's going to be having better, even right now, if you just move him, the weapons that he has right now are better than the weapons he was dealing with last year, which yeah, is just see, Patterson. You can lean on Taylor and everything, yeah. And it's a weak division, too. It is. So. You're right. The Jags, another team who, you know, a lot to do. They brought in... Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, Zay Jones, a uh, couple linebacker, defensive tackle, Evan Ingram, tight end. So nothing flashy, but just kind of little moves here. I still feel like they probably need like a number one wide receiver down there. They got a lot of like twos and threes also, but for them, it's going to be coaching and development for uh, for the young the young gun. You know, if uh, if Lawrence takes the next step, they will be better than we expect and a lot more competitive. I'll say this. Uh, Peterson did get Wentz going in the right direction. So, I mean, I think this team could make some big steps forward, but um, I'm not a big fan of spending all this money on, like, Christian Kirk. Me neither. I don't, I don't really like – I really don't like, like, how their offseason is shaped up. But Me I neither. see Lawrence taking a step forward just because we can kind of see he didn't get any coaching from Meyer. 
And now it was worse than all of us thought. I had no idea who Aaron Donald Aaron was. Donald you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Aaron Donald just, was. It's just kind of one of those things. So I, I, um, I like the move. I think he's. I think it's going to give Lawrence some coaching. But in terms of pieces being signed, not a big fan of. The Tennessee Titans. They bring in Austin Hooper, and they also bring in uh, Robert Woods, who I think should help them because the one problem they had last year, they bring in Julio Jones to try to be the guy on the opposite side of, of Brown and Julio Jones. You just can't count on him anymore at this point of his career. Unfortunately, he just couldn't stay on the field. So Robert Woods, when he's healthy, he's very dependable. He's very solid. He's a nice wide receiver. They need a little bit of help up on the offensive line there too. Um, and in a weak division, they'll, you know, they'll be pretty competitive for as long as they can still lean on the the run game there. But you wonder one of these years, you just sort of feel like that those miles add up on you when you're a running back who just pounds and pounds and pounds. Let's face it. They go as Henry goes. I mean, if Henry gets hurt, you know, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It was a great run what they did, but that's going to be unrealistic uh, to repeat. Uh, I like Woods. I think Woods is a very underrated pass, not pass blocker, run blocker and pass block, run blocker for a wide receiver. I think that's good. Uh, great underneath guy. I think he's a perfect complement to AJ Brown. But yeah, if they, if Henry gets hurt again, you know this team's going to be in free fall because Tannehill can't carry him. We get to the AFC West. The Denver Broncos bring in Russell Wilson. Uh, they add Randy Gregory, DJ Jones. And Quan Williams is a couple of their big pieces. So quarterback wise, they'll be, you know, in a better situation than they were last year. But they I'm still worried that they need some help on the offensive line. They had a lot of defensive starters. I think nine of them who were um, unrestricted free agents. So just a lot to deal with is just bringing their own guys back for a defense that's been pretty good throughout the last few years. You want to continue to bring a few of those pieces back. But you know, new coaching staff, a lot of new there for a team that people are just penciling in to be a very good team. You, on paper, they feel like they're better than they were. But, I mean, the division is tough. This feels like the Chargers got a little bit better. The Raiders got a little bit better. Uh, we know the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. I mean, sure, are they better? How much, though? I don't know. Um. Yeah, I don't – I mean, Wilson, for as good as he was – he hasn't been that good the last couple of years. Um, we don't know if there's some stuff going on in the locker room with how, I don't want to use the term preachy, but like how he can kind of be. Um, Hackett, let's face it, it was LaFleur doing everything in Green Bay. It really wasn't Hackett. And when you look at Hackett's history as an offensive coordinator, eh, you know, I mean, he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars when they made that run, but it wasn't like it was like a dynamic offense. It basically just give the ball to Fournette and get out of the way. So I just don't, I don't know. I'm not as high in them as everybody else. Like I, I've said it, I'm going to bet them not to make the playoffs. I don't think the move to just bring in Wilson, like you said, is enough to get them over the hump. The Chiefs end up losing out on Tyreek Hill. They do bring in Juju Smith-Schuster to kind of fill. But this is an issue that a lot of teams have, Eric. When It's easy to win, not easy, but... The template to win in the NFL is when you have a quarterback that you're not paying a ton of money because when you have a quarterback that you are paying a ton of money, it makes it really difficult 
to pay everybody else. You can't. You just can't do it. There's a reason why Tom Brady would restructure his contracts uh, and take a lot less money because he knew he wanted a couple extra linemen, a couple extra of those uh, receivers, a couple extra, you know, running backs, just the pieces around him. And Kansas City, while everyone else is sort of improving around them, it looks like they can't really do that. They don't have the the financial flexibility to do so. At the end of the day, it's a salary cap league. And uh, you and I talked about this um, last last summer. With Mahomes signing the astronomical contract, you know, they couldn't afford to keep both him and Hill. Um, I'll give them props. They got five picks for him. So, and this is a good wide receiver class coming out. So they're going to be fine long term. Does it hurt losing Hill? Yeah, because he was their home run hitter. You have to have that field stretcher that's going to stretch the field. Um, they bring in, they got MVS too, like right? Three. Valdez, yeah. Scanling, and Juju. So, I mean, but pieces, but those aren't Tyree Hill. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also, like, Mahomes is so comfortable with him and Kelsey with the ad lib stuff that offense does. Like, not knowing what someone else is going to do and losing that ad lib type piece, I think that's really going to hurt them too. Um, I think, you know, they'll still make the playoffs just because they do have Mahomes. But in terms of um, uh, the offense being as explosive, I don't think it's going to be so. It's, I feel like this is going to hurt both of them, Mahomes and Hill, because it's like it's a relationship where you have that chemistry. You're so good and you, you think the grass might be greener. And I just I don't know if it's going to be great for either one of them. I think they'll uh, both hurt without each also other. So we need to remember um, Honey Badger signed with the Steelers. That's a big loss in the back end of that defense for the uh, for the Chiefs. Over on the Raiders, they make a big move. They bring in Devontae Adams. Uh, they also bring in Chandler Jones, Anthony Averett, Brandon Bolden, and Bilal Nichols. So, heck, you know, all of a sudden they've got Devontae Adams now. Put him uh, with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and Josh Jacobs in the backfield with Derek Carr. They look a little bit better. Now they need some help up front and some spots on the defensive side, but... I don't think that was a bad move for them bringing in Devontae Adams. Anytime you can add a, a top tier wide receiver like that, it just seemed so weird that Green Bay brings back Aaron Rodgers. Like we said, they sign, but they can't afford Devontae Adams, who's his number one guy. That that whole thing is weird to me. But nonetheless, the Raiders are a little bit better now. Yeah, but I mean, it goes back. Like, I just, I get, you know, Adams and the stats and everything, but. A lot of everything depends on the quarterback, wide receiver relationship, and the system that they're running. I don't know if Adams is going to be able to have the type of seasons he's had in Green Bay. No, um, no way. It's yeah. again, it's the, it's the Aaron Rodgers and yeah. it's the combo, right? It's not all yeah. Adams. It's not all Rodgers, but you put a guy who's one of the best with one of the best and the fact that they know each other so well. I just, I don't know how easy it is for you to just automatically go somewhere else and connect with with car yeah and then also let's not forget it's not like mcdaniels has the best history last time he was a coach um that was kind of a train wreck in denver so that that should be interesting to kind of see how everything unfolds i really think the raiders should have kept that special teams coordinator that they had i wouldn't have kept him over uh josh mcdaniels but that's me i don't know i i, I think the raiders are in a playoff team next year I know you like what the uh, Chargers have done, bringing in Khalil Mack. They had uh, Jared, Gerald Everett, Josh Harris, uh, Austin Johnson. So for them, they you know got that 
that de- and another nice piece on the defensive front right across from Bosa, man, it's going to be pretty tough to give, you know, to to stop those two guys and you know Johnson and Joseph Day are people who can help the run defense a little bit which was really bad last year so i think they plug in some of their on some of their weaknesses right away yeah i like what they're doing i mean they still have herbert on the rookie deal they're kind of over, going all in right now trading for mac uh and trying to just get the pieces that they need for the defense because i felt it was an upgrade at the coaching department but i didn't necessarily have the defensive pieces that they wanted to run. I think getting back is a good piece. I think they're definitely heading in the right direction. And I think they're the team to be in the West right now. Get to the NFC in the East for, for Dallas. It was a lot about bringing back their own guys. Uh, they had a lot, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, Gallup, Kurse, Schultz, uh, Leighton Vander Esch, Armstrong, Leek Hooker, Dante Fowler Jr., James Washington, they brought in, they lost Amari Cooper. So they just needed to bring back a lot of their own guys. They uh, have some offensive line issues to deal with. And, um, I mean, for them, it's kind of a, a coaching thing here and there. But talent-wise, I mean, they're always going to be one of the, the the better talent rosters. It's just going to see like their defense overachieved a little bit last year, and then their offense they just they didn't have it all together, which was which kind of funny. So I don't, I'm not really sure what to do with the Cowboys. And then you got the Giants next door and the Eagles. Really, so the so a couple of the teams in this division, the the Giants they have nine draft picks. So they're not doing a whole heck of a lot. They're going to try to build through the draft. They brought in Tyrod Taylor as a backup, and they brought in a, a guard and a center to help their offensive line, which was miserable. And then the Eagles, like, they did, like, nothing. I mean, they've literally brought in Hassan Reddick, and they're just going to try to continue to build through the draft. Oh, they also signed a wide receiver Zach Pascal. So um, those couple of teams in the NFC East, two of them didn't do a whole lot. Dallas just kind of brought a lot of their guys back. Um, Dallas, it's going to be interesting to see how Lamb can handle being the number one. I'm not the best. I'm not the biggest CD Lamb guy. He leaves it as splits. He did his best when Gallup and, um, Cooper were there. Him not being there, defenses are going to focus their energy on him. I don't think yep. he's the best route runner. And I he just seems, he doesn't seem like, like a one, him, maybe like a one, yeah, a, if you have another bigger, different receiver, I don't, I mean, and I was a little disappointed because I, I was heavy on him in fantasy last year. Yeah, if you watch him, like, you can kind of tell what's going on. His effort coming out of the break when it's a run play versus a pass play or night and day. And that's a real telly sign. You can't have that as a one. Eagles, uh, they have three first-round picks. They're going to be able to kind of get a little bit younger, address the areas that they need. Um, Pascal, for as much as everyone is disappointed, I think he's a good running mate. He's very effective in the red zone. Um, He can go up and get a ball. And I think that's what they need to go along with Galbert. They need somebody that can high point a ball. I think, I think that's a good, a sneaky good pickup for them. Um, And then for the giants, I think this is, they need to find out what they have in Daniel Jones and then go from there before they figure anything else out. I think I like what they're doing, but in terms of quick turnaround, I don't think that's it. They need no. if, even if Jones is the guy, he needs to have an, a year with the ball to get everything going in the right direction. So I think them acquiring as many assets as they can and then going for it next year is the right play. The hey, the Washington football team they bring in the cooler, Carson Wentz. So they wanted to get a quarterback upgrade. 
I don't know how much of an upgrade like Heineke w- would would be bad last year. They they tried to bring in Fitzpatrick. He got hurt right off the bat in the first game. Heineke would have some some fine competent games and then some just awful brutal halves. And I mean, but that's sort of how Wentz is too, right? Like Wentz, but Wentz is, he has arm strength though. Yeah, that's true. Like he is a more he can he can throw the ball. You can do more with your playbook with Wentz than Heineke can. That's very true. So you know that's. That's the one thing with him um, in terms of looking at it. And if I was the commanders and like, we don't really know like every, like how the Cleveland situation was going forward at this point when they made the move for once, but I think you could have got Baker, Baker for less and your offense would be in a better position with Baker than once. That's personally what I would have done. If I was the commanders, I would have gone after Baker. You could have got him for a lot less draft draft capital, I think. And I think he's a better fit for that offense. I would agree. As we head to the NFC North, the Bears, um, some offensive line, uh, defensive front, linebacker, wide receiver, but nothing, nothing really flashy for the Bears there. Um, and Fields does need more weapons, and he does need more of an offensive line. Your Detroit Lions, they brought in DJ Shark, um, Charles Harris, Tracy Walker. They haven't done a whole heck of a lot either. They'll... You know, I think they need a lot in the in the draft. They'll probably look to uh, maybe a, a big wide receiver, some playmakers there, and uh, and then Green Bay. I mean, they lost Adams. They haven't done a whole heck of a lot. You got to wonder who their number one sort of go to is going to be. So not a whole lot for these first couple teams in the uh, in the NFC North. I will say this. So, like I said, this wide receiver class is stacked. So Green Bay, I think the I think Green Bay can get a wide a a good wide receiver at the end of the first round. Um, You're hearing a lot of you know trading for DK type of thing, like them making a move, trading a first rounder, and maybe like a what was a fourth or a fifth for DK. I could see that because Seattle is in full blown rebuild. Um, For the Bears, they. I don't know. Like I, I've hated this off season for them. Uh, I really think that losing, even though Robinson was a complete disappointment last year, he was their clear cut number one. And Juju Smith, what, what he went through showed us like there's a 90 day difference when you line up as a two versus lining up as a one. So now Mooney, that wide receiver that did great last year, he's going to be the primary everyone wants to take away. Uh, how is Fields going to develop with a defensive-minded coach? That's another thing to keep a eye on. Uh, Minnesota, I think Minnesota is going to take a huge step backwards. Uh, I know this O'Connell guy is really highly regarded, but they've been doing this zone blocking scheme with this running game forever, and now they're kind of changing it up. Um, I'm a little bit hesitant on Minnesota. Plus, they re-signed Cousins to that huge contract. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, Lions, you know what? I'll tell you what. Not, not in a bad spot. You look at the last seven games of the season when uh, Johnson and Campbell were calling plays. Jared Goff, he was operating as a top five quarterback in the NFL. Now you add DJ Shark. Off you you didn't do anything to hurt yourself NFL. as a young team yeah, either, I mean, right? I, I like, yeah. I mean, I think they're in. I think the Lions are in a good position, and with how much of a cluster the NFC is. You can totally see them fighting for that last playoff spot. And in year two of a rebuild, that's a huge step forward. They're in a great position um, with the second pick. We No one knows what Jacksonville is going to do. Are they going to take one of the defensive linemen? Are they going to take um, the offensive lineman, Neal? 
And with the uncertainty, you know, the Lions could be able to like trade and move back and pick up a couple, couple more picks. So Lions are in a pretty good spot. I just really hope they don't draft a kid from um, Liberty uh, Willis, who's moving up. I'm completely happy with golf and just kind of doing stuff like that. We get to the NFC South. So the Falcons, they're going to look a lot different. They have uh, brought in quarterback Marcus Mariota and we don't have Matt Ryan anymore. Uh, Casey Hayward Jr., Cordell Patterson, Young who Young Way Koo all get re-signed, but and they we don't with Ridley out for the year, they really just seem like they're gonna be lacking in the playmaking department. I mean, they they're a team that was a little bit better than we give them credit for last year, but their metrics were really awful. Uh, I think they're they're sort of decently coached there. Um I, I don't know what to think with them, though. I, I still feel like, like they, they need more on the offensive side when Cordell Patterson was just a focus uh, of everything last year. Yeah, I was really disappointed they didn't get Leonard Fournette. Uh, they got a quarterback, though, in Mariota with the uh, system excuse me, that Smith likes to run. A lot of RPO-based stuff. Can't do that with Matt Ryan. We so got a quarterback type that they need. That they need. Um, they lost Gage, so now everything is going to be on pits. So they do need some weapons, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think they're going to be. No, I, I agree. The Panthers, Austin Cor- Corbett, Bradley Bozeman, Dante Foreman, uh, Ioannidis, Dante Jackson, Littleton, Xavier Woods, Johnny Hecker, trying to build rebuild the offensive line. And they they were hoping to get in on Deshaun Watson, who I think just fa- passed his physical. So it looks like he he will sign his five year, two hundred and thirty million dollar deal. Watson will, and they're going to introduce him a little bit later on today. Um, I mean, the Panthers they still feel like you know the defensive front, the offensive line was really bad, and who's going to play quarterback for them? So they they the the division. Isn't going to be the strongest in the world. Tampa's going to be better coming back. And then you have questions, but I don't know. I mean, it looks like it's going to be our boy Sammy down and old again back there right now. Yeah, like that team's a cluster. And it comes back to like you need good management. I mean, you look at they're paying Bridgewater all this money, Darnold all this money, Newton all this money. And now there's rumors that they could be going after Mayfield to try to get a quarterback. Uh, yeah, this. This team's a cluster, and yeah. they could be trading McCaffrey. I know they were like a hot – with how they start off the season, they're kind of like a hot commodity, but they have so many holes in the offensive line. Defense is good, especially the back four, the back end of it, but they need to redo the offensive line and like settle up on a quarterback. The Saints bring back Jameis. That's really it. Uh, they need some help on the with the wide receivers. And then for Tampa – they're bringing back as many of their pieces as they can. Godwin, Davis, Jensen. Uh, they bring in Russell Gage, Rashad Perriman, Logan Ryan, Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady's back, obviously. They got to worry about uh, Sue and Gronk. So they're going to try to run it back the best they can. I think they they looked around, Eric, like when we talked a few weeks ago. I think they saw the lay of the land in the NFC and were just like, hey, we may not even have to be as good as we were when we won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and we should be really competitive in what looks like a weak NFC. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't, who knows if Brady decided or they talked to Brady and said, hey, man, look what's going on. Let's run it back one more year because the NFC is, is down a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're going to be, they don't have to go like 14 and three or whatever, 
I mean, if, if they go 11 and five, they're going to be hosting playoff games. Um, 11 and six, excuse me. Uh, in terms of the Saints, they lost Armstead. They need to sure up the offensive line. Michael Thomas, what do they want to do with him? Does he even want to play football? And everyone's forgetting Kamara got arrested in the at the Pro Bowl inside the stadium. So we have no idea. Like, that story's kind of been pushed off the side. No one's going on with Kamara. You know, new coach and Allen, how, how, how much does the team look different? So, yeah, the Saints, I'm really low on the Saints this year. Final division uh, in football to get to the Cardinals. They lost a couple pieces. Uh, they did re-sign Ertz and James Conner. Then the uh, the Rams, for them, you know, it's about a lot of their, their uh, you know, older veterans with a couple of them they have to deal with right now. Uh, Aaron Donald, you know, are they going to rework a deal with him and bring him back? They lost Robert Woods, but they did bring in Allen Robinson, who I think will help them. Um, and again, for them, you know, they've a couple offensive linemen. I don't know if they're going to be better than they were, but they just kind of look around and and if everybody else gets a little bit worse, you know, they lose Vaughn Miller. That's going to hurt. So maybe they take a step back, but I think they might be sort of in the same spot that you were talking about with uh, with Tampa. Like maybe they're at. 10 or 11 win team but still A playoff team that once they get in That's all they're really worried about Yeah they're just going to try to get in um, They need to figure out who's replacing Wentworth uh, But yeah I'm not really worried about them I mean if something big happens Like an injury yeah but I mean they're getting Acres back uh, They have a trade piece in Henderson if they look to move him So I think they're in a good position And yeah, with the Rams and Bucks It's just get into the playoffs and try to get to the Super Bowl and in one game, anything can happen. For the 49ers, it'll all be really about Lance. Uh, they bring uh, in some of their signings, Javarius Ward, Orrin Bur- Burks, uh, George Udom, Ray-Ray McLeod, Hassan Ridgeway. And, you know, with Jimmy G, is he going to be traded? Where? You know, you got Jimmy G and Baker kind of sitting out there right now for teams that don't have a quarterback looking around wondering if they're going to go all in or not. And the Seahawks kind of are on the opposite side. They brought in Drew Locke. They're kind of waiting to see, you know, we hear some rumors about them with Baker. They did bring back a lot of, some, like, a couple of their key pieces they signed. So you wonder, doesn't doesn't feel like they're ready to go complete tank here? And that's kind of weird. You know, they're not, like, if you're going to tank or if you want to go trade Russell Wilson... You feel like you want to be bad for a couple years and rebuild. They're sort of in this in-between spot. So I'm not really sure what they're doing. San Francisco's got a lot of talent, but they need some, you know, some for some questions to be answered at the quarterback spot. Um, I mean, look at San Francisco. You don't know what you're getting from Lance. Uh, you just don't know. Like, there's been some stuff where you scratch your head and, like, kind of think, like, what is he doing? I know there's comparisons to Josh Allen, which I think is a little bit, unrealistic because we don't know what Lance is during a full season. Um, in terms of the uh, Cardinals, there's the monkey in the room with Murray wanting a new contract and the rumblings that he's a bad leader, that he would sulk. So that's something that's going on in Arizona. And with Seattle, like you said, it kind of makes you think like they re-signed like some key pieces, but then they traded Wilson. Did they just kind of figure like, hey, his time has ran here. If we do trade him, get a couple of key pieces, lean on the running game with Carson. Um, are we in a better spot there than we were before? So 
I don't know. Like, Seattle's kind of interesting what they're doing. Like, are they just going to run out lock? Are they going to trade for Garoppolo, trade for Mayfield? Or are they going to reside cap? Because everyone's saying how good cap looks at his workout. So I don't, I don't know what Seattle's going to do. And they're, they're kind of in a little bit of an interesting position when you kind of look at the lay of the land of the NFC. Eric, buddy, we will continue to check in over the next few weeks as uh, there continues to be player movement and uh, all the draft stuff leading up. Thank you so much always for helping out, man. We we were able to run through the entire league in about 40 minutes uh, with all the major moves. So really cool. We'll be following you on ETOF21 on Twitter, ETOF21 Sports, all over the place. And uh, you're pulling double duty today because we're going to be talking basketball in just a moment. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much. I'm going to uh, end this segment, though, in case uh, all the football fans just wanted to hear this and we'll uh, we'll talk some basketball. Anything else uh, about the NFL to, uh, to mention before we uh, we move along? Um, no, you know, ready for the, uh, ready for the draft and it's going to be interesting to see how my Lions screw it up. So (laughs) we'll, we'll find out. But yeah, like you said, what's nice is they didn't go do anything that hurt themselves in free agency. Don't go make any stupid moves, overpay people when you're not there yet anyways. So just continue to operate like a smart franchise would. That's what you want to do. Um, so, uh, we'll see what Detroit can do for Eric. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to transition on over and uh, switch the topic. NCA. Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? Less than 10 games left in the NBA season. So Eric and I are going to talk about all of the major storylines, topics, and dive into the standings right now. Eric, man, we look over at the East. Four teams, the top four separated by a game and a half, and they're all sort of they're doing this weird jockeying because I think nobody wants to play Brooklyn. Now we know that Kyrie can play at home. And so there's this whole weird thing. If like if Brooklyn finishes eighth, they will have to go play on the road in Toronto and Kyrie still can't play in that game. But yeah. but then they drop back down and they would play the lose the winner of that nine ten spot. And then so it's funny because the teams towards the top, the one, two, three seeds. They don't want to play. They don't want to end up being the one or the two and end up having to play a series against Brooklyn. But you can't really pick the spot because Brooklyn could literally be the seven or the eight. You don't you don't know which one to to try to avoid. So it's really weird for these teams that are. I just I'm not a fan of that kind of thing. Right. I think down the stretch, maybe you want to make sure your players are healthy. So I don't mind resting your key guys on a back to back or in some spots here and there. But if you try to get goofy about, you know, the who you want to play stuff, it never seems to work out well for you. No, I just want to go on the playoffs healthy. You want everyone going. You want everyone on the same page. You don't want. Uh, you mean you don't want like a fight like the Heat with Coach? Oh my God, Coach Spo and Jimmy oh Butler and uh, in the in their little oh huddle right there, God. like we're he's like Coach Spo's like, no, I'm not gonna fight you right now. Like Jimmy Butler was trying to get him to fight him, and then was Haslam's like, I'll fight you, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> and Haslam said, Rachel Nichols saved your career. So, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, but like, it kind of goes back, narratives kind of change everything. And you look at the, um, the bubble season and when the heat went in that bubble and you know what that team did, it kind of like made people forget, like truly what a pain in the ass Jimmy Butler is. Um, Well, it's funny. And now, and now Minnesota is playing well, right? Because the, 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 what, what at the same time, 
Butler was doing well with Miami And then Minnesota was awful And you sort of saw that like Oh these Minnesota young guys They don't want to win Towns isn't a, isn't, doesn't care about winning But then, then I hate Patrick Beverly But they bring Patrick Beverly in And Patrick Beverly you can tell Has like ignited them And made them more competitive So that's what's funny Because now Minnesota looks a little bit better And so now all of a sudden you're wondering the, the Jimmy Butler stuff You see something like this on the bench And now you go, huh, maybe he was an asshole You know? <laughs> yeah, and let's not forget When he played for the 76ers and he hurt his hand The 76ers elected to send him out to LA to rehab Instead of keep, keeping him in-house um, This guy is kind of a little bit of a pain in the ass uh, First round against the Bucks last year Brendan Forbes Who didn't play any other series Scored more points than Jimmy Butler did I just really think for the Heat um, to win a championship, you can't have Butler be your top dude. You need you need a true alpha in the room. And in my mind, he's not it. It with Philly right now, and and we know we've talked that you're not you don't you're not as high on Philly as some some others are. Um, they beat the Heat without their <laughs> without Embiid and uh, and Harden, which was hilarious. And and Harden almost looks like he's hurt. And I think I think what happened, Eric. It's funny is. Um, I, they said this on, I think it was the Ringer podcast. You know, he hadn't been playing hard for a while, Harden. You know, he's kind of out there just dicking around and half-assing it. And then he came to Philly, and you can tell he wanted to try to s- show people that, look, I can still do it. So his first few games in Philly, he was lighting it up. He was going, you know, full speed. And I, I almost wonder if he just, like, physically was like, uh-oh. You, like, you go from zero to ramp it back up to 100, you know, and I wonder if he might have pulled something because he hasn't looked quite as as good um, physically. And it's not I don't know if it's a mental thing as much as it is a physical thing with him. But they they won a couple games. When, and But it's so funny to see all these teams around the top because like the, the Heat and Philly don't feel quite as good about uh, the Bulls. They're starting to struggle. And now it's sort of quietly feeling really good for the Bucks because they got. Lopez and Connaughton back right now So they're sort of stacking Exactly what they need to do I just don't want Like if you're a Bucks fan I don't want them to run into Brooklyn They can beat Brooklyn No doubt about it But I don't like That's just the last team you want to run into If you're Milwaukee You, you can really beat the anybody else I think confidently Anybody else But if Durant and Kyrie are playing at top top levels and Kyrie looks like he's got this chip on his shoulder right now too where he's like really in shape he's got a few at less miles on like on his tank this year and what's nice about Kyrie is he's been able to get into a few of these games right now versus someone like Kawhi or they're talking about could Kawhi come back what like how could he come back if he hasn't played all year you're going to play him in two games and then in the playoffs i don't know at least Kawhi Ka- Kyrie's been playing here and there so I mean, positives, <laughs> positives and negatives for the Bucks. Like, I feel the best about the Bucks right now of anyone. But wow, you just don't want to have to play the the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, but it goes back to your thing. You can't lay out what other teams are going to do. You just want to go in, and you want to be healthy. Um, obviously, they would love to get the top seed. They're only one game behind uh, the Heat. They're getting everybody. In line, everybody is getting healthy, getting Lopez back, I think really helps, really helps them. Connington's going to improve the defense for the wings and everything. So I, I like what they're doing um, in terms of their Harden comment. Like, what does everyone expect? This is a guy that after games is staying up 
with little baby doing rap albums. Not no, you're, you're right. Body. Physically, and, and he's not going to be thing. better. Yeah. Like that was my thing. Like you, your two best guys have a history of not taking care of their bodies, and you expect them to lead you to a championship. That's that's why I didn't like it. That's why it's unrealistic in my eyes. Um, and losing Drummond hurts, uh, and losing Curry, I think, just hurt their overall roster in terms of the Bulls. They're not doing anything. Owen thirteen against the top teams in the East, they're not winning anything. Um, and they need and they need that. they need Lonzo defensively on the perimeter. They're they can't win against good teams without him. Like if Lonzo's not there helping them, so Caruso's back and he can help defensively. But they they were good with Lonzo and Caruso, and even with those two guys, they weren't able to beat the better teams. And so without those two guys defensively, they're just average. They're just very mediocre now. And you know, DeRozan is wasn't playing last night. I think Levine had a huge game, but I don't. I just people felt really good about the Bulls earlier in the year, but it's. It, they just try to hit a they wall. Just, they just not, yeah. They just they just can't be the top teams. Um, Celtics are kind of quietly right there. Five in a row, but man. Five in a row. In terms of a series, they just have no height and no bigs, and that's what's going to prevent them. Like if like if they had like another big, like hypothetically, let's say they had Drummond, I think they could make a run just because, or even in Javal McGee, they they're just lacking that one big behind Williams, and that's what's going to hurt them to make a run, to win it all. Uh, the Cavs, it's just too bad. I mean, they young, exciting team, but they just have way too many injuries. Jared um, Allen, you know, as yeah, someone who they were, they they'd just, hope to get back. They're kind of like the Grizzlies were last year. They just need to get in that playoff series and look to build for that future. But, yeah, like losing Allen and um, losing Rubio at the beginning, you know, it's just Sexton. We forget about Sexton too. Jeez. Rondo, even with someone just, yeah. But for Garland to make that next step, he needs, he doesn't need to play it. He needs to get in that series, that six, that series and feel that we got two teams right now. So it's, we could target for next year. Yeah. We got Toronto, Cleveland and the bulls battling for the last two spots. It looks like, um, one of them is going to be a play-in versus Brooklyn, which you don't want because uh, now Kyrie can play at home. But if they finish in the eighth, Toronto is the seventh. He won't be able to play at Toronto. So if they lost that game, that's the thing about Brooklyn. Like as tough as they look right now, they could lose two games. Like they could lose that game at Toronto. They could lose that game even even if Kyrie was playing at Toronto. Like Toronto's a good team. And then you come down to a one-game situation where it's, you know, Brooklyn versus Charlotte or Atlanta. Would Brooklyn be favored in that game? Well, absolutely. But, dude, it's one game. Like, in one game, Trey Young couldn't score 40 and go crazy, or LaMelo, or, you know, like, think crazy stuff can happen in one game. So, for as much as people are starting to pencil Brooklyn back in because they're looking good, they got to be careful because they don't, they haven't bought themselves a series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Hypothetically, because it is if if the net hypothetically, let's say the Raptors finish above the um Brooklyn the seven seven eight. Yeah, they would have to win. That's would have to win two games though. Yep. So you know that's something. And beating teams back to back when you have a competent coach like Nick Nurse, I know you could be getting Kyrie back for the second game. That's tough to do. Um. So yeah, like, and how much? So they're actually rooting. The they're team? rooting for Toronto to move up because if they had to play Cleveland or someone. Then Kyrie could play. Yep. Yep. 
So it's just, it's just, so there's just weird. so many questions with with, with only ten games left. Yeah, this so is not just, normal for the NBA season. Yeah. This is kind of why the play-in is cool because five years ago we wouldn't have been talking about all these things. It would have just been like a, a bunch of teams sitting there, guys, for the last week or so. And hell, we don't even yeah, know. I if, mean, like you look at you look like if it was back in the day. I mean, it would be Brooklyn's one game up in the Hornets, two games up on the Hawks. You know, now you have all these things. Five through ten in the East is still kind of up for grabs. And Ben Simmons with a herniated disc and a back injury. I mean, I don't know if he's going to play this year. I, I he hasn't I played. Think I don't he's think done. so either. Like some of these guys that I was reading about, you know, that are going to try to ramp back up. I'm like, really? There's eight games left in the year. You're going to come in and play a game or two and then play in a series. I don't, I don't know. Like Atlanta, they'd love and to like, get John Collins back. Um, he's been in and out, but that like Charlotte Hayward, he's trying to get back. They're 26 and 22 with him, 11 and 14 without him. Cause right now it would be Atlanta versus Charlotte in the nine ten. winner of that game would play the loser of Brooklyn and Toronto. So Charlotte or Atlanta would have to win two games to get in. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just so many if, ands, or what's. It's fun to predict, but we just don't know. And then you mentioned the injuries. NBA is such a fast twitch muscle sport. If you come back when you're not 100%, we you're saw what happened Durant. in the NBA finals with Durant. Like, it's just so fast twitch, boom, you can be done. So I wouldn't rush anyone back. I would just kind of, like, look at the bigger picture. So that's why, like you said, like, Trying to get Collins, Kawhi I just think it's unrealistic So in the East right now, the number one seed Would be playing one of the bottom four It'd be either Brooklyn, Toronto, Charlotte Or Atlanta The two seed would be playing the winner Of Brooklyn, Toronto So it'd be, right now it'd be the Bucks versus Brooklyn Or Toronto, and then you'd have the Celtics Versus the Bulls And the 76ers versus the Cavs Those would be the 3-6 and the 4-5 Matchups there On the, uh on the west side, if you if you need to answer that, if the baby's coming, go ahead because I know you're expecting a call over there, Eric. <laughs> I think that I think that's someone telling calling to let me know that the uh, I can up my extended warranty on my car. So. Oh, okay, okay, cool. I, I, I no one no one no one calls my landline. Actually, okay, I was gonna I say don't know why I still have it. So. Wasn't sure if anyone was calling there. So, um, so that was on the east. Let's head over to the west. And man, I gotta say we were. Phoenix, we were kind of worried a little bit about when Chris Paul got hurt, but wow, they've got a they've built a really good, good foundation over there because he's out, but Booker's been impressive. All their role players step up, and they just keep winning games, man. Yeah, I really think, uh, and I'll give credit to Monty. You know, I thought this was going to fall apart when they didn't get eighth in the uh, the the rookie extension, but he's kept the room, which is really good for him. You know, they got Paul back. So, yeah, I think this team is kind of lined up to get back into the position that they were in last year. And, you know, we'll see if they can win a title. But if you look at teams in the West, in terms of health and everything clicking, they're hands and down clear cut above everybody. They've won seven in a row. They're up to 60 wins now. They've got eight games left. They can get to 65 wins. And they've only been 20 teams ever in the NBA to get to that mark of 65 wins. So they're quietly really stacking the dubs right now, as are the Memphis Grizzlies. They're solidly in the number two spot, even without jaw. So I've been pretty impressed with them too. They're another team. When he went down earlier in the year, the guys like Bain, like they've got some guys that carry themselves though. I love Dylan Brooks. I'm a huge fan. He's a pit bull. He's he's an absolute pit bull. Yeah. He'll go to war. I mean, he's, 
kind of that Lowry mentality. I mean, mm-hmm. I like him a lot too. Um, Jackson, my guy from state, he Did is a big a very step high forward. ceiling. I think he's going to take another big step forward next year. I just hope Moran's healthy. We can see like this team, like you get into like a playoff series with the Warriors and possibly the Suns and kind of see if the, the, the team can take an, the next step forward as a unit. Golden State's in the number three spot. Uh, Steph Curry's health, man, that sprained ligament in the left foot. When he returns, will he be the Steph Curry? And, you know, will Clay be able to do it consistently both ways in the playoffs? The health of Draymond. For them, it all comes down to health, really, uh, Eric. The the combination of Steph, Clay, and Draymond have played 11 minutes together this year. Which is crazy. You know, it's kind of like what it was last year with uh, with the Nets. You know, the big, the big three can't play together. And when that app, when they're not out there, it's dramatically different. Um, they do have some young guys that, uh, Kamor Chikora, whose name I can't pronounce. I, he's been a pleasant surprise. Kuminga. Yeah. Develop. He's been good. Yeah. yeah. If Wiseman gets healthy, um, they have a lot of young pieces, but I think like this year with like Clay coming back, obviously he's not a hundred percent Draymond. He's banged up clay banged up. I just think it's just too much for them. To be that championship level team The 4-5 spot It's Utah and Dallas battling for that in the west um, They're actually tied Right now in the standing so it's it's Those two and then right below them You've got the T-Wolves and the Nuggets They're battling for the 6th and the 7th spot They're both trying to get into the 6th spot To get a series The T-Wolves had, had uh, moved into the 6th spot But then they've lost 2 in a row So now they've dropped back out So it looks like it's probably going to be Utah-Dallas Four or five and one of them Will end up getting the, the home Court advantage against the other and then It looks like right now we're battling For that six seven spot Between the T-Wolves and the Nuggets And I feel Like the Nuggets maybe they look like They're getting a little bit tired right now Jokic he's had to carry such a Load and we don't know if Murray Or Porter are going to be able to make it back For them so These two teams Sort of like what we said with Cleveland Man it would be such a huge deal for the Minnesota Timberwolves to get themselves a series This year to to Guarantee that they would get a series And not have to worry about that play in game And then on the flip side Wow could you imagine like you said We could have like Jokic in the play in game We could have LeBron in the play in game We could have some star power in the play in game for sure Yeah I mean I'm I'm looking at the standings right now, and I really feel the team that is kind of under the radar, as crazy as it sounds, is the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they're playing a better defense. Uh, you got Luca, who's very capable of carrying you to a series win and being the best. You know, being the best player on the court. Yep. And keep making everyone's level better. Um, you know, if they play Utah first round. That's interesting. I mean, I think they could easily go into Utah and and, and win that. Um, Minnesota, they're so young. I just want them to get that playoff experience um, and get in that series because that's a whole different animal. And we saw how what it's done for the Grizzlies, getting Morant, Jackson, Brooks, those guys in the playoff series. It just kind of elevated their game to a, to a whole new level this year. So I really hope Minnesota can get over that line. But you hit the nail on the head with the Nuggets. I mean, they're just rolling guys out right now. Guys are playing more minutes than they're used to. Everything is falling on Joker's shoulder to make everybody better. It's just they're just in that tough situation. And I'll I'll give Malone credit. It's really hard 
when you look at everything going on in the league and you lose two out of your top three players and you're not in the play-in tournament and you're 12 games over 500, he's done a hell of a job coaching this year and kind of keeping everyone online. It, it has been impressive. I completely agree. There's not much more that they could do. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Clippies are kind of solidly in the eighth spot right now. And it doesn't look like they're going to move a whole lot. And they've lost four they're in just, a row. Yeah. I mean, like, in my eyes, they, I, I look at this team like, hey, we're just trying to get through to next year. Like, yeah, they, why you know Paul I mean? George like, and Norman Powell? Those guys are all not playing right now. You bring those three back to any team, they'd be really good. But for them, it's always been, you know. When they made this move, Kawhi, Paul George, do you want to count on them? I remember being a Laker fan and everybody said, Kawhi and Paul George, oh, they're so much more durable than LeBron and Anthony Davis, which, you know, and even now, yeah. I want to give Anthony Davis crap, but they made it through to, to win one, right? They yeah. they were able to, to get it all the way through to win one where the Clippers weren't. And that's, that was crazy. You, you're right. The Clippers, like Ty Lue has done a fantastic job with them this year too. Just incredible to, to have them in this spot. Um you can't think about bringing Kawhi back if he hasn't played in the no. game. Like, no, no. And I mean, let's, let's face it in the position that they're in right now, they are looking for next year. I'm not doing anything for Kawhi. Kawhi has proven that um, if he doesn't feel right, he's not going to be out there. He forced his way out of San Antonio with how they held their handled his injury. Why would you do that? You know, you want to keep your lead dog happy. Just let him scout this year, get ready for next year. The thing is though, if, they don't make the playoffs. The Thunder have their draft pick. They have their draft pick this year in the lotto. So it's going to be interesting. Like, Thunder could have a couple of good picks at the top of the draft this year if the Clippers don't get in. So we got three teams battling for two at the end of the play in with the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Spurs. They've all got uh, nine games remaining, um, all three of them. The Lakers and Pelicans are currently tied for the nine and the 10 spots. Both of those teams are two games up on the Spurs. But what's interesting is the this weekend. So the Pelicans play the Spurs on Saturday. Then the Pelicans play the Lakers on Sunday. So we're going to know a lot of what happens. The Spurs, they their schedule isn't all that difficult either. They play at the Pelicans. Then they play um, at Houston, Denver, Minnesota, and Dallas. And then they play at home against Memphis, Portland, Portland, and Golden State. The Lakers... Have a brutal schedule They go at Dallas, at Utah At Denver, at Phoenix, at Golden State At New Orleans They play home against the Pelicans OKC and Denver, the Lakers have six games On the road against really tough opponents And they play The Pelicans twice There, so It's going to be a lot of fun with these three teams down the stretch Because it's going to feel like a, A couple extra playoff games when the Lakers And Pelicans play each other The Spurs and Pelicans play each other and uh, they're, you know, they're both worried about injury issues. It does look AD is going to come back. He's he's on the court right now playing. I don't know how much, he, but they're going to bring him back. And then the Pelicans, Ingram, Zion, Larry Nance Jr. They could have some interesting additions. So <laughs> these teams could look a little bit different in the coming weeks. The, the Lakers, yeah. And the Pelicans. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Getting your pieces back, heading in the right direction. Um, and let's not forget, the Spurs are two games back. Uh, you know, the Spurs do have two games against Portland and a game against Houston. But more importantly, tomorrow, Saturday, they got that game against the Pelicans. Um, you know, that's a big game because if they can win that, 
they can cut that guy game down to one, and then you got three three games against you know some lower tier teams. Spurs could kind of mess around and somehow find themselves in that playing position and with. When with pop, anything's possible, which is crazy as it sounds. It is, and play them right on in. So we will check in again next week with everything happening in the NBA as we get closer and closer. It'll be like the final week um, remaining. Eric, buddy, you pulled double duty this morning for me. Thank you so much. We went from the NFL straight into the NBA, and you're going to join me a little later on. We're going to talk some college basketball the rest of this week as we get down to the Final Four. Tell everybody what you've got on your podcast this week and where we can find you on social media. Uh, podcast recorded today, I think right before the basketball one. Um, my buddy Brandon's going to come on. We're going to do some NASCAR. NASCAR talk is going to be a little shorter one today. Um, and then I'll be, you know, with you talking college and NBA over the weekend. So, yeah, hopefully uh, profitable. Still still a little hurt about my Texas Tech pick last night. but uh, Oh, that one, yeah. Tonight. I was going to say, you got the great defense. They put themselves in a perfect spot. And I think Duke scored t- the last 10 times in a row they had the ball. I mean, Ten- you got to get the game. They had the game in hand, but, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um, Good they, offense. They beat played, the, the better defense down the stretch. Zone. Well, I mean, like, Duke hadn't played zone all year. They never had played zone all year. I don't know if Shire or Shashevsky made the call, but whoever made the call to go zone completely disrupted Tech's defense, offensive rhythm. And in my eyes, that was the key to the game. So credit with what it is to Duke. Eric, buddy, thank you so much, man, and uh, good luck to your uh, your family over there. I know you're uh, expecting to be another uh, uncle any any moment now, so hope everything goes well, and uh, we'll be talking to you real soon, buddy. All right, sounds good. Talk soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is a loaded episode, so we're going to be bouncing all around. Stay tuned. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, come down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper here on That's What G Said podcast. Koopa Loop, my man. Thanks for helping out. We are uh, recording just a little a day later than normal this week, but we'll uh, still get the chance to dive into everything as we get closer and closer on the road to WrestleMania. But last week, we didn't get a chance to talk a, a whole lot of AEW, so we can start with AEW. And uh, what I will do is I'll just kind of read through the results for the shows that we didn't get a chance to talk about, and then we'll really kind of dive into to Dynamite from last night. So back last week, uh, we had Adam Cole and Red Dragon beat Hangman Page and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in a six-man tag. Brian Danielson and Moxley beat Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta. We had Scorpio Sky beat Wardlow in the TNT Championship match, and the Hardys uh, defeated Private Party in a tag match Thunder Rosa became the new women's champ Winning in that steel cage match against Britt Then on Rampage, Darby Allen beat the Butcher Red Velvet defeated Layla Hirsch And then the House of Black got a win over Bear Country Keith Lee, who, gosh, we didn't see again on Dynamite or Swerve uh, Keith Lee was on uh, on Dynamite defeating Max Caster So we get to Dynamite from this week And... There were a couple matches and a couple segments that I thought were fun or interesting. But overall, the whole show, Coop, from top to bottom, it didn't feel 
it felt like one of those episodes of Raw where you kind of look at the results and it's like, ah, nothing really happened. Yeah. It, well, case in point, majority uh, uh, of the roster in these matches were WWE former WWE guys. Um, I mean, we're talking CM Punk, Dax Hardwood, which was odd to see him in a singles match. You had the Hardy Boys, Sting, uh, Brian Danielson, Moxley, um, Adam Cole, uh, and, and then Chris Jericho there in the main event. But uh, this this was definitely one of their their weakest shows. It just kind of feels like still you have so much talent, and they just can't seem really to get it all worked out. To, so it flows uh, correctly. I, I mean, I, you talked about it. Keith Lee is just an afterthought now. Malachi Black, just an afterthought. Swerve Strickland, who is now all elite. Uh, you have to watch on Fridays. Um, if you can remember to watch it at nine o'clock on Friday night, uh, Central Time. Damn. Uh, it, it just, it just, again, it just seems like, you know, it, it's they're not just able to keep it flowing and i think they're just more interested right now and just grabbing headlines and and having social media buzz uh the end of the day you know you want to put the best product you can out there and look we've give credit where credit's due especially with the aew fans they're hardcore uh they're gonna like what you put out there but you and i have both seen over the last several months we've seen more complaints on twitter uh, then we have yeah before they won the honeymoon so. period sort of starting to wear uh, wear yeah. out but and I can understand like people want AEW to do well and succeed because a lot of people have been burned by WWE as a fan as an employee as someone who's put their faith in spent a lot of money and then they feel like ah I invested a lot of time and then that didn't fill and that didn't come out or that didn't play out that great I, I get it I understand um but I I just um. I think it's been hard when you bring in so many people. They're gonna they started to suffer from the same problems WWE did in that you you can't really serve everybody at the same time. Right. There's not enough TV time to to get everybody an opportunity and to build them. And then you end up trying to keep everybody happy and you end up putting a few things on TV that don't really feel like they should be on there instead of maybe just building around a nice group of ten to fifteen people. For a certain period of time and then you You sort of rotate some people in or out As uh, we get into Dynamite now this first Match was cool it kind of Reminded me of like An older you would have seen Something like this in the territories This was like on Saturday night's main event It would be like Hulk Hogan versus Offa from the wild Samoans You know in, in, <laughs> yeah, You yeah, know in a match sure. where You don't ever think that That you know, Punk is losing this match to Dax, but you know that the tag that tag worker is a good worker, and it's kind of cool to see them get a singles match to shine a little bit and to give them an opportunity. You know, and and they'll do sort of, you know, they'll CM Punk sold well for him, and this was kind of fun because you very rarely get to see Dax, you know, in a single spot, and they're they feel like they're doing a a, a good job of. Giving FTR more time and it feels like They're they're about to go on a baby face turn I think I would think so I, Yeah it, it's, uh, it was interesting a couple Of weeks ago that FTR Had put out there that they were accepting indie Bookings and I think that kind of opened The eyes a little bit of maybe the AEW Brass like I agree. okay you know What 
Cause, cause over the last oh, let's put a little pressure on them, huh? You know, things started kind of to change and look, that's what you got to do. They've always said in WWE, you know, you cry out for help and you you get some Twitter buzz behind you, which was kind of what poor Alexa bliss has been doing for, I I don't, you know, uh, we haven't seen her since uh, the elimination chamber uh, match where she was thrown into. She just, you know, basically, Hey, I'm here, but uh, hey, look, I, I love the, the comparison to the to the Samoans here. I, the one thing I, I think that is being overdone, especially by AEW, uh, we, we saw with uh, with MJF and I think we've seen with one other person. I, I'm kind of getting tired of seeing uh, as a kid, I took a picture with the guy that I'm wrestling with. Right. And, and I, and I kind of, I, look, I think that's kind of burned out a little bit. Um, I know it's happened on AEW several times, but look, the first third, or at least the first half of AEW has some, some pretty decent ring work. These first three matches weren't bad at uh, all. Had, no, look, I had no problem with it. Here's the common denominator. And I know AEW people are not going to like this because I already said it. Majority of these guys are WWE. They're polished veteran workers who have been in for a long time. And it just just seemed like after the first couple of matches, it kind of went off the train tracks a little bit. But there there was nothing wrong with this this first match. Second match or the third match. You know, it's good to see guys that are stuck in tag teams or are booked as tag teams to get those individual performances yeah. and you kind of forget how good these guys really are mm-hmm. in singles matches. This was like a WWF superstars or like, you know, yeah. like one, like yeah. one of those you'd see and they'd go sure. for 10 minutes and it, it was good. It was fun. We, the next match was fun too. It's the Hardy sting and Darby Allen versus <laughs> private party, the butcher and the blade. This was like a demolition derby. These guys are just all over the place. Hardy's just jumping off stuff like crazy. We get Sting <laughs> doing nut stuff, Scorpion Dude. death drops. So they're just like Sting's having fun, and these guys are. In, you could tell they're sort of enjoying all all being together. And you know what? I don't. I don't mind something like this. Um, it's it's not. You know, it's it's away from the titles picture and everything like that. Maybe the tag team. Maybe the Hardys as a tag team have a run, or maybe we end up getting these two te- these two teams to split up and against each other and have like a match, you know, baby faces. Sure. But yeah, it it was fine. It was fun. It my only worry is just it feels like it's been a while for Darby. Uh, he, I know he had the one match recently, but since he's had a whole lot of purpose, you know, he's just he's doing fun fun spots and segments with Sting. I want, and I'm sure he's fine with it. But he was someone who was didn't feel like he was too far away from the world title. You know, when he was at his at his peak, and now he doesn't feel like he would even be close to being in that in that situation. So that would that'd be my only issue. But I, again, I didn't have any problem with this. It was it was fun. It was what well, what you expect you're going to get with the Hardys here. They can't do this week in week out, but <laughs> once every few weeks they can still do some some cool Hardy stuff, right? Yeah, I, look, I had no problems with. It. I mean, Sting, what's going on? Sixty, you know. <laughs> it yeah. is, is is doing all these all, all, all these uh, bumps here? Um, yeah, I'm with you. You know, uh, I'm glad you brought up Darby. You know, last year, how many dynamites in a row did he main event? I mean, he he was the star for you know, and, he, and they were always breaking those ratings down. You know, he always would get the top quarter hours and stuff like yeah, that. When they look just, at those, and it kind of seems like uh, you know, I don't know what storylines they're really doing. You know, a lot of them. 
they're just you could tell they're going with a couple of storylines and then they're putting people together in matches and they'll draw out some matches here and there. I think it's easier, it's much easier to get invested in WWE storylines just because most of them, not all of them, most of them do have payoffs. But here in AEW, the Sting Darby thing has gone on, it seems like, for well over a year now. And maybe, look, maybe that's what Sting wants to do. That's something we don't know. Maybe, you know, hey, I, you know, I don't want to do a lot of singles matches. Hey, I, you know, I am older now. We always thought that Darby and Sting were going to do a program together. Someone was going to turn, but maybe we thought Darby. But, uh, you know, he's just kind of the kid now that does these acrobatic stunts and the tag teams and takes crazy bumps. He's, he's as you said, he's way out of the main event picture. But, man, just last year, he main evented three, four, five shows in a row of, uh, of Dynamite. I, I mean, it, it really feels like Bret Hart's coming in. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That, because sure, sure. anytime AEW does any for so far, anytime they've referenced someone, it's usually because that person's about to come in. Um, and Dax was doing the sharpshooter. They mentioned right here when he went backstage after Cash Wheeler says that that Dax wrestles with heart. <laughs> and yeah. so I, and then I what capacity? And it, it, it sure is it cool? You know, we've seen Flair because on here. I don't, we've seen Bischoff. Well, and that's not really Brett, right? That doesn't no. feel like Brett as like a manager. I don't know. It seems like it's forced. We've seen the Tully gimmick, James, uh, James, Jake Roberts. I just don't know what you're getting out of it instead of just being the cool factor. Hey, we now, got Brett Hart over here. What I heard was, and I can understand, was if you're going to bring Brett in for a little while because you're going to have that Owen Hart tournament that they're going to have in a bit. No, that now makes that, sense. Now that makes sense. Totally. So maybe you have Brett do a little bit there with them, but Brett can also be at commentary during those matches in the tournament or something like sure. that. Right. You know, has some yeah, use okay of Brett, yeah. which so I can get that, but yeah, I don't, I could see him for a match or two in their corner or even maybe, maybe some training segments, something like that. But I don't know if he's like, Brett's going to travel around with them. All over and, and be the their <laughs> corner guy I don't know I just don't maybe he maybe he would Maybe he'd want to do it I, I don't know I just don't I don't see it right now but I I could be wrong uh, I, I'm a Brett Mark he's my guy so yeah, you best, are. There, best there is best there was best there ever Will be let's see if he uh, <laughs> he shows Up we then got uh, Brian Danielson and Moxley versus the Varsity Blondes I mean this is fun These guys are like they're what are they called Now the uh, the the British Oh no, the Blackpool Combat uh, Club. The Blackpool Combat, Combat Club. Club. The BCC there. And uh, Regal is on commentary and during the match. Moxley and Danielson get the win. And then post match, Moxley cuts a little bit of a promo and he talks about how um, one of the only people that he ever really wanted the approval from was, uh, was Mr. Regal. And it looks like they're going to try to maybe add to their stable here. So. I mean, I, I enjoy, I don't mind this These two guys, they didn't really have Any singles plans For them immediately So hey, let's make sure we can Keep them on TV, let's do something fun with them Let's put them together, like, I don't mind this um, You You wanted to have A little bit of a focus So I think in the next few weeks They should definitely have A feud or a team or some Faction right. that they're going after 
Because if you do this three or four or five times, it starts to get a little bit old. But right now they can they can do this a couple more times where they're just coming out kicking ass. We're still happy to see Regal. And I mean, the thing about these three guys in particular, almost everybody likes these guys. Oh yeah, Mox- Moxley, yeah. Brian Danielson, and and Regal. So you put these three guys out there, they're going to get a good reception, and people are going to want to. Cheer for them and people are gonna like Laugh at the stuff they say and get a kick out of it They're entertaining guys they're cool and you know You put them together and I'm, I'm fine With it. It, it this is this doesn't bother me Ever with, with these with these three guys but I just Want I want a little purpose for them coming soon Where, where do you think we we go With 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 them now do, do you Think we're you know they're uh, they go straight to the top here uh, and Become number one Contenders because I mean what right like they should, Shouldn't they be like, I, aren't I they so much more interesting than the tag team champions right now? Yes, unfortunately, yes. Like, <laughs> not unfortunately, they, it just is. Yeah. Uh, the the tag team titles on AEW has just been look. We've we've we we've destroyed WWE uh, for the longest. Uh, their tag team champions, uh, you know, on both brands, especially SmackDown before the Usos got them. You know, the Dirty Dogs were the champions. They were never on TV. Uh, you you know, and, and same with the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions before Carmella and Queen Zelina won them. Uh, these these ladies were never on TV. It just seems like still uh, we're we're not there yet. And for a company to be, hey, you know, this this is our our pedigree. This is what we're gonna do. I just don't get that here. You know, I don't get it with uh, you know, yeah. Look, at, you know, Adam Page here. With the world champion just feels flat We've got Thunder yeah. Rosa Who we'll talk about in just a second You know she got the win last week You know the match was just uh, some, Something went wrong It just it, it wasn't okay It just wasn't good um, And then this this FTW championship This just become a whatever I would like you know maybe this Maybe this is as the beck and call Here so to speak with Brian Danielson And Moxley and Regal um, so getting so those we, tag team titles because if they do get them, they they are the guys that you cannot afford not to be on TV every week. That's every the thing, because right. What's nice about them is you can bring them out for 15, 20 minutes. It's going to be entertaining. They'll be good in the ring. They can tar- carry segments on the mic, and you can sl- start to slot them in against singles main event type guys too, right? Them them against the Young Bucks feels like it would be a blast. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and you start just putting combinations of people together in your head. So, I think you got to get there sooner than later with these guys. And I mean, is uh, is so the Varsity Blondes is Julia Hart doing an Alexa Bliss gimmick here? <laughs> it looks it. <laughs> she, she doing an Alexa? Sh- yeah. I don't know if that's a shot to me either. You know, but I, I don't know. Look, you, there's a lot. Look, we talk about this all the time, especially with AEW. They have so many good tag teams on this roster, and we've talked about them. Um, I, I just, I, you would think that's that's their strong point here. Look, you saw Private Party earlier. They haven't had the best of runs since signing with AEW. Remember, at the very beginning, they were, you know, they were the 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 new street profits of the WWE. These guys could move, and then they had a kind of a, you know, you had to watch. Dark or dark elevation. There's a ton of tag teams. They're just uh, like talent. this. Yeah, I know. Just like, like the Varsity this. Blondes did get a little push for them, and then and working he, Danielson and Moxley will do it. That's why I think these guys need to be number one contenders, and they need the titles at the next pay per view. So MJF 
comes out and he uh, he cost Wardlow the title last week in that TNT title match against Scorpio Sky, and so he tells Wardlow that he's not going to let him out of his contract. Said that he's the devil, and he said the the deal is ironclad, and he starts calling him a pig. <laughs> Which was sort of it was sort of weird, but just kind of funny. It, it what it's not even funny when you just say it, but the way it was like, why is he calling him a pig? You know, and it was like, it he's not Wardlow is in like I saw an interview with Wardlow the other day. I was like, God, he is in fantastic shape. You know, he's like a specimen. He's someone that Vince, I'm sure, if he saw, he would love. You know, just and. He keeps calling him pig repeatedly You know piggy I'm gonna make piggy's life A living hell and uh, (laughs) And so Wardlow comes down and Then you know MJF security stops Him so MJF says that the pinnacle's not over And that uh, You know Sean Spears is out there with him he says Next week they're moving on up And so it Feels like I, I Was getting the sense that maybe Maybe it's just going to be him and MJF or MJF and Spears together because I I think that next week FTR is not going to want to be part of the pinnacle anymore. No, and I don't know why we're going back to this. Yeah, um, I'm I'm wondering how long has it been since MJF has had a win? You know, in a match that that's look he we talk about this. I mean, he lost the feud to Jericho. You know, he 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 lost the big match to Punk. Wardlow cost him. Um, is MJF starting to feel less important and less hot as he was because of those losses? Because there was the one thing that kept MJF strong is that he was able to talk the trash. And even though he was he was cheap in, in a lot of the way he won on paper, he still won a lot right. of those matches. Right. And so right. he could say that and actually more than in a heel way. He wasn't really delusional he was just Right you know he was an ass but he was Right about it so Yeah I I agree he's got to Because what's interesting is AW doesn't do or they haven't Been a company to do a whole lot of Rematches so I don't know Immediately if it seems Like Paige and Adam Cole were going to get that It almost seems like we might Still have something left with Punk and MJF but but it does sort of feel like MJF and Wardlow need to do something soon. And how can Wardlow lose that match? It's got to be a situation where Wardlow's got to be wrestling for his contract, right? You know, right, for his free, right. for being free to that contract and, and earning an AEW contract, something like that. So you're right. If we end up getting, you kind of look back and you go, oh, yeah, MJF did lose sort of that final one to Jericho. Oh, yeah, he did kind of lose. He beat Punk, but then he came back and he lost the, fi- the 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 big one to Punk, and then oh, did he end up losing to Wardlow? So then you wonder, and, and he felt like one someone that was a sure fire slot him in for the next world champ. Now the direction it was going, Punk actually started doing the uh, the title around the waist, like he wants to sure. go after the title, and I don't think they would have had like that's by accident. So no. No, and, and look, if you go back and look to the beginning of the pinnacle, you know, take MJF, take Jericho out of it. Of all the guys that's been in and out of the pinnacle, the one guy that has seemed to elevated his stock has been Wardlow. This guy has become massively over 
in the AEW universe, right? I hate to say that, the, the, the AEW fans. Wardlow has become a bona fide star um, in AEW, in my opinion. I, this guy, his, his reactions that he gets, um, I, am, I am glad now that he didn't win this, uh, this title um, a, a couple of weeks ago. You no, know, because it almost it, feels like he's above that title. He is. I, that's you know. I, look, this guy is, is a star. He needs to be, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, they've taken his his profile off AEW website. We're going with this storyline, so it looks like you know Punk and him are going to have a match to where he gets this. You know, a contract. Does Punk get, uh, or excuse me, MJF? Does MJF get a win finally? How do they go with the storyline? I don't know, but you got to be careful because. MGF is now to the point where, yeah, he's going to get a lot of heat when he comes out, but something is missing a little bit. It's not as fresh anymore. Look, there's nothing wrong with it. I like MJF. It's just not as meaningful now as it was with Jericho and with Punk. It kind of like, okay, we've seen this MO now for quite some time, and now we're going to sit with Wardlow, but you got to be very careful here. Um, if you squash Wardlow, uh, and do some kind of gimmick where he's either gone or he has to do this to try to get back in it. That's probably going to destroy his uh, all of his momentum. Mm-hmm. And with MJF, if MJ, if Wardlow goes over MJF, I mean, now this guy's just become a you know because almost a jobber here. Here's what know? we're doing: so we're seeing with careful. We're we're seeing it with Adam Page, and we saw it with Britt in that this is sort of the one thing that you and I have kind of been t- been talking about is that. Um, the AEW fans and the live crowds are so awesome. Honestly, like they are great. The crowds are incredible. They will cheer everything that at is in front of them at the show. And a lot of the really hardcore AEW fans, like I said, it's a new company. They want the company to do well, so they're always going to really support most things, and they're going to try to defend or give the benefit of the doubt to everything. But what ends up happening is the the stories just don't aren't as good and and so you can't always just okay great that was great we move on you have to actually be critical of the things that need to be critical of like Hang- hangman at a page for example he unfortunately just isn't as over right now no. as he was before and i don't know what the fault is of that right that was a situational thing he was going to have a baby so they they, did, they had to kind of delay when he got the title and then since then he just he's had some good matches but for whatever reason, it just doesn't. You know, I, I think Gino. I think it started when he lost to uh, the Dark Order thing. Yeah, I, I just in that I, tag I just, match that felt like he was gonna win. That felt right. like it was the show. It was that elimination match? And then remember, we thought that elimination match was gonna be like a pay per view main event. And then they sort of did it on TV. You know, uh, in it wasn't as big as it it should have been. I, I agree. That was the the moment. And then because of Stuff outside the company he had to leave and when he came back He won the title and it was great But he just the And I think it happened with Brit too You know just wasn't on TV Wasn't on TV and then all of a sudden They didn't have a whole lot of other strong contenders Built up for her and then she just kind of uh, Felt a little bit lackluster So you can Things can always be you know Cheered and supported but that Doesn't always mean that they were done In the right way or with the best timing and we find it out a few months afterwards because, yeah, just um, Hangman Page unfortunately doesn't feel like the 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 top star, and Thunder Rosa sure didn't feel like the uh, the top star the way that she was treated 
on no, this show. And, and look, and and let me stop you right there. So as we progress through this show, as we get up to Adam Cole and uh, Hangman Page, who do you think right now? Get give me who do you think right now fills the top star for you in AEW? Not the best wrestler. Who do you think is the top star right now on uh, every Wednesday night on AEW? CM Punk. There you go. I, I mean, it's and and here's here's what's great about this, right? Here's how if people, um, you, you, everyone that listens can know that you and I are genuine. We ripped the first month, couple months of CM Punk. Absolutely, we were not fans of it I at said all. It's over. I said we it's were over. not fans of it at all. We didn't like the matches. We didn't sort of like the way things got built up. And then once he sort he had some direction and he got into a couple of these feuds, in particular all the stuff with MJF, we really really liked. And so we will tell you when we don't like something, and we'll turn it around and say, "Oh wow, now he's he's doing fantastic." And he does. He feels like the guy. I, I actually wouldn't be shocked if, and we we haven't seen them do this before, so it's hard to predict if AEW will do. Will be the kind of company to have like a transitional champion. You know, they they're so young that all, all of their champions have had pretty good reigns. Their main title, you know. Yes. But there's going to be a point where you just got to put it on someone for a little bit to get to the next guy. So maybe Hangman Page loses it to Cole, and then CM Punk comes and beats Cole. I mean, I could what, see what, some something like that happening. Um, what did you think of the Adam Cole Jay Lethal match, which is the first time Jay Lethal has been on? Dynamite. It was a good match, and these two guys know each other well from uh, from Ring of Honor. You know they've got some good chemistry. Yeah, it, was, it was a veteran type match to me. It was. I, I thought you know it was they they did well. Yep, it was solid. And I like Jay Lethal. There's no reason why if you go and get Jay Lethal, he should be a guy that should be wrestling on your TV most weeks. Man, he's so good, and he's got charisma. I mean, dude, do we need? To why haven't we heard him the- talk? No, do we need to go back to the? Did I? Did I? <laughs> With the look, I, I watch. Look, when I get down and out, this is not the dude, first dude. thing I think about. I will always, when, when I need a, a good wrestling upper, I, I just go to YouTube and 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 get the the Jay Lethal Ric Flair TNA Impact promo, which is the greatest thing of all time. Rick you Flair can't is, do me! You can't do me! <laughs> Jay Lethal is doing elbow drops to Rick uh, Flair's jacket on the ramp, and it's just like, you can't do that, you SOB! I think, look, I am a massive Jay Lethal fan. Always have, always will be. I, I love the uh, Jay Chismo gimmick. Oh, that, Machi- oh yeah, oh, that was know, so great. I loved it. I just look. I loved him in Ring of Honor. He was doing I, I those hour the, matches for yeah, a little the while. Dude, and, the dude's a stud, and I just find it. I don't know why he's just getting his first opportunity. And look, here we are again. I, there's nothing wrong with losing, but man, I, I just for a company. And you said this, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. For a company in the very beginning, who told us. And it may have been Cody Rhodes who told us this, so maybe that's why we really don't hear (laughs) about it now. But they still show it on the screen, I think. Wins and losses will matter in AEW. Well, they don't. They really don't. And not Uh, the ones that we see. That's the problem, too. It's like, Like, how can... Hey, so-and-so's been powerhouse Hobbs is 12-0 and on Dark. like, what? But but we haven't seen any of that, and it really doesn't mean anything. And and you don't show us a video package of it or anything. 
if you want to build that and tell us, oh, look at what powerhouse Hobbs has been doing, give us a minute, show us the little clips of those wins, and then say pa- powerhouse Hobbs is is a uh, you know this is a big match for him. He's going to be on dynamite. He's going to like make it seem like you would. They want to be in sports, right? Think about how it is in sports. We we all know if you're a smaller school or if you're in a smaller market. We watch college basketball now. Is St. Peter's ever on national TV? Hell no, right? <laughs> but they're on. They're in the right now. They are. Uh, you're you're someone. You know, you're a fan of Houston. Houston recently will be on oh, national TV because they're good. But five, ten years ago. In the in the years when they weren't good, you know, th- twenty years ago or thirty years ago, they were good. Now they're then sure. now they're good again. It's when they're not when your teams aren't as great. When you're not as as good, you're not on the big shows as much. Then play into that, right? You like if you want to be sports or like like a, a bit like a um you know so sports official, and and they they just kind of pick and choose. Which you know when, when they want to use it, it. yes, that that's my point. Yeah, and yeah. I, 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 I don't. You either do it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I thought this this is the case here with Jay Lethal. I have nothing wrong with him losing to Adam Cole, but, but we we all knew that Adam Cole wasn't going to lose lose here. But I just think of it, and we're talking about Jay Lethal here. You signed the guy. This is a guy that's that's a veteran, and he, look, he don't need to be ten and zero. He don't need to be winning every matches. But I'd like to see more of him in this type of spot with against can. Cole. Like, t- if yes. he's going to be losing, then have him be in matches with the top tier guys and lose. You know, in a good back and forth match and getting beat, and and hey, still having look, some shine there. You know, look, there, there's there comes a point in time that regardless if you're happy backstage or this is the company you want to work for. There, there does become a time when you show up to the arena and they say, oh, yeah, you're working a match tonight at, at midnight right when we're taping dark. You're not going to be on Dynamite this week. And then and again and again and again. It, it starts to mess with you a little bit. We're human. on your top of the mountain, right? He was yep. on top of the mountain in Impact, and he was on top of the mountain at Ring of Honor. Not saying he's going to be top of the mountain here at AEW. That's not why he's coming in here. But why did you sign the guy? If you signed him to put him on YouTube, I, you're you're not doing him a favor or wrestling a favor. I think no. this is a spot for him. He needs to be elevated where he's on and he's having top matches. I just again, I don't think there's enough time for all of these guys and and poor Jay Lethal. Yeah, and then you know, so at the end of this match, <laughs> you get the champion and then the tag champs that are all out there for just seconds. They're just like afterthoughts. Right. right. That's sort of the problem, right? Yes. Right there. And, and then, and then, and <laughs> then. Okay, so give me Sammy and Ty. Okay, so we get it. Okay, so if you didn't know, these two are together. So they're together. Um, now here's one issue that I have with this. <laughs> they don't tell like. They haven't told us a whole lot about this on TV. You just have to know because you, because of Twitter, right? So, so this is they're just playing off of social media here, which again, they're not showing us these tweets weekly. Like WWE would show you the social media. They'd pull the tweets up on the screen and be like, "Look what happened last week," or "Here's what was going on on Twitter." So we'd at least get an idea. But six months ago, people that were watching this show saw Sammy Guevara. Proposed to a different woman 
<laughs> in Houston, his hometown, proverbial hometown. The la- the like one of the last times that you saw him standing in the ring with a woman, he proposed to her, and it was a different woman. And since then, now uh, here's the problem: if you're <laughs> if you don't want to make your personal life part of the TV show, I'm I'm totally fine with that. Then then don't do it. But once you make your personal life part of the TV show, you've got to make you've got to continue on with it, right? They never told us that he broke up with his fiance. Why? Wouldn't you, (laughs) if you were watching like whatever show that you were watching that was on ABC or Netflix or Hulu, if two major characters, if there was a character and another character that were dating or engaged and they broke up, wouldn't you hear about it on the TV show? Like, wouldn't they tell you about it from just a consistency standpoint? Now, I know that's like a crude thing, but I'm just saying. What if you were someone that watches these shows and doesn't isn't on social media? How do you know what's going on? That that's my first problem. You don't have any clue. They they just assume that and WWE goes the opposite way sometimes, right? They like they don't care at all what you're saying on social media sometimes. <laughs> you know? Like everyone'll be like, "Don't do this." And they don't care. They'll just assume that like most people are flipping the channels and and aren't hardcores. And then AEW does the opposite. They assume every single person is a hardcore. Now you and I know that Ty and Sammy have been dating, and we know what was what's sort of been going on. But even on social media, they said we'll respect our privacy. And then all of a sudden, they they went back and they said, okay, well screw you. We're gonna take pictures of everything we do and post them on social media. So it's just been really hard from a consistency standpoint. Like, is this storyline? Is this stuff real? So now Sammy's in the ring with Ty. He's cutting this promo that was like he's tr- it's tr- it's trying to be a babyface promo but he's like I'm the best every time I come in this ring and I do things that none of you have ever seen. he's telling us right that that are like sort of heelish but he's trying to do it in a babyface raw raw way and I think the crowd is kind of confused <laughs> and then they give it to Ty the mic and she says to Paige Van Zant you you know, I'm gonna kick your ass like you got your ass kicked in all of your uh, in all of your fights, and um, and then then Dan Lambert comes out and, <laughs> and he's got the title, so he comes out first, and he's got he's with Ethan Page and uh, the men of the year, the men of the year, and he he mentions that. You know, Paige Van Zandt, you can subscribe to her OnlyFans. That's <laughs> he says that's why Orange Cassidy always has his hands in his pockets. And, and then he points to Sammy and he calls him Tiny Tim and, and his girlfriend Lucha Horace. <laughs> which, <laughs> that was fantastic. Which I'm I did, not gonna lie. I did pop hard for the Lucha Horace. It <laughs> still gets me now. But that and <laughs> But Woo. I mean, we ha- Tony Khan is for is a smart is a smart guy, and he knows the wrestling fans, and he listens to the wrestling fans. People don't like Sammy and Ty. This is one thing that people on AEW don't really like, even the AEW fans. And Ty was like three months ago, one of the nicest, sweetest, most universally. Liked it seemed on social media People everyone was like oh She's the sweetest the nicest uh, She works really hard she's really Trying to get better all in this and now It's just it's like all in And the whole record They I think now 
all of this that I'm saying, if they turn these two heels, they could be fantastic. Oh, I, I they, would. Yeah, they gotta be. They gotta be going yes. that way, right? Is that they? They have to be. If they are going in the heel direction, then they should be. And people are gonna want to boo the hell out of them. This somebody, somebody somewhere. I think it was on Wrestling Inc. I couldn't. They're like, oh. They like they're playing Cody and Brandy right now. This <laughs> is like they left, <laughs> so they had to fill this role. It's like people don't know what to do with them right now because they're like, You're telling us we're supposed to cheer these people, but they come off like assholes. So, why, why should we cheer them? <laughs> yeah, and I think more people are going to get behind Lambert and and Paige Van Zant here. Um, I just thought it was interesting that. Page has got a contract with AEW. I, I don't know if it's full time um, or what. I did see that Paige Van Zant said that WWE had offered her an exclusive contract. Who knows? Um, Sammy and Ty uh, need to be heels, and this was what I was hoping that maybe Adam Cole and Britt Baker would do. But we just kind of forced Cole right into that storyline from years ago. Um, with Ring of Honor, and it, it just hasn't worked. But I thought it was an interesting segment. I, 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 I'm, you know, I have the same concerns you do with, with Sammy and Ty. The problem is Ty never wins a match that's worth anything. I, I don't watch Dark and Dark Elevation, so I'm sure she gets some wins over enhancement talent there. But her meaningful matches, she's never won. She's lost to Britt multiple times. Nyla Rose, she lost to Nyla Rose. Um, so... Speaking of Nyla Rose, yes. I guess she's now the number one contender yet again. Yes, she's Kane. Um, we figured out she's the <laughs> she's the first person. That's fantastic, per, right? She's like, oh, someone's new champ. Let's give him Nyla to get the win over. It's uh, the, iron brimstone. The la the note that I forgot that I I had to mention at the end of that Lambert segment. So he says, uh, "You can kiss your title goodbye," and so he kisses the belt. And Sammy says, I don't know if you don't want to be kissing that if you know what the two of us did while we were while I was wearing that belt. And <laughs> and then Ty posts the picture later online of the two of them with that belt naked in, in a hotel room on a bed, which actually got a few people pissed. Like Eddie Kingston said something like, you know, oh, that's Brody's belt. And you're doing Ooh. that, you know, like. Which I was like, oh, is this part of the storyline? So maybe they are going to go really heel with them. You know, like super heel. Because <laughs> that was like the Sean. that was the Shawn Michaels gimmick. You know? It was. It was. It was with the felt. I, think, I think Mark, Car- uh, Mark, Matt Cardona has, has been, done it too. Yeah, has yeah. done it. He's done it recently again with the NWA belt. He said him and Chelsea have had yes. relations. You know, just a, you know. Hey, I stuff. would prance around in the Intercontinental or the NWA if I had it. I would, you know, I and would. I'd sing. I'm just a sexy boy while I did it too. I know. I just, a, I just saw Angle. Angle retweeted that. Uh, he was. This was like right. <laughs> he did the uh, the thing with Sherry. I'm just oh, a yeah. sexy Kurt. Yeah, I'll make ah, your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. hurt. <laughs> ankle hurt. <laughs> Freaking Horus. Oh, we got. <laughs> Uh, a Layla Hirsch win over Red Velvet on just a match that kind of didn't feel like it yeah. should be on the show. Unfortunately, yeah. this this wasn't really a a dynamite match. And then you mentioned uh, we just got a quick little Jade Cargill promo, and then here comes Thunder Rosa to talk about you know her supposed to be sort of her celebration, 
And she comes out and she gets interrupted immediately. Excuse, Excuse me. me. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> and uh, so Nyla just attacks Thunder Rosa, who barely says anything. Like, this didn't feel great for your your, no. your champ. She just had a huge moment. Whether or not the match, I didn't think the match was very good, honestly, last week either. I saw some people who did, but I don't know. Maybe it was I liked the first one much better, and I was expecting more. I don't know. It felt like they were just kind of some spots that were clunky or maybe sort of. Well, I think there's, well, uh, Gino, I think there's real heat between Britt and Thunder Rosa. I I think it's pretty obvious, but. Uh, yeah, whether you thought the match was good or not, the moment uh, was cool. The celebration yeah, and after leading, uh, and leading up to it, I thought we all knew that Thunder Rosa was going to be the champion because they kept saying, you know, she's doing this in San Antonio, which is where she, she does live in San Antonio. The entrance they was kept huge doing this. too. Hey, fantastic! I thought the ma- I thought they got caught on time a little bit, and this is your week, you know, your week after celebration. I thought this was very short lived. Very, I thought Nikki uh, Ash. Was a was a bad celebration. Thunder Rosa didn't get anything. I mean, straight into a feud. Yeah, I I thought she needed at least uh you know some time to. And I didn't uh, to like the real citizenship thing. I, no. I don't get. I don't like that. Now's not the time. I didn't like it twenty years ago. Maybe when I mean, look, maybe there was Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, and, and it just doesn't doing, work now. It doesn't work now, and you know, and then there's been stuff on the internet that Thunder Rosa's getting involved with with Brock Lesnar. It's just not the time and a place for this. I don't like that angle. Look, no. I don't like that Nyla Rose is the number one contender, um, but uh, we have to live with it. But don't don't do any heat where you're not a real citizen. That's that's no. stupid. It's I'm just not, silly. I'm, it just doesn't work nowadays. It, it really doesn't. No, it and and the one issue I had with the show is I think, like, if you would have put the the Hardy and Sting match as the main event, or even the Adam Cole Jay Lethal match as the main event, I think it probably would have been a better fit. Now I didn't really have a problem with this match. John Silver's awesome. Like he's so sure. cool. He he goes <laughs> crazy. He gets his hot like the big spots, and and Jericho's in fantastic shape uh, at the beginning. What did uh? One of the guy when he cut the promo say he said, you know, you're lucky that this sports entertainer allows you to <laughs> yeah. sing this to sing this song. You know? <laughs> that was a great line. It was pretty good. It was pretty but I um it it was it's fine. It just didn't feel like something that was gonna be the main event of of an episode. Normally they have something a little bit bigger for the end, and that's sort of why to me it felt just kind of like a like a lackluster looking back through it, what was all that important that you feel like you really missed out on. Not much like nothing really yeah. moved Forward a whole lot there was nothing groundbreaking There were a couple of fun matches here And there but it was sort of weird Because right now again I think With AEW the way your talent Roster is you should You can have like pay-per-view Level shows every week Every week And you really every, should like I agree. that's what you sh- I know it's hard because you, Every week can't be up 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 but you kind of have to This early on in your with your company because that's what you want to be that's different than than WWE and the other companies is you want to be just like wall to wall action great stuff look at all this talent in and out and this yeah this felt like a kind of an eh show right in the middle of like a, the WrestleMania time when there's a lot of big buzz going on for WWE and NXT so 
Speaking of which, we head on over to WWE, and since we're recording on Friday, you know we have a SmackDown coming up a, a little bit later on. Last week, we had Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> they, uh, beat Los Lotharios, so they're heading to uh, Mania for the uh, the tag team title match. We had Drew and the Viking Raiders beat Happy Corbin, Jinder, and Shanky. Sasha and Naomi beat Rhea or. Um, and Rhea and Liv ended in a no contest They're going to be uh, in that women's tag team title match And then Ridge Holland beat Kofi That was on Smackdown And we'll have uh, another episode of Smackdown coming up But we've continued to build What we did see at the end of Smackdown Was uh, Brock Lesnar almost murdered the uh, Usos <laughs> and, and Roman Reigns Basically right with the forklift The forklift man <laughs> I love these segments They're just Me so too. cheesy And look, we say it week in and week out if you're not marking out for this Brock Lesnar, then you don't have a wrestling soul because this guy is having the time of his life. We've never seen Brock Lesnar other than just a few words because Paul Heyman's usually done all the talking, which is fine. But now that he's solo, this guy has just been all smiles. Um, it's hard not to get behind him. You know, I don't know what happens at WrestleMania. We'll dig into that next week. Uh, when we start seeing the odds and 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 for the match previews and the show previews, but him on that him on that forklift and and Roman with the oh crap moment was it's just it's good stuff, man. Look, WWE does a lot of things wrong, and they do. There's there's a lot of things with this WrestleMania card that I'm just kind of shaking my head. But holy cow, the two SmackDowns. Uh, Roman and, and Brock, which it's it started with Roman Reigns and SmackDown, and then Flair and Ronda. These have done been they've done, done a really good job with them masterly. And masterly. for as much as people, I think initially were going, why aren't we getting to Flair or why aren't we going to Ronda and Becky? Well, you know what they and I was the first to say that. You know, I was yeah, really and, and disappointed. They want you could tell they wanted at the at least at the beginning Ronda to get cheered, and if you want that to happen. Putting her against Charlotte was the right call That yes. was Because yes. people would have turned on on Ronda Right now if, the, if she was against Becky But you had, the, you had the thing already Going with Bianca And that felt natural And what's cool is, and we'll get to that in a minute The Bianca-Becky stuff actually feels Like an old school Storyline, the way that it was built It's been a long build they had a feud for a while. Bianca kept getting screwed over, and she's—you feel like she's finally going to get her comeuppance at WrestleMania. That's how feuds used to be when they would last eight months to a year, when there wasn't as much TV. You'd kind of start one, and then they'd have a little bit of an off few weeks where they—they kind of go their separate ways, and then they'd come back again for the big title match. And so I think with the women, they've—they've they've really done a, a fantastic job. I think separating them and stacking them. What is weird? Is that they're both going to be on the Saturday show, right? Both of the women's matches. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. so. Yeah. You want you you'd imagine that it's it's probably Ronda and Charlotte main eventing. I think. Would you? I would, believe that. I think they I said that. That right? is the main event. Yeah, I believe they had. I, there, there's been a couple. <clears throat> I'm not sure. There's been one match that has been uh, announced that it was going to be on day two, and now it's. It's going to be WrestleMania weekend. They don't know. I don't know if it's the the tag team, the women's tag team, or it's the 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 uh, the SmackDown. I, I don't know. But um, I, you know, if you got two title changes, um, 
man, look, WrestleMania moments are supposed to be supposed to be really special. And look, you talk about old, you talk about old school. I, Becky and Bianca has been done perfectly. We yep. we were scared they were going to face each other again, and we've seen that with this the the women's tag team titles. They're all now facing each other, and we've seen it before. But the way that Becky was out for a couple of weeks, that Bianca put her out. Then Bianca had a match with Dewdrop, and here comes Becky. Becky puts her out. Um, then Becky's promo on Raw was just fantastic. And it, yep. it, you're right. I I thought it was the stupidest thing to put Ronda back with Charlotte. I'm like, here we go again. But you're right. Ronda would have gotten a ton of heat because even now what Becky's done to Bianca, she's still getting some cheers. Every now and then it's hard. It's still depending on the the spots for her, like where it is. You can tell she'll still say things like, you guys picked Bianca over me. And some of them are like, huh? Did we really? You know, like, you know, but she'll Bianca. People want to root for Bianca naturally a lot more than I think they did for Ronda. When Ronda just came back, right? Because Bianca right. had this built-in story. You felt like she got screwed over a couple times. You wanted to see her at least get her comeuppance. Hell, even if it's Bianca winning at WrestleMania and losing the next night, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things where she's got to get that win back from Becky at some point, just to make things sort of feel somewhat even. And and so I think it ended up doing a good job for both of these programs. And I yeah, the the SmackDown. Couple towards the top are really good And hell while we're kind of talking about it Because it's all related you know Maybe you you probably open the show You wonder with with one of those Matches and then you close it with the Charlotte Ronda do you open it with Becky Bianca I I would definitely Bookend them I mean you want to start Wrestlemania on Saturday That that first match you want to start Off with a bang and and they're not You know even though some of these Matches Aren't of of high significance uh, Where we're okay we're invested in They're all going to be really good matches If they get really into time But if you want to start off with a moment That's you know that's when you let Bianca Go over Becky uh, And, and let, let the women bookend I think that's what they're going to do I, I, I wouldn't do it any other way but that If they're going to be on the same show Because you know they're, they're, they're main eventing with Charlotte and Ronda They announced that um, And this one for all Purposes and indications that it's going to be on Saturday So I would definitely open the show with with Becky and Bianca Let them go a good 15, 20 minutes Yep If not longer mm-hmm. Because they have a story to tell You know, they ha- and they're really good in the ring And this match is going to set the tone for WrestleMania uh, At least that first night And it's going to be really, really solid And then we'll wonder with the, with the Seth stuff We'll find out, obviously, this next oh, upcoming boy. week What they're going to do with him Because <laughs> if it is something where Cody Rhodes just shows up at WrestleMania. Do you do that? Maybe like the opening of Sunday. Man, I don't know what we're doing here. Me neither. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have heard, I've heard everything, and I have a couple of pretty good sources that have been dead on with everything. And you hear, yeah, Cody signed. No, he hasn't. No, we've heard he signed again. Well, we thought two weeks ago. Oh, it's perfect. He's going to show up in Jacksonville. This is going to be the dagger through the heart. And they said, no. Nah, the next week they're in Chicago, right? Oh, we're really gonna put AEW. This is their their old stomping grounds here. Uh, this is where AEW, you know, had their first big event or whatever. Um, let's do it then. Then he didn't. What if they wait until the Monday night after Raw? I don't know what they're doing here. I, I don't know. I was a little puzzled. I didn't. I just don't like the way they're doing Seth Rollins here. Um, 
you know, as we go into Raw here, you know, he's he's doing the kind of crazy gimmick again, and he's laughing and stuff, and then he gets involved with AJ. I don't like the way, look, we know AJ and Edge is going to be just literally phenomenal, but AJ just came back after getting taken out by Edge, and then you automatically put him in a match with Seth. Oh, if Seth wins, he takes your place. What? Yeah, I didn't. I don't I, like the whole like wrestling that. for a spot no, at WrestleMania. I, no, I'm not a fan not of like that. It. It's like no. we know all of these guys and gals mm-hmm. are top tier, and they're going to be part of the WrestleMania card. I don't like. Don't uh, they're battling for a spot? They're going to get left off. I don't. He shouldn't have to battle. He's still freaking Rollins, right? I don't. I don't. I, that that I don't bothers me. So, but if they, if we do get the, the. They don't announce anything, and Seth Rollins comes out at WrestleMania and says, "How did I get left off WrestleMania?" Over and up, what the hell? I, you know, I could see him opening Sunday with the mic, and then Cody Rhodes coming out as a surprise. That might be interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah, I could we'll, see. Yeah. Look, I could see Seth doing that on Saturday, right? And nothing, right? And nothing, nothing and then nothing, Sunday nothing. him coming out again and it happening. Sure. I, I would know? rather do that than have Cody come out on Monday, or or know? or like. Him attacking, you're right. Him come out on Saturday, Cody attack him, and then set up the night, the next night, even. Hey, tomorrow night, you and me, something like sure. that. But something like that, yeah. I, I would definitely keep him off Raw now. I would have Seth try to wreck WrestleMania the first night, uh, kind of like Bailey did a couple of years ago. Remember how great she was? Was that last year? Yeah, the year before last. It was good. We were, save us, Bailey. Save it. I could see him doing some shenanigans, and then on Sunday, them two having a match. If they wait till the Monday night after Raw, which is the big, the biggest Raw of the year, I, I, I don't know. I just don't want Seth to be wasted at all with with not having a match at all. I don't want a meaningless match. You know, somebody said, well, I'll, I'll come out here and, you know, I, I, I don't want that. So uh, we got the continued build with McAfee and Theory. Man, McAfee is good. He's good you in this role. You got to give it to him, man. He you is. got to give it to him. The crowd's behind him. They love he him. He goes all in. He goes all in. It's fantastic too He understands wrestling You know he knows the facials to make He knows how to the energy The little the little quips The little body language stuff You could tell he he studies it That promo that he cut That video promo That was like Great. minutes that along That he released how this was his dream And to show all the things he It was fantastic And this has been a lot of fun So that's one that I think that match is not is one that a lot of people are like, oh, Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. That's going to be a sleeper match. I guarantee you, we're going to come out of WrestleMania and be impressed, more impressed with that match than we thought going in. And I think a lot of people are. We may be looking back at that sort of like the Bad Bunny match after and just being like, whoa, that was pretty yeah. cool. You know, I think you know, I think it's it's look. Remember McAfee and 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 Cole, Cole? Adam Cole and in the War Games at War Games. Uh, even before War Games, those two guys had have interactions with each other in the ring. I this is this is I don't think McAfee, even though he's the he's kind of a a loudmouth clown, so to speak, on his on his show and, and on SmackDown. I think this guy is taking this pretty serious, and he I think this is going to be a serious. Yeah, I think this is going to be a serious match, and I'm Me with too. you. Look, Austin Theory has done great for coming up from NXT and not being um, some guys just you know you kind of roll your eyes at. You know why did they move him up to NXT? You know we were laughing at him with the 
with the golden egg with Vince McMahon. And now it's leading to him with a match with Pat McAfee, one of the biggest guys in sports entertainment right now over the last couple of years. If I'm Austin Theory, I would be totally, totally fine with what's going on. I think this is going to be a good match, too. And I think the crowd's going to be behind McAfee, too, because Theory's just, again, one of those guys, just slimy. You love to hate him. Selfies. Yeah. You want to see him get punched. Come on, dude. Yes. In the face, as you say. He punched him right in the face, exactly. Right in the fucking schnoz. <laughs> He's one of those guys, right, where you just want to just get him right in the schnoz right there. Uh, uh, as uh, I'll have to put the, uh, the the sensory warning. We don't, I don't drop f bombs all too much, but sometimes with Austin Theory, you want to get him right in that right in that beak. As uh, we get to Rhonda and Charlotte, and what's cool about the way they they've been building this one too is. There aren't very many of the uh, women on the roster where you could actually believe when they leave Ronda laying. You know, they, oh, they got the better of Ronda again. But Charlotte, just from a presence standpoint, right? She's big. She's like taller. She's not one of the smaller women where you feel like, ah, Ronda's got strength and technique and a badass. Like, Charlotte has that. Toughness to her and that reality where you kind of feel like if this was real, Charlotte could maybe put a, you know, maybe she could have have an opportunity there. I think a lot of the other women on the roster you couldn't, so that's nice. And they're doing a good job, sort of making you feel sympathetic for Rhonda. Yeah, I, you you said it perfectly because if you talk to a lot of young uh, female wrestlers that are on the indie scene or training, they ask you, you know. Who would you like to go one-on-one with? And majority of them is, is Charlotte Flair. Um, I I've, haven't been the biggest fan of Charlotte. Um, I've always been the biggest fan of Ric Flair. He's number one in my book. But you, you said it best. And I think that's what's hurt Alexa Bliss. And I love Alexa Bliss. I'm her. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Alexa Bliss. Even when she's doing stuff with the stupid mystery gimmicks and the, the dolls. I think they thought about going forward with the program with with Charlotte Flair, but them two side by side, it's 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 not believable. You know, it's just not. Alexa's just that much smaller. I, I look, this is not going to be a five star match at WrestleMania, right? Headliner, uh, Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey, but this is going to be next weekend, uh, next Saturday night. Yeah, we, we do have the final four, right? You have the final four next Saturday night. But this is going to it, – it's going to be very buzzworthy, and it should be. I don't know how it's going to end. Uh, I, I would – my lean right now is would be to Ronda get the title. I would not be surprised if, if Charlotte kept it. But these two, uh, it, it's going to be a good old-fashioned stiff wrestling match and uh, – it's not going to be for the faint of heart. These are two ladies that are very physical in what they do, and it's going to be a fun match. And I think they told look, kudos. WWE tells some silly stories for us to get behind. They're doing one right now is Finn Balor. We don't know what the hell's going on with him and Damian Priest, but they've done, you know, this, this has just been A-plus with these two ladies. Great stuff there. As uh, how, how crazy is this as we transition over, and we'll talk a little bit more about Raw. The... Uh, I'm going to be in Dallas this weekend coming up not not uh, next weekend and, and not for WrestleMania. Um my my one of, <laughs> of my course not. No, one of my best friends is is getting married in a few months and he's having his bachelor party this weekend in Dallas, 
which is just Whoa. hilarious that it's this weekend in Dallas, <laughs> the weekend of WrestleMania. And I'm like, dude. And what's funny is he's actually a wrestling fan too of my friends that are in our like little group chat. That we have a separate one for just a couple of the wrestling guys. And he, we used to watch the shows, Rumble and stuff together all the time. And he will still watch, but he must not have just think thought about it or looked up. So like we're all going and staying in an Airbnb. A bunch of us, you know, in this uh, for Friday and Saturday night, and and we're gonna and WrestleMania is gonna be right there. I was like, dude, what the? <laughs> how weird is this? This is gonna be bizarre. Yeah. So uh, we'll be in uh, in Dallas next week, and I'll be just like watching all the wrestling fans walking around with their wrestling shirts, like oh, just yeah, like take it over, brother. I'm gonna be trying to scalp some tickets out there myself. You're gonna find me out there, like tickets, 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 tickets. <laughs> those, those hot t-shirts, uh, yep, under the t-shirts. Tickets, you know, tickets, tickets. Yep, hot tickets here. <laughs> Let's get over to Raw. We had the Mysterios uh, beating. Ziggler and Rude We had Omos defeating Apollo Crews And Commander Aziz Shayna and Natalia defeated Rhea and Liv So they've got inserted now I actually I I don't I don't like I mean they're they're getting all the women on together and stuff But I don't mind the idea of Shayna and Natty As a tag team Because they train together The submission stuff It kind of gives Natty a little bit of edge And if you don't have anything for Shayna I don't mind it It just It was like oh they're a tag team and now they're in this match And we're putting them all together If you start to, if you put them together a couple Months ago and build them up I'd be fine with it and maybe in a month Or two I like them more but It does seem sort of like one of the old Things they used to do with oh let's try to get As many women on this one match as we can So we can get them all on the show uh, Yeah if we would have got to the story uh, With these two it would have been Much better they kind of like Okay here it is over the last couple Of weeks that Natty or Shayna takes the pinball in this match, right? Uh, you, you don't have to pin the champions to win the championship. So I would assume yeah. Natty or Shayna takes the pin, and we'll get into a lot more WrestleMania next week. But I'm all, I'm all under the the. I, I, I just think that Sasha and Naomi are probably your tag team champions, your new tag team champions. But you know what? As much as I've hated Rhea and a tag team, I'm kind of starting to like. Me too. I, I like them to. I, I like them together. I don't mind it either. The Rhea and Liv's just. Yeah. It just feels a little bit more natural. It does. Like it just. It does. And, and even in like a very weird like, hey, they just sort of seem like they might hang out together. You know, I don't. Yes. Like yes. it doesn't. It, it doesn't feel as forced as it was with the Nikki stuff, where you're like, ah, okay, they threw these together for the corny gimmick part of it. <laughs> uh, we uh, you mentioned. We talked a lot about the the Seth stuff, and uh, and so Seth, we still don't know what his plans are. I mean, we all they, at one point the crowd was chanting Cody, and Seth mentioned it, and he said ah, that's just a rumor, you know, or something like that, which I, I kind of thought was funny. But um, the let's see any of the other uh, segments there. Oh, they've been they've been kind of leaning into the mask stuff with the Mysterios too. So yeah. I wonder. If we're gonna get maybe Dominic with a mask or moving forward, or do we we do get something, but I will say, Miz and Paul, man, these guys <laughs> together, they just are so like weaselly and healy that I like it. They it, he fits really well in this world. Yeah, anytime you take a mask off a of luchador, that's instant heat. And I think it was great. Um you, we have one more raw uh b- before mania. I would assume that 
that Logan Paul probably shows up on Monday night and they get one more over on the Mysterios. But anytime you take a Luchador's mask, it's, it's, that's a big no-no. And I'll say this. Um, for it, Rey Mysterio is one of those guys that it doesn't matter where he is on the card or where, what show he's on, whether it be Raw, SmackDown, or heck, last week, uh, two weeks ago, we saw him on NXT. The guy is still so over with the crowd. He just is. And, and I think, again, this is going to be one of these matches where Miz is so hated and no one likes Logan Paul, whether if you know him or not, you just don't like him because he's associated with a Miz. I, I, I think the Mysterios here are, are going to go all out here. And I think, I think you're again, this is not going to be the match of the weekend, but I think it's going to be very entertaining. Miz will take most of the, most of the spots, but I think it's going to be very entertaining. Ray is just so over in, in, in professional wrestling. Continuing on through uh Monday night raw, we got, uh, AJ cutting his promo And uh, and then that's when, when Seth interrupted him And we ended up getting that match at the end of the night With those two guys like you'd imagine The match is going to be fantastic And we just don't know what Seth plans Are quite yet But um, yeah we got the Liv and Rhea Coming after that And Carmella and Zelina They're not in great shape uh, She's smacking her backstage <laughs> Calling her a bridezilla So uh, I'd imagine yeah, They're going to be losing those titles Very yeah. very soon um, Yeah Bianca, Becky We talked about them, their build up Continued on And we went through a, a lot of these things Sort of overall when we were kind of uh, just, just bouncing back and forth what did, Gina what, do you, what did you think of Kevin Owens and Stone Cold Oh, I thought it was hilarious. I, I dude, mean, I, isn't KO just this? I thought it was treasure. freaking fantastic. He's got the bald cap on, he, <laughs> and he comes out and he does it twice. Right? He gets up and then he's in the ring and he's talking all the trash, and then all of a sudden, Stone Cold's music hits and he acts like it's Stone Cold, <laughs> and then he starts to laugh a few seconds later. Like I got him again. I got him again. And then, and then he does the same thing Stone Cold does. Ah, ah, ah. It was good And which I saw a few people that were like Oh that was mean to tease the crowd like that Well yeah, one well, one, Austin wasn't booked to be at the show No that If, if, if a, someone is booked and you don't have them show And you do that I agree But nobody thought Austin was supposed to be there It was a People thought it was a surprise That he was just sure. going to show up So it, that was great I loved it, it was it, <laughs> And got it, the beers and then the stunner yeah. to the, the yeah. poor "quote unquote" cameraman. That's just yeah. he's done. I, you know, for you know, I'm sure you've heard the same thing I have. This is going to be more than a KO show. It is. I don't know if this turns into a an official match. Uh, maybe it does. I, I'm. I would think it does. But I do I, too. I. Everyone that I talk to has said that Stone Cold is ready to go ten to fifteen minutes at WrestleMania. I, I hear he's in fantastic shape. And ready to rock and roll The Austin Theory Finn Balor US title match Finn gets the win Um, You know McAfee's out there Distracting him And I don't This has been just kind of weird The McAfee Theory stuff Like I said I think will be fun Finn winning the title is good But it's the same It's like okay he, he won the title And then since then it feels like He's either been losing or sort of Not in He's in this thing with Priest, but 
what are we what are we doing right now? I mean, it, this didn't feel like about him at all. No, and we didn't. We still don't know. We assume that that's going to get announced this Monday that him and Priest again. It's kind of the same with Priest. Hey, look, Damian Priest wins the United States title, and we're and we think, okay, he's going to elevate this title. He's going to have this open challenge. Then they kind of screwed around with him, and you know, hinted. Uh, they started just calling him Damien. Then one week he was Priest. I, I, you know, he wasn't involved in this match. This was more about McAfee in theory, and I, which I'm fine with. I just think it made Finn Balor look stupid, and I don't like that because I'm a massive Finn Balor fan. You know, I would look. I would have told if if, if you're going to the storyline with Damien Priest and Finn Balor, and this is what we got. They build that up where Finn is is the demon at WrestleMania. This is, look, we, this is what you want to see. Demon and, priest. And pre- Boom. Demon priest. You said it. I, I just, yeah, I just think we're, we're going to get Damien and Finn at WrestleMania. And I'm, I'm honestly, Gino, I wouldn't be surprised if Damien wins that title back. You know, I, I just, again, I, I don't think they know what to do with Finn Balor. He had the run in NXT where he was the champion. Now he came back. He's been in meaningful matches. They just, I, I don't know. I just really hasn't done a lot for me since he's won that title. I, I didn't like this booking with all so theory again. So they did show a clip of the Andre the Memorial Battle Royal. Yeah. Which makes did. me think that we might get one because they hadn't mentioned it or anything, but and you sort of wonder if they showed that clip that if, if they weren't gonna have one, they probably wouldn't have showed that. So I'm I'm curious if we're gonna end up getting one for, you know, Omos and 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 those types, but I did hear something about maybe Omos and Lashley if Lashley was ready. So that, wow. um, so maybe we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, we had a RK Bro beat Alpha Academy, but this is mainly more about just kind of continuing the storyline with these three tag teams because Street Profits are going to be in the mix, and this should be a really good match. I'm glad oh, yeah. that Alpha Academy is able to get their WrestleMania match, and Street Profits too. They're going to get a, a good Mania match here, and um, th- this will be. A lot of fun, and I wouldn't be shocked if this was something that opened the show that night if they don't have Seth or uh, something else planned. Shush! Shush! <laughs> you know, they were Shush. on... Uh, He's great, I, I'm a big fan of uh, WWE's The Bump on yes. YouTube. I, yeah. I, you know, you get a lot of personalities on there that are uh, that are out of character, um, not to take away from, uh, what is it, Ryan Satin's um, um, out of character podcast. Fox, uh, but yeah. Yeah, um, Kevin Owens was on last week, and so was the Alpha Academy. Kevin Owens was on Skype or Zoom, and he gave the little subtle shush to uh, to Chad Gable, and they all broke. It was just it was just so much fun. Yeah, I, I think this match is. Uh, I think it's going to be a heater. It's a banger. I, I think all three of these teams are going to go. Um, I would think Ortle or Ortle. That's that's funny. I would think Orton and Riddle. Would, I love would, what you would, did there. That's like Wordle. You got the Wordle, Wordle right yeah, there. <laughs> and I still don't understand that damn game. I see it. And yeah. I, and I've, I've tried. I'm like, what's what's the big idea? What's the big deal? Um, I would like to see a program where Orton and Riddle uh, are go with that program. Uh, if so, you would probably they would have to lose the titles. If so, if they do lose the titles, does it go back to Alpha, Alpha Academy or the Street Profits? I don't know. That's why I'm kind of under the. Uh, insinuate, or I, I think Orton and Riddle keep the titles. I just, um, I don't know. I don't know here, man. I'm kind of down on it a little bit. 
but because I'm so high on Alpha Academy, I think they have carried yeah. this tag team division on Raw for a while now, and I think they deserve to get their moment. I would put the titles back on them. Dana Brooke, she <laughs> she looks so excited. All, that's all I will say is she looks happy. And for for all the the people, it, like as a fan, when I see people that are in AEW that seem like they're happy, and that's what a lot of the like the really hardcore fans will say, "Hey, this, they're they're happy. They're doing what they want to do." When I see people in WWE that feel like that, I I at least she seems like she's enjoying getting TV time, having a story. She didn't get opportunities to even you know have anything going on, which she she has now. And then you've got Akira and Tamina who are. I feel like they're they seem like they're having a good time with this too. And and Akira does too. I think he he's like he plays into this 24-7 stuff pretty funny. You know, Tamina's hand is bigger than his uh uh Tozawa's face. His head, his <laughs> she, entire head. Dude, she puts her hand on his face and tries to give you know, he's just wanting a little kiss, right? You know, quit teasing him, uh, uh Tamina. No longer need you do you need to be Mina? Tamina. Um, oh, it's fun. Mina. <laughs> yeah, look, it's fun, and you're gonna get a couple of these moments probably on both days. You're probably gonna see a couple celebrities or two become the 24-7 champion throughout the weekend. Um, I, I think maybe somebody does it at access. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the Bellas or you know, that's that's gonna go on all weekend. It's fun. It's not it, look, it's not supposed to be serious, as you say. It, it's entertainment. And I, they're all having fun. Why not? This is what the 24-7 title is supposed to be. I'm sure R-Truth is going to be involved mm-hmm. this weekend or some of this stuff. I, I see it going through, you know, the WWE access, maybe the Hall of Fame. Yep. You know, you get all kind of stuff this weekend. I can see a Hall of Famer winning it, winning it for five minutes. I think it'll be fun. We got uh, AJ getting the win there in that main event by DQ as uh, Edge came out and made his appearance and hit AJ with the chair. So uh, furthering their storyline a little bit. But uh, this show is a lot about Seth And we see if Seth can find someone To wrestle at Wrestlemania <laughs> We'll see next week um, Worth mentioning as we kind of Transition over and uh, and finish up with, with NXT here Earlier today as we were uh, Getting ready to to Record Triple H actually Announced his retirement He went on Stephen A. Smith They had an interview and Triple H has had uh, Some major health issues as of late We haven't seen him around for a while and he had said that now because of uh, of the heart issues he had, he's going to announce his retirement and he's not going to do any more matches. Man, that was uh, not that we expected Triple H uh, to ever be in a big program, but anytime WrestleMania rolls around, um, he has been instrumental. He was, look, I remember when he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley, um, his beginnings in the WWE, He, you know, he was... Him and Lord William Regal um, together. Triple H has been just... He lost, uh, he lost to Ultimate Warrior at that one yeah. WrestleMania, right? He got squashed. You're right. Yeah. And, and he's just synonymous. You know, him and Shawn Michaels and what you thought about with, with WrestleMania, Triple H was that guy. Remember, was it long ago that it was Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Ronda Rousey? Uh, you know, and Ronda's first taste uh, in Triple the H, WWE. Daniel Bryan at the right. Uh, With Daniel, right? Yeah. So this is, and to hear the emotional side for him, where if you haven't seen it or heard it, you know he's he gets diagnosed with viral pneumonia, and 
lo and behold, he's got a heart issue. And I had no idea. The guy's got a defibrillator in his chest. I mean, my dad has that. And it's my dad's had open heart surgery, you know, years ago. And you don't think of someone, and Triple H is not old, but you don't think of someone like Triple H with a defibrillator, you know, placed above his heart in case his heart stops. And it was, he was very emotional in this interview. And he, he thought when he was going into surgery, about his, you know, his daughters and, uh, you know, for all the, the crap people want to give Triple H for doing this, doing that. He is uh, one of the absolute best, very, intri- very instrumental in uh, WWE, man. It's uh, I'm glad this guy is still around and very instrumental in NXT as we <laughs> yes, transition on over there. We had Sola Sokoa. beating Roderick Strong and he's going to qualify for the North American ladder match. But we did find out. Uh, that uh, after Grayson Waller qualified later, he defeated A Kid. That it's going to be Roderick, A Kid, and Cameron Grimes in an opportunity uh, in sort of a last chance qualifier next week. So one of them will also make their way into the uh, the ladder match. Our guy Tony D. Tony beat, D. Uh, beat Dexter Loomis. Electra Lopez got the win over Fallon Henley. Braun Baker defeated Glorious Robert Roode. The Creed brothers beat the Grizzled Young Vets. Gunther defeated Duke Hudson. And EO and Kaylee Ray defeated Dakota and Wendy Chu. So uh, Solo Sokoa, man, he's got some buzz right now. And and what Carmelo's kind of seems like they're building a little something with him. I don't know if it's his moment right now, but I I wouldn't. There are two guys I think could win the ladder match. And he's actually one of them. I think he really? has a legitimate shot. Him and Grimes, and and I don't know if 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 Grimes wins the ladder match, he's going to win the the title and beat Carmelo. If if it's Solo Sokoa, I could see him winning and Carmelo beating him, but it just sort of like starting a feud and showing you that they're behind Solo. But they're they're getting behind him here, and uh, he picks up the win, and then afterwards, you know, Carmelo kind of comes in uh, and and kind of trash talks him a little bit, and, and Escobar's out there also, so. There's a, a a lot going on here. Solo Sokoa in the uh, in the ladder match. Well, first and foremost, kudos to you for calling this Cameron Grimes spot. Um, I think someone's listening to that's what G said every week. Up they there. are. He cut a fantastic yeah, promo. <clears throat> he did, and uh, you called it. You said you could see. You know, you felt that uh, he's got one more shot, and uh, this was probably it. Um, I think you just sold me on Solo. What, just the little things like that that WWE does, NXT does, to get you invested a little bit, um, to show you that, uh, number one, he looks just like the Usos, man. Th- this guy is a spitting image. I, he's he's the next big star from that family. It's crazy how many professional wrestlers and athletes come from this 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 long line of, you know, of family that we have in professional wrestling i i thought it was a good match i thought it was a a strong opener um i don't see roderick strong or a kid winning that uh last chance qualifying match no, i don't think next so tuesday i think it's 100 grimes but uh solo is definitely one to keep an eye on uh in that ladder match which is going to be phenomenal next saturday morning we had a, a good amount of index and duja on the uh <laughs> on the show here. Jeez, hey, dude, what you know? You, you talked about Gunthar. Um, that match with Duke Hudson, holy heck! Whew. Duke Hudson's chest was just like, blood red, which is beating. 
Oh my oh gosh. God. Dude, how do you not cry in that match? You know? You're right. How do you how are you not tearing? Like <laughs> just take off running and say oh that's enough. Gosh, I don't that care was... what training you have. Nothing prepares you for that that those chops. For that. So Tony D beats Loomis because they're they're setting up the the feud between um you know the uh, the index and and Duja sure, feud sure. here. So this was more like an angle and and Tony D is going to uh you know continue on to his feud with Champa. Tony uses the crowbar and uh and wax um uh Loomis and gets the pin here And then post match he starts to call out Champa and so Champa from behind Comes and hits him with the fairy tale Ending and Champa sort of says hey This might be my final chapter and if it is I hope it's got a fairy tale ending So oh I like that yeah Yeah I th- and I think it will be I think Tony yeah. D goes over I don't know Tony D I don't think he has to go over Me neither Tommaso's last stand I think you give a send off to Tommaso I think yeah, you see a lot of tears and I think Tommaso probably goes over in this. Yeah, match. you could do that. I don't think it'll hurt. It would hurt Tony no, either not at all. Um, to do that. And uh, we have Electra beating Fallon Henley here. Electra has, she's got a presence to her. You know, yeah. there's some, there's, there's definitely something there. And I think they can build on, on her. She was, she did a good job for that little bit when Santos wasn't around when she had fan, uh, Legado del Fantasma with her. So I think there's definitely something there for them. Uh, we got Draco Anthony, Zion Quinn, and then Gacy. Just real weird. I'm yeah. Not, hard to buy into. Gacy. I know. That, look, I was all behind Gacy. I thought, okay, this is perfect. Cancer, uh, cancel cancel culture. culture. It was funny, Jimmy. <laughs> you look, and, and I just think it kind of fizzled out, and now he's not even really around, and he's sending messages to Draco. Not really into this. What I thought the match of the night. Uh, was Braun Breaker and Rude. Rude This man. was really good People forget Dude, how good really Rude good. could be man, Yeah he's good. He is The crowd was chanting this is awesome They were loving it We got a little more uh, backstage With Indy and Dexter And Persia and uh, and Duke Because that set up The Duke versus Gunther match We already talked about Waller versus A-Kid Waller got the win in that qualifier And so uh Gunther and Duke Hudson was a little later on, and as you mentioned, that was just Gunther beating the beating the crap out of Duke <laughs> Hudson, and um, and then after that match, he set up a match with our guy L.A. Knight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure Gunther probably gets the win there, um, but we've been saying it for a while. LA Knight, it's like they just they put him in all these big matches in these big spots, and he's probably going to lose. Uh, yeah. But I did like uh, that that Gunther was sort of saying, "Hey, look, you're not very good in the ring. You just talk your way into a match." And he said, "I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll show you how to talk my way, and I'm gonna kick your ass." Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I think next week you have a six man. Uh, you know, look, got a lot of big go home shows next week. Uh, next week is so freaking crazy it's with nuts. professional wrestling, right? Monday night, you, you've got the go home show of Pittsburgh. Uh, I think Lesnar and Reigns are going to be on this show. Um, I think Sasha Banks, you're going to have a big women's match. But anyway, you have LA Knight and MSK against Imperium next Tuesday night, which is going to be fantastic. Um, you know, I feel as if, you know, they've put L.A. Knight in these positions uh, to kind of get you, you know, we know 
we think that Tommaso is going up to the main roster, and he has to be. He's basically told us his goodbye speech two weeks ago on NXT 2.0. I feel the same with LA Knight. I, I think he's gone. I think he's, he's up. You. He's too valuable, man. He's so over right now, too. To put this guy up, the crowds love him and just and to let not have him... a chance, not to have a belt at all or be involved. He just came out of the grind storyline and just to turn baby face just like that. And the crowd loves him, man. It was just instant. It's one of those things that was natural, right? It wasn't forced. It he has was a like, good factor. Yeah, he, he just does. has it all. He does. He, he really does. And uh, the Creed brothers got the win over the grizzled young veterans. So I'm wondering. Do you think it is MSK who who attacked them and who, and they're going to be heels because they they're you know they're benefiting from this they're ending up getting a tag team title match which they really shouldn't and they were kind of being a little heelish a couple different times I, I that would be my guess on on who attacked them if we find out afterwards that it was MSK maybe MSK wins the titles and then we find out the next NXT after that. Ha ha Creed Brothers, it was us all along. And then we have and then, a and they have a program. Yeah. Yeah, moving forward those two. I'm okay with that. Um yeah. I, I could unless we have two new people debuting, which I don't think that's the case. Uh I do know they have a lot of people waiting to come up uh from the performance center. I uh, wouldn't be surprised. Heck, it could be, you know, Brooks and Dunn, but they're in a they're in a storyline now with uh Legato Del Fin. Phantasma and I think that matches next week But I would think it's MSK Maybe MSK also does something silly With LA Knight next week To kind of show some Hill stuff and they kind of leave LA Knight to himself I don't know But I would be all for Creed Versus uh, Creed Brothers versus uh, uh, MSK 100% I like that I was Brooks and Dunn man Those guys <laughs> I want to hear that guy Singing like like I want to hear him Come Beyond out singing food. to Brooks yeah, like a, a boot scoop boogie or was a mama. He's the girl. Mama Rhea. Mama Rhea, you are the sunlight when the skies are great. Well, I use Scott State's voice too for Creed, for every song that we sing. I right? I know. Mama Rhea, you are the take me away. And he's the womanizer, so he can be singing to Mama Rhea. That's funny. Oh, man. Mama Rhea. Little Brooks and Dunn is a. Uh, we finish up. I gotta say, I we don't know exactly why. Did you say we think that there's maybe an injury to Gigi? But yeah, something's up. Wendy and Dakota end up losing in the finals to EO and Kaylee Ray. And it was a really good match. It like all all four of the women did a fantastic job. But then post match, we get the EO and Kaylee Ray celebrating, and then Toxic Attraction comes out. And they come into the ring And so the the women now say that They're Going to trade in The victory And they're going to go for the women's title Instead and make it a four way Like huh? that what you can do this How, <laughs> how come other, How come other teams know. haven't How come every other team hasn't done this before And just traded it in to go for the world title <laughs> And not the tag team title I, I, yeah. I, Coop, I love you, buddy. Accident. But if well, we get a shot at the tag team titles and I can trade that in, you, me- you remember it was like uh, this was when I used to love watching Impact back because God, he's not very fun to talk about right now. But Austin Aries, when he had the option, <laughs> option C, I loved the option C. He was the X Division champ, and yeah. he he said, "Hey, here's the option C. I can trade this in 
for a chance at the world title if I if I am the champ at the X the X destination pay per view or whatever it was. You know, yeah, option yeah. C, and that was sort of what this one. <laughs> option yeah. C, we trade him in. You see- can't you see Axe and Smash of Demolition right now? Like, wait a minute. We could have done what? this. What? You, know, uh, you know, I could see a Legion of Doom, right? And I'm hope and I hate to say this. Uh, let me say it this way so I don't sound like a dick. There has um, to be an injury for this reason. We're not hoping there not, is. And, and if not, then why? Why would you have done two this? And Dakota Kai not go over anyway. Just have you know? two and Dakota win, and then you could have these two in the Fatal Four Way, like we thought. We sort of thought that might be where they were going. Well, Kaylee Ray has already lost to Mandy Rose. And right? what was and it what would, was the one uh, the Valentine's uh, kind of pay per view match night that what? they had for uh, on NXT? So uh, look, you're done, sister. You're and why even? Because what's her name's hurt. Why even have Dakota Kai mention the whole like I'm going to be the first person that's on that trophy twice as a woman because right. as a woman or man or anyone because then you're like oh you're right that kind of has a little story to it and then Wendy brings up the the friends thing and the the Raquel stuff it just seemed I didn't like it yeah it seemed like and is Raquel uh, Raquel she hurt I, 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 why isn't she building it felt like there was going to be something more with her and Dakota almost and I don't so I don't and know maybe, I mean, look maybe this is a way to Look, I, if if you're not giving the title next Saturday afternoon, which when this match is probably going to be towards the main event, is if you're per, if you're not giving Cora Jade the title next Saturday, which is unthinkable. She needs to look. I know she's young. Uh, she needs to have this title. I, I, I she's got to right maybe now. They're protecting her. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't want this though because the the one on one match, especially in a big show, feels so much more. Yeah, yes. it feels yes. may more important than beating someone. Because okay, what if she pins Kaylee Ray? Yeah. So does it feel like that big of an? Is it that awesome? She didn't get the win over Mandy. So I mean, you feel like she's got to get the win over Mandy. I just I don't think you needed Kaylee Ray and Io in this match. You could have had them two have like a grudge match against each other. That's true. Just like the partners have a match against each other at the end. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm a fan of a lot of what they've been doing on NXT, but the the stuff right now with the women it feels it was going in a good direction, and now it feels a little convoluted. So, six matches carded right now for uh, Stand and Deliver: LA Knight versus Gunther, Ziggler versus Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship, Imperium versus Creed Brothers versus MSK, Mandy versus Cora versus Io versus Kaylee Ray. Champa versus Tony D, and then the fi- uh, the ladder match: Carmelo versus Santos versus Solo Sokoa versus Grayson Waller, and then it'll be either Grimes, A Kid, or Roderick. That's a good. That's a good card on paper. It's going to be yeah, really good. So, Coop, we will have yes. fun next week, my man. We're <laughs> yeah. going to do like uh, I'll probably have you if you're uh, if you're available a couple times to. Uh, do a full roundtable preview with Andrew and Darren. We'll we'll get everybody together early in the week, and then maybe later in the week we'll uh, we'll preview uh, NXT and uh, and get all set up for that. If you're uh, if you're up for it, man, it's going to be a fun week. You have Raw, then NXT 2.0 on Tuesday, Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, if you take a break on Thursday, there's always Impact, which has been a lot better. Uh, Chelsea yep. Green and and uh, Cardona and Cardona have got, have just gone full heel. Uh, on everyone 
Friday night you have SmackDown. I think you also have the Hall of Fame, WWE right? Hall of Fame with the you Undertaker. Impact paper. Yeah, you have an Impact pay per view. You have a Ring of Honor pay per view, which is going to have a lot of people from AEW on it. Yeah. Um, and then Saturday you have you know Stand and Deliver, you NXT, have Night, night One, one Night Two. It, and then Monday Look, night after Raw, Tuesday night after is the, is the NXT. It's crazy. Woo! It's crazy. I'm giddy. I'm giddy. I know. I'm giddy, Gio. As wrestling fans, it's fun. This is a great time, and we will have a lot to discuss over the next few weeks. Coop Aloop, my man. Shout out to your Houston Cougs. They kicked the crap hey! out of Arizona last night. And as we were talking about uh, before we even started recording, they have a nice path right now. And, man... The coaching staff over there, they've done a fantastic job because this team, they shouldn't still be playing when you lose some of the players, the key players on their team that they lost this year. And it just is everybody buys in. They all play defense. They all play hard. No egos, man. It's just the way you you like watching sports be played. Yeah, just uh, just an old school mentality where they're content with keeping the scores in the 40s and 50s. And as you said, they lost Quentin Grimes to the NBA. Uh, Marcus Sasser, who uh, was their number one scorer, he hasn't played in I don't know how long. And look, man, if you look at Houston's schedule, though, this is why I don't like these these quad number victories. It just makes no sense. You know, Houston lost on a buzzer beater to Alabama earlier in the year. Yeah, they had a couple of losses to Memphis, but nobody's perfect. I just, but it wasn't I just Houston's the fault. They, they didn't defense. really have opportunity. No. Who else are the? No. Who else do you want them to beat? When you look at their their metrics and stuff, like their adjusted offense and defensive efficiency, they're top ten in both of them, which is fantastic. Top ten out of you know, three hundred sixty. And what is fun is, is they're doing it with the majority of these kids are on these roster are from the Houston area. And that's what's fun. You, you see these kids in high school, y'all, you know, most of the time they go off to Texas, Texas A&M, um, you know, the good ones will go, you know, out of the state. But what he's been able to do, whether you like Samson or not, you know, the guys, you know, it is what it is. See, he has that hiccup on his resume. But this is probably his best coaching job with this team who no one gave a shot, gave a shot to. And heading into tonight's four games, the last four games of of the Sweet 16, uh, they're the current favorite to win the NCAA tournament. And that's that's insane. And I think it's cool that they're in San Antonio. They're definitely going to have the crowd. I'm thinking about driving over. uh, Them and Villanova. It's uh, it's going to be a fun game. Look, March Madness is fun. it's it's fun, man. It just really been a good few years for them, man. Program. It's yeah, been a good been. couple years for them. He's he's been a program saver, that's for sure. Coop a loop, my man. You have a fantastic weekend. Good luck to those Cougs, and uh, I look forward to to touching base with you next week a couple times, man. We'll have a lot to talk about. WrestleMania week, Gino. Here we come. Woo! I remember the was it? Whoa, whoa! WrestleMania! Whoa, whoa! Love those old little WrestleMania tunes back in the day. Uh, you take care, buddy. We'll talk Stand soon. Back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Adios, yeah. What a crazy busy week 
the last few weeks, weeks ahead. I love it though. Lots happening in the world. And next week, it's not going to slow down at all because next week we'll continue along with the uh, the NCAA. It, you know, the last stages of of the basketball season. We'll have. Baseball getting closer and closer to start And it's Wrestlemania week With tons of shows all throughout Don't forget about the big prep races next week I think it's the Florida Derby And the Arkansas Derby next week Only a few weeks that remain at Sam Houston It is just a packed time in the world of sports We love it Oh yeah, by the way, Moon Knight's going to be starting up too We'll have the weekly recaps for you next week Starting there with Tim Kelly Another Marvel show, uh, MCU show on Disney Plus Loved this uh, this week getting to talk all these sports and racing with you folks. Hope you have a great weekend and uh, make sure to get some uh, wagers in over at Sam Houston on Saturday.